Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday night, January 27th, your 2018, the last Saturday of the month of January. How about that? No gas. Already? No gas from, the, from Florida. Now there she is. She's... Um, I'm on the floor. <laughs> Hard to hear gasps when you're on the floor. Isn't this awful? A whole month gone already. <laughs> anyway. Did you think, I, I mean, when we played Patricia's song. Yeah. By the way, that's Patricia over there. Way to the family, Patricia. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes, yes. It's, oh, uh, Patricia's here. Hi, Pat- everybody. It's Saturday night, and I love it, and we're back together again. Hi, Walter. Hi, How Patricia. I mean, do you think of your song as being a walk song? I mean, I do. I listen to the way they got the orchestra strumming in the background. It's definitely a waltz kind of style of music a, a waltz uh-huh. or a love a, a, wal- a waltz a waltz oh yeah yeah so mm-hmm. my question is and we have a caller so that can be for everybody tonight okay have did did all of us get some form of dance training when we were kids no my father taught me ah uh-huh so what did he what did he teach you he taught me the waltz. He didn't do the cha-cha-cha. 
<laughs> he didn't do stuff like that. But he taught me ballroom dancing. Okay. Now, see, when I was in elementary school, I remember the third grade, we, we were square dancing. Mm-hmm. We, we learned square dancing in, when, oh. in school. Yeah. Oh. You never, okay. you, who's never, on, who's you, on the phone? you never took square dancing, Patricia? Never took square dancing, no, and I'm disappointed, too. <laughs> I agree. Hello there, Carl, yeah. you're on with Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walter. Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul in California. So, Paul, did you ever take any dance lessons as a kid? Uh, no. No? I, miss, I missed out. I don't recall any any dance lessons. Not any square dancing or anything like that? No. Oh, well. No. <laughs> you know, I, as I was listening to you guys talking about it, I thought, huh, well, my mom let me down, and, and she let herself down because she always wanted to dance with me mm-hmm. uh, when I was a teenager, but... You know, I hadn't really been dancing, uh, and she's the kind of person that would have would have done well in teaching. You know, the other thing I'm going to ask people: Do most people grow up with a piano in the house? You know, maybe you might have it. It's been it's been there from generation to generation, and then there's nobody knows how to play it today. But yeah, did other did most people ha- grew up with a piano in the house? We did, but we did. it came it came I, a little I late. I did not, but my, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead, Paul. I interrupted you. I was going to say, we, we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came a little late for me, even though I still did play on it. Uh, but well, my mom had me started in accordion lessons, which I did really like. And uh, but also I would go and bring my accordion downstairs and even... I would uh, play my right hand on the piano, my left hand on the accordion, and switch back and forth. And, and then even one song, uh, even I would uh, be playing with my harmonica briefly, and then switch back to the piano. I don't remember what song that was. So, Patricia, I know you didn't have a piano in the house. We did not have a piano, but my grandmother had a player piano, of all things. Oh. I wonder what happened to it. can't imagine what happened to it. Was it my grandmother? Somebody in my family had one. That would have been neat. If it was, was it working? Do you remember it, if it, it yes. was working? Yes, it was. And they even had some roles for it, some music roles. Yeah. So we could just pump away with our feet and make the piano play. It was really cool. I'm, I'm sure it was my grandmother. But I don't remember. No, it couldn't have been. Go ahead, Paul. You had to pump it with your feet, huh? Correct. Huh. Wow. That made, I, I, it made the roll move. It, it wasn't pumping. You were actually, uh, I guess in a sense you were, but your feet made the the, the roll move it had it rolled from one roll to another okay and you, you pumped it you pumped with your feet to make the roll move so it was mechanical it wasn't air you didn't have to pump air like with an organ huh. and the roll kept turning and the it would create keys it would it would make the keys jump did you ever and that's did, hmm? did, go ahead 
Go ahead, Paul. Did I? No, that was it. Did I ever what? Did you ever fake like your pretend like you were uh, playing the piano while it was playing away? No. No, it was just fascinating to watch the keys hop around all by themselves. Yeah. But of course, it wasn't by themselves. They were, it was stuffed, you know. Sure. And it was fun. I don't remember what songs my grandmother had. I, I, you know, and I keep saying it's my grandmother, and I don't think it was. So somewhere in the family. Somebody in the family had a player piano. You don't huh. You're going to have to ask your, your brother or your sister see if they can recall. Yeah, yeah can... I think my brother might remember. Now. So it, it couldn't have been my grandmother because, well, never mind. <laughs> 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 I'll figure it out. <laughs> so my next question for the, for the, uh, for the panel, I asked it to everybody tonight. Um, did you grow up, did the family have its own stereo system and where was it in the house? You know, I imagine uh, each kid had their own probably when they're growing up in their bedroom, their own little, you know, record player. But did did most families wind up growing up with a stereo system in the house? Yes. Not for me, no. And for Paul, so was, yeah, so what was it in the house? It was uh, in what used to be the old dining room, but, but just as uh part of the living room mm -hmm. and uh it was a it was a console thing it was a whole big cabinet yeah i remember those yeah yeah and uh boy we used that a lot my brother and i played a lot I played very loud too you know loud enough to go out in the front yard and still enjoy it I remember one of the next door neighbors uh, came over one time, Mr. Rodriguez, and he, my brother was playing it really loud, and he and he went to him. He says, "Don't you think that's a little too loud?" <laughs> and my brother says, "No, I don't." <laughs> Which, of course, was disrespectful, but yeah, um, he just took it. He just took that and, and went home. They never did, you know, like tell my parents and get my brother in trouble or anything like that. Very nice neighbor. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, we were very close with him. Yeah. Paul, I sent you an invitation to join Dropbox so I could get some stuff to you. Were you able to go up and register? Oh, you know what? I didn't look. It was, okay. Uh, I I don't I don't check my email often enough. <laughs> <laughs> now you have an incentive to do I that. Can communicate. Yeah, now now this is actually better. That's how you can check, see what Patricia's done this week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will do my best to remember to go do that. Yeah, and then I can send you some Speed Gibson. Oh. Speed Gibson. That's what you wanted, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Of the international yeah. international secret police. That. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. That one. Okay. Well, we'll, I have... we'll start from the very beginning. Would we do have the very early episodes so I could hear? Them? I don't. I don't know. I have to. I have to look. Okay. I know but whatever I, I have, you will have. I know they're available because Patricia had contacts and. In the OTR <laughs> field. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm sure I have the entire set. Yeah. Paul. 
So if not, I will if make not, sure you get them. If, if hmm? not, she'll ask and she'll get them. And I, I have oh. inside information. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, before you leave, I'm going to give you a question that I was going to give Walden. So, it's a hard one. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Yes, yes. And then yeah. I have well, to ask you about your refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Did you? Oh, my, yeah. oh, yes, and yes. you have to tell me what's in my refrigerator. Yes. So you want to do refrigerator first? Walden got one item last week. It was cheese. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And Patrol One shopping again today, everybody, so there's new items in the, in the refrigerator. There, let's see. There's only one Two items. Oh, three items. I'm sorry. Three mm. new items. Okay. And um, I eliminated one, but you still, I will still give you credit for it if you guess it. Do you, do you ever go to Costco? Did just I what? Go to Costco. No, it's just Walmart. Oh, oh no. Yeah, just Walmart. They take us, um, you know, you sign up and say, okay, I want to go Saturday, and then they get us there, which I think is ever so nice. Yeah. So you, um, you use one of those electric scooters? Oh, no, you know, I could. It's, it's kind of tricky, you know, because I've got a wheelchair. And if one of the scooters isn't available, that's fine. I'm in my wheelchair. I can use my walker, but if I get there and there's no cart with, you know, the, the electric cart... If there's not one there, I'm stuck with my walker. So whichever happens, if I get into one of them, then the person who's driven us over has to bring either my walker or my wheelchair back to the back to the van. So, you know, I haven't used it. That's a long way of saying no, I haven't used <laughs> it. I well, yeah, but it, kind of, it gives a picture. It's complicated for you. That... Yeah. Well, it isn't because, bless his heart, the driver... There's, there's always one of the nursing assistants with us. They won't let us out well, without one of them riding shotgun. But the person who drives the van twice now has just gone all around with me and filled up a regular basket. And then he figured out, well, you're, you're chugging along with the wheelchair and I'm chugging along with the basket. You put the basket in front of you and I'll push you. <laughs> It's like a, a mini train when we go through. So yeah. We kind of gummed, yeah. kind of gummed up the works because he pushed a little bit too hard today, and I was clogging the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> At the intersection, I was I had gone through the red light in the intersection, but but it's really cool, you know. And I and I get everything I need, and then he brings everything upstairs for people. How about so, that? I mean, it, he is just so good to us. He, for he would have every reason to say, okay, guys, I'll meet you in the front of the store and go back to the van and entertain himself. But no, and I, I suppose they expect him to do, to help people. But my gosh, he just goes the whole route. <laughs> you say, what's next on the list? And I say, cheese. <laughs> and we go to the cheese section. And oh, say, okay. what's next on the list? And I'm not going to tell you because it's in my refrigerator now. So, what's your next guest? Cheese is taken. Okay, um, before I forget, you need to write a letter for him. 
I should what? Write a letter, a letter to to him, or probably to his boss, just telling how how yeah. thoughtful. Well, yes. his, his boss is here in the building. The administrator has an office here. And once in a while I stop in and say, okay, here are two more people who are just terrific. <laughs> and I have, I have done, really, That's I have good. done, we, we have a new assistant. She is so tiny and she speaks Spanish. She doesn't know a lot of English, certainly enough to, to communicate with right. the patients, but I swear the three words she knows in English and uses most is sure, okay, and of course. <laughs> she never says no. She never says, I'll be back later. She just says, okay, what time? <laughs> I'll say, yeah, today's my shower day. Okay, what time? Uh-huh. And I'll say, you know, 10 o'clock. She'll be there at 10 o'clock. I mean, it's just, she, and she is so cute and such a sweet personality. So, so we've, I'm really fortunate that I've got so many nice people here. Yes, you are. You yeah. are. Yeah. So, so what's uh, next? <laughs> what's in my refrigerator? <laughs> okay, um. The bakings for salad. That's right. Oh, yes, wow. yes, yes. I got lettuce because you told me about lettuce last week, and I thought, what a great idea. So, yes, I do indeed have lettuce. Good so job, cheese Paul. and lettuce are now taken. And that's all. You don't guess anymore because you got one. Okay. Okay. One guess only. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Paul got lettuce. Walden has cheese. Now you're going to ask him more stuff. Now you're going to ask him an OTR question or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is it. On January 21st, 1946, the Fat Man debuted on ABC. J. Scott Smart was the person who played the detective, and he had some weight issues himself. How much did he weigh in real life? Three seventy-five. Well then. Well, it's, a, it's we found out every week because they, um, the number they gave mm-hmm. it each week was his actual weight waiting for that week. So, I think like two thirty-seven, oh. two thirty-eight. That that's sort of the legendary story yeah. behind that. Uh, the legend didn't oh. work. Ah. No, he, he honest to goodness had a real life number of pounds. Take a shot. 275. Gosh, you are darn close. 270. Wow. In real life, he was 270. Could have played football. He could have been the goal. <laughs> he could have been the goalpost in football. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, Paul, so you did really well. You got lettuce, and I appreciate the suggestion because I came home with two small bags, and I will get at least six salads out of that. Very good. How tall was the? Do we know how tall he was, the fat man? You say Scott Smart? I do not know. I bet I could find it, but I don't know either. And for all the times I've read information about him, yeah, but he did one okay. movie as the fat man. You know, it got so popular, he started at the fat man in a fat man movie. So, mm-hmm. so sometimes maybe people could tune out on YouTube and take a guess what they think. But you never, you never know. I mean, they. They do they do tricks in movies, so. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> okay, well, I'm so glad that I got that I got you. All right, Paul. He, okay. Here, I'm so glad to hear you're doing so well, Patricia. 
Oh, thank you, Paul. I really am doing better. You and you know, there's something I, I don't think I told you, but my our youngest daughter, our last one at home, is mm-hmm. is getting married. It is <gasps> before, you didn't tell us. Oh, wow. When? Uh, February twenty fourth, I think. In February? Oh, it's almost here. Yes. Oh, wow. Only oh my week. goodness. There's only like four weeks left, and so it's been insane around here. Wow. So so busy getting everything yeah. and all that. Sure. Sure. So, Okay, well, we are expecting updates as you get closer and closer. Okay? All righty. Take care, Paul. All right. Thank you, Paul. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Good night, guys. Good night, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Jay Scott Smart was 5 feet 9 inches tall. Wow. 714. That's that's a pretty hefty weight for Uh 5'9". I mean, he had really big bones. You never know. Say what? May he have really big bones. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Like the steel pier. Oh, you are so bad. <laughs> hello there, your armor Patricia. Hello for hello, Patricia. Oh, Pat. Hello. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing okay. How's the water in Decatur, Illinois? The what? How's water? The, how's the weather? Oh the weather. Oh, it it wasn't too bad today. Good. I think it got up to the 50s. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I heard something that you was talking about, but I didn't get all of it. Okay. And I think it was last Monday or Tuesday you was talking about it. Okay. The, the older, you know, the, the okay, the station's going to be coming up to 100 years. Different radio stations, yes, yeah. um, because a lot of them started in, like, around, you know, 1920 and 21 and 22. Why? So, yeah, so a lot of radio stations, a lot of radio stations between 100. Right. Uh, not not yesterday, USA, though. Yeah. I know I know you're not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's my picky uh, unihood that it makes me say things like that. D-K-A-W-G-Y. Uh-huh. And, like, here... WDZ here in Decatur is the third oldest station. Really? Yeah, it came on in 21. The first one here in Illinois. So do they still have mm. the, do they still kept the same call letter? Yep, it's still the same. That's it pretty... started out mm-hmm. in Tescola. So they're only three years so, away. Yeah, so they're yeah, so and they moved to Decatur mm-hmm. in 48. Fascinated. Okay. Yeah. I, wasn't WWJ one of the first ones too? Somewhere along there. Might be. I think we all think of KDKA or uh, Pittsburgh. Um. I know. I, I used to be a. I used to get tapes from a certain group, uh, club, and they say either KDKA or WWJ. So it could be the one. I, I think uh, there's a. 
I think there's a listing on the internet. Yeah. Listing radio stations history. How old yeah. some of the old ones started and things like uh, that. So that uh, might be something for people to Google up. If yeah. Looking yeah. at their own little radio station in the area. And I and just a few, like a few weeks on general, you know, the uh, January first or December thirty first. Uh, KG, what? KGY, uh, Pittsburgh went off the air. I would. We were talking about that. I guess one of the, one of the news stations. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, went off yeah, the air completely. I, I taped that one. They was doing a, a tribute to it. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they said it, I, I have to replay it. I thought the way they said it, they came on in 1919. Wow. But I think what they could have done, it was like a Mars code. Mm-hmm. Or, until like 20 or 21 or until they actually got a radio license. Right. Because you think about some of the early... Um, Discovery like 1907 or 1908. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was more code yeah. that, that started. Yeah. I want, I'm thinking of a KNX started in 1909. Well, no, there's one up in uh, San, Cal, San Luis Obispo yeah. in California, San Jose, I mean, in 1909. You're, you're absolutely correct. And I think it was like Mars code mm-hmm. until like the 20s or whenever. I'm not 100% sure. Sure. Yeah. I thought I heard that somewhere. We had last night, Patricia, a young man in his early 30s, 32, Mm -hmm. uh, who is doing podcasting and now he's doing on radio history. He grew up on old time radio. Wow. And he is doing research and he's going to be doing a whole documentary on the early days of radio. And he has one, uh, he just did a couple on the last days of radio uh-huh. and found interview clips and sort of doing a whole hour presentation. And it's re- he's really good. Uh, and, he know, and he studied arts in New York. He's a Brooklyn kid. And, oh, yeah. And so he, um, he, he, so his editing skill, audio, video editing, and he was a copywriter and graphic design, you can see his, his skill level is really high up, and it, we had him on for an hour just to yeah. talk about what he hopefully wants to do. I, I heard uh-huh. part of that last night. He, he was interesting, wasn't he, Pat? Yeah, I think Yeah, I think so. And so, um, it's called The Wall Breakers. Yeah, yeah. And so people are looking, if you want to see his work, he has a website called The Wall Breakers. Yeah. Yeah. And he, that's what's his podcast. And they're very good. He got one on John. He's putting one out next week on Johnny Dollar. Oh. <laughs> and he's going to do yeah. the one in the middle of next month on the history of how radio got started. He just mm-hmm. did one on the, the last years of radio. And he just, I'm really impressed with his, yeah. with his skills. And I, I'll tell you something else. Long time ago, mm-hmm. I did, I always, I still do it, but I started, when I started back in the 60s with reel-to-reel tape, Yeah. and I made copies of different things for, you know, off the, like I, I had cassette and reel-to-reel, so right. I made copies, and 
when a tape, when a cassette, when a reel-to-reel tape, when I wanted to edit a reel-to-reel tape, right. I never sliced a tape. I never sliced. I got you. I never used a knife or anything. Because mm-hmm. the only way, the way they told me to 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 edit a tape is transfer it. Because the thing is, if you slice a tape, you're going to mess up the other side. Very true. You're going to mess it up. Very true. Well, that's why you, That's why they told me in school never to ed- cut a tape. Hmm. Interesting. It would mess. What, what kind of problems does that, co- does that cause for you when you're... When you're recording a show, and you've got two thirds of a tape left. Well, it's interesting. I know in the early days, you know, Frank Bushy was one of the very first one to have a, his own private recorder, mm-hmm. and and he said, in those days, buying reel-to-reel tape was like fifteen dollars. They were really expensive. Well, this, this was like late sixties, early seventies, and. They was only about four or five dollars then. Yeah, and so very much. So when he went back, when he he was the guy who was in charge of recording yeah. Bob Hope. Yeah. Uh, appearances in Ohio when a movie, and so Frank recorded all the day's event, went to the radio station, spent all night to edit the tape, and on the floor he had all the blank leftover tape. Mm-hmm. And the guy who ran the railroad station, what are you going to do with that tape, or Frank? Are we just going to throw it away? And he could, he couldn't believe it. So he went and got a spool and and wheeled up all that blank tape so he could have blank tape at the railroad hey, station. I'll tell you. And later, what I did, mm-hmm. I knew some friends had eight track tapes, and they was they was going to throw them away. So what I did, I recorded. The whatever that was on the eight track, I had, I borrowed an eight track player, and I recorded the music or whatever, whatever was on the eight track tape. Mm-hmm. And what? But after I got done recording, what I did, I brought some empty reel to reel tape, you know, empty cases, and you know the empty spools. Sure. So what I did, there were so many. I might have had maybe a dozen eight-track tapes or however many. I spliced them all together and made a one reel out of it. Ah. Made a reel out of it. So did it hold up? It sure did. It sure <laughs> did. I may still have them. I may still have some of them now. Wow. But I don't know what reel it is. <laughs> well, Pat, you want to guess what's in Patricia's refrigerator? Oh, well, how about a case of beer? (laughs) Uh, No, but that's a great idea. (laughs) Oh, you're funny. No, I don't have beer in the fridge. A case of Coke? Cake of Coke? Oh, no, you only only get one guess. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Just one. I, well, I didn't know how that worked. I didn't know. That's okay, Pat. <laughs> and I know you don't have email, so we'll, no. we won't worry about Dropbox. So, so with yeah. that. All well, right, Pat. Um, yeah. Pat, wait, before you go, 
<clears throat> I don't have any cola or Pepsi or anything in there. Oh. So we'll cross that one off the list. Okay. 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 All right, Thank you, Pat. I didn't know if you had drink beer or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was sort of that. Yeah, there are some there are some things they're a little sensitive about. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Take care. You have Pat. a good week. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. You all bye-bye. be good. You bet. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We know Patricia's not throwing a party. In a room, she doesn't have any beer over there. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Wait a minute! I could have a party without beer. I know you could. Maybe not a lot of people would come, <laughs> <laughs> but I would have a party. So you don't I have any, even you don't have any soda pop in the refrigerator at the moment. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Did I say that? No. No, you did not. You just eliminated a couple of brands. Ah, phones are ringing off the hook. It must be, the water must be warming up. That's why the phone is ringing tonight. Ah, good thinking. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Yes, this is Marilyn Ebert from Converse, Texas. Hi, Marilyn. Well, how? Marilyn, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm still trying to get used to my CPAP machine, but I'm getting used to it, you know. Good. Good. Is it, is Are it, you feeling is it, better with it? Is it clumsy? Not really, huh? Uh-huh. No, no. Are you feeling better during the day because you have that with you at night? Yes, I sleep better at night. I feel better Excellent. during the day. Excellent. They put me on an oxygen concentrator because, well, before I got the CPAP machine, I was dropping oxygen, which was, you know, yeah. not Not no. good. No. How did they, did they, did they have, did they go with you with a sleeping test? How did they decide? No, actually, I did it at home. They had one of the machines, they, well, they had this little watch thing that they hooked up to my, uh, that, uh, they gave me to hook up to my, uh, wrist and everything. Huh. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, so what we did was we sent it back to the, uh, the people that were test that were doing my sleep study. Okay. And 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 that's how they found out that I needed a CPAP machine. Interesting, because I, I I know some people they go to a place. They go to a sleep study place. Yeah. Right. Uh, I had trouble getting there, so they yeah. did it. They gave me a, you know, uh, I. They gave me a little deal that I could do it at home. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. Yep, and I, was, I don't know how people can fall asleep in these places when they want to study their sleep, and you you know that you've got people watching you all night long, and you're in your jammies. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when, when I go to a new place, it's always the first night is the toughest night to sleep. At least yeah. for me. For me. Well, you've got strange sounds and yeah. odd smells, and everything is different. You know. Yep. By the second night, I'm okay. But the first night. Really? First night, it, it could be an, an interesting trip because I'm <laughs> walking around. Why yeah. am I not getting any sleep? You know. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, I enjoyed listening to Fever McGee and Molly and, and the, the, the. I noticed there was two episodes that uh, Teeny, Tina, Teeny said the mm-hmm. night before Christmas, you know. Ah. Oh, okay. I think, 
or did they do it? Did they do it more than one time? Well, they, or, they yes. started in 1942, and they almost went every year until fifty two. But they took a couple years off. Um, oh, uh, but did, that's interesting. I didn't realize that because mm-hmm. I, I don't listen to them in sequence. Uh, so. That one slipped by me. I did not know that. Yes, you notice like for the one in Diffy One, it's the one that she talks about my doll. She sort of sings a song about the doll. Remember Molly? Uh, Molly fixed her raggedy Ann doll. doll. Yeah. And so they. Oh, no, I don't. I don't remember that one. Maybe, yeah, right. An episode or something. That one is not played too long. It's in Diffy One, and then, and then I think the King's Man, Ken Darby, wrote a Christmas song. Like in '48, so they tried his own song, "Rather the Night Before Christmas" in '48. So there was a couple years. Wasn't it about twice that they did the, they did the, that she wanted to do the "Twas the Night Before Christmas" for, uh, Fever McGee and his, uh, his wife, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Remember, there's that famous one where he's out looking for his key ring. And yeah. he's digging. He's digging through the snow, through all the city, and Teeny wants him to come over. To she has a present for him, and he doesn't want to do it because he knew she was gonna sing the night before Christmas. And and finally, Molly talks him into going over, and she had the keys for Fibber. Cause he he picked it up while they were in the rehearsal. You're absolutely right. So that that's the one from '47. Yeah, the fun show. Yeah, I know. That really was cute. He, yeah. he just didn't want to pay attention. She kept saying, but I have a surprise for you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Don't bother me, sis. I'm busy. <laughs> bother me. Oh, it's true. Miss Soto is a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to the Gildersleeves, Chris, you know. I like Which one? I Which one did you listen to? Actually, several of them. Yes, I ran a whole bunch of them. Uh, cause I love them, and I ran, I ran, oh, I ran some of the one from the late 40s, and some during the war, and some for the 50s, and all of them, uh, have a, a unique story. You know, a couple of times they did while the chimes rang, two, diff- two or three different times, but, you know, you have the, you know, you have the one where, when, uh, where Walter Tetley or Lee, Lee, they're trying to sell Christmas trees out in the empty lot, and nobody coming. That was a great show. Oh, I loved that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, and he's out there so cold, and so that that's a fun one. There's, there's a lot of good Gildersleeve Christmas shows. Yeah, and I always, I always like Gildersleeve, you know. It's a great show. Yeah. It's a great show. But what I wanted to do was guess what was in Patricia's All right. You got oh, it, Marilyn. you go for it. You get one guess. What's in there? Salad dressing, like ranch or something. You got it. Ooh, Good right. for you. You got it. I have Greek salad dressing that I bought today to go with my lettuce. Oh, yes. right. Now, is that it's like good. something like that? Say again, Marilyn. Is that like ranch or something like that? No, it's it's a, a different kind. It's Greek salad dressing it's got 
uh, olive oil and cheeses, and I think it's got a little bit of anchovy in it, too. It's got a very nice flavor. I like it a lot, so I picked that one for today. So when you make your salad, are you going to add a little bit of the cheese, your cheese that you have in the refrigerator to the salad? Or just Probably. Gonna, or, and then just use the uh, the Greek dressing on top of that? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably use the, just the Greek dressing, but once in a while I like to toss cheese into my salads. So, yes, you're right, and you're right. Mm. Two times. So, Walden, how do you like your Amazon.echo? I love it. I've been playing with it. I've been talking to uh, um, the lady. If I say her name, she'll come on, but I better watch out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's right here. She's about two feet from me, and I've been able to find some of the old radio stations that used to be on Live 365, and I, did, I was wondering what happened to it. For example, I, I've here this week I found the Oregon Music Society. Remember, the, the, there used to be a station called the American Theater Oregon of Society, and they have their own 24-hour channel. And Whoa. I have I found a 1920s music station, and I found uh, I was looking through TuneIn. I was looking at all the different podcasts, and the Amazon will play will play podcast for me so oh yeah so i've been listening to uh i've been checking the the podcast we've been putting up for patricia but by the way we have over 510 files up there with patricia right now oh wow yeah how do i ask for the podcast for patricia just ask for the saturday night show just ask for uh uh and just ask for the saturday night show and it'll play it for you Oh, ask for the Saturday night show. Yeah, just call your elector and yeah. then play sa- the Saturday night podcast. And she'll play it for you. Play the Saturday night podcast. Uh-huh. Remember that. And, and, Frank, and science brand. And, and then Frank Brzee is the Golden Days of Radio podcast. And so we have those up. And then okay. eventually, once all Patricia files are up, Hopefully it'll be within a lifetime. Then we'll start doing all the <laughs> interviews. <laughs> Before I let you go, how is Frank Rizzi doing? Pretty good. He had some. Uh, he's had some time in the hospital. He's home right now. He's fine. Uh, the last couple of months been fine, but you can tell uh, he's not speaking as much. Um, so that's why you don't hear him right now on the Friday night show. Uh, it took a lot out of him out, out of the last hospital stage, and so uh, it's just I, I got up to see him a couple times, and he's gonna he's gonna be on occasionally. I mean, I hope so. I just I'm just waiting until um, until they settle down around there. Not, but uh, but you know I, I'm just but I check I check with Bobby and Frank on a regular basis. Okay. And but you know Frank's just not talking a lot. He's fine, but for him to initiate conversation right now is sort of a big effort. You you can have a conversation with them, but you just. No, Bobby. I know Bobby and Frank don't know me or anything. Yeah. But I I would like to have you tell them that I'm praying for them. I will do that. I will do that, Melon. We appreciate okay. that. Okay, we'll we'll let you all go. All right, Mel, and talk to you soon. Okay.
Thank you for calling in, and thank you for being one of the ever so few who've guessed something in my refrigerator. <laughs> you did good. That's right. Patricia, Patricia refrigerator is not going to be a mystery too much longer. We we'll all know what it is. I don't know. I got. I. You didn't get half yet. <laughs> no, but we should, we're making progress tonight. Over two weeks, we were sure in the dark. So at least we're making uh -huh. some progress. Well, yes, I you're making said, progress. I almost said mayonnaise or salad dressing, but I didn't. Oh, but you can't guess. I don't have mayonnaise in there, but you can't guess. Just that one guess. That's all you get. Okay, and then next week I get to guess again. Right? Yes, right. Yes, you That's do. Right. We're making progress tonight. So. <laughs> okay, Marilyn, well, you have a good week, and maybe we'll get to talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you. All righty. Good night. Good night. Good night. Just reminding everybody that Sensor Myers will be with Patricia in about three weeks on February the 17th. So put that on your calendar. Yes. Yeah. Cynthia, Cynthia has an enormous amount of research about radio advertising. And all of us have had so many questions about advertising and how it came about for the old-time radio shows. So she's going to be a lot of fun. This will not be her first visit. She's been with us before. Oh, yeah. So, she's yeah. She, she, when, when, uh, when Patricia shows up, the two girls can run away with the show, and so I'm really not needed. <laughs> we just have a good time. <laughs> Hello there, y'all, with Patricia. Hey, guys, it's Ralph. How you doing? Hi, Ralph. Ralph, how in the world are you? Well, I'm in the world, that's for sure. Well, that's good. Well, that's a good start. That's a good start. <laughs> this is Ralph in California, another California kid. A New Yorker, too. But New Yorker at heart, though. Actually, I'm, I'm not really a New Yorker. I'm from New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, same thing, with, same thing with Patricia. I mean, Patricia, is, if, are you really a New Yorker, Patricia, or are you a New Jersey-like? Well, I was born in New Jersey, and, and I was there. Hold on. Okay. Excuse me. I always get a frog up here on this floor. I was there until I was eight years old, and then we moved to New York. I was there about to the same age. Really? So why did, did you live in New Jersey, Ralph? I'm sorry? Where did you live in New Jersey? Oh, I, I was born in Trenton. In Trenton, okay. And I lived in Woodbridge. Okay, I don't know where Woodbridge is. It's about... Mm, about 17 miles from New York. Okay. Okay. All right. So you're in the cookie-cutter <laughs> area. And I even remember that Trenton is the is the state capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. I, I always associate Trenton with the um, American Revolution, you know, the, the Trenton battle. Uh-huh. That is correct. I'm trying to remember. Did we, did we win that one or did we lose that one? <laughs> I can't remember, and it wasn't terribly long ago that it popped up, and I get emails from Smithsonian and the History Channel, history.com, and it came up in one of the history emails, and I don't remember. Isn't that terrible? Well, you would think our New Jersey families would know about their own well, battles. Maybe I could look it up. Hold on. Is that where, is that where we fought the Hessians? I don't know. I guess Patricia's going to find out. The Hessians? 
Yeah. No, the Hes- I don't think the Hessians were involved in that. I think it was straight British. But let us see. Oh, Trenton. So how how are you Tony holding up from the the car accident last year, Ralph? Are you guys make are you a guy feeling pretty good after the recovery and everything? Yeah, we're doing all right. Tony Tony's doing a little better than me. I I, I really got whacked around. Okay. But uh, you know, uh, not as young as I used to be. Don't heal as fast. Yeah. It took an injury to my back and. What are you going to do? It's life. you got to live with it. Yeah, true. So have you bought? You are absolutely correct. It was Hessian soldiers wow. that they fought. And George Washington and his gang took they yeah, they won the battle. they crossed the Delaware River, and they, they, they surprised them. Mm-hmm. As I recall, I wasn't there, but I... <laughs> you are absolutely on target. So have you bought a new car to replace the one that got smashed up, Ralph, or is that uh, still? We, we, we lost our pickup truck, and, you know, where we live, you almost have to have a pickup truck. Right. So we're in the process of getting one. Okay. One re- relatively soon. But uh, I, I really I really miss my old truck. It was, uh, it was always there for me. Yeah. You know, it was an older truck. But it only had 97,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. That's the one you blew the horn for us and woke up Tony one night. Oh, the Uber one, yeah. <laughs> you did it for posterity. I've had that horn since 1964. Wow. Woo. So you still have the horn, right? Yeah, yes, it's down in my shop. And okay. <laughs> How did you find the horn? Is there a story behind the horn? No, it, I bought it new in 1964, and I put it on my hot rod. Aha! Uh-huh. I've had more fun with it. My mother referred to it as obscene. <laughs> so how much did it cost in 1964? Oh, God, I don't know. Ten bucks, six wow. bucks. So you at least you got a lot of fun for ten dollars. Oh yeah, I had so much fun. <laughs> well, we had fun that night. I'm not sure Tony did, but we had fun. No, Tony had fun. <laughs> oh, he's such a good sport. I used to use it a lot of times to straighten people up that were bending over. And... <laughs> it was it you actually are... laughed. The cure all. Is that funny? <laughs> that is funny. Okay, what what did you do w- that was fun with the horn when you were when you when the car was brand new and the horn? Oh God, I just you know I disconnected the regular horn on the car. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I use it for everything. You know, I, I wired it right into the horn system. Okay. You are a hoot. You are a hoot. Did I? Did you ever hear the story? Um, I think Frank Percy used to tell the story. Uh, he knew. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I think it was Art Gilmore was telling it. I think uh, they were. He was Dinosaur's TV announcer. Uh huh. And Chevrolet gave him a special horn. 
and it was named, it was, you know, and it went along with the song, you know, uh, see, see the United, see the United States in your Chevrolet, it's play that, it played that melody, mm-hmm. and, and he told, when he was parking the car at the TV station, he told the guy who parked, you know, don't honk the horn, because mm-hmm. Dinah might hear it. And because he was the only one that had the horn like that in the in Hollywood, oh. and so, so he was getting ready to do the dinosaur, t- and they parked the show, and the guy who parked the show accidentally hit the horn, and Dinah heard it, and guess who also got a horn next week, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, horns can be a lot of fun. Uh, years ago, in the uh, in the fifties, I worked for. Krug Bakery, which was a home delivery, kind of similar to Duncan's, not Duncan, but uh, Dugan's. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and on all, all of our trucks, we had a, a special horn, and it went like, ba 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 ba. Really? Wow. We used to say it said stale bread, stale bread and rolls, you know. <laughs> but that, that, that got me into horns, I think. <laughs> You know, if you think about the old ice cream trucks that had those, what do you call those, those music things? Oh, the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where did that come from? Was that like a loudspeaker that was put on the trucks? Or that, yeah, that... I, I don't know, but I had a lot of fun with them, too. <laughs> they, they, I, you know, I used to work on the graveyard shift for a lot of years, and the ice cream truck had come down the street uh-huh. when I was trying to sleep. Uh-oh. You'd hear all that music in the house that rattled, you know, and I, I, I would get up and go to the front whist- window and whistle real loud out the window, and the guy would turn around halfway down the block and come back up looking for a customer. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> whistle again, and he'd come back down. Oh, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. That was a terrible brat. Oh, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a piece of work. Oh, my goodness. Why do you want to wake me up? <laughs> yeah. Well, just trying to make a living, I guess. Yeah. Ralph had a lot of fun. <laughs> Everything I did was fun. Oh. So what was the worst job you ever had, Ralph? In other words, you made you 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 made fun out of almost everything you ever did. You know, if, whatever job or thing yeah, you did, I, you always had fun with it. Whether was there ever a job that you could never get any fun out of? Yeah, <laughs> one of my first jobs when I was uh, before I went in the military, I was probably uh, sixteen or seventeen years old. I got a job at a radio factory. And it was like a production line, you know. Uh-huh. Come by and you put a screw in it, and that was all you did all day long. You put a screw in, you put a screw in, put a screw in. And I got two days. I quit. I couldn't get any any satisfaction out of that job. No brain work in that. And my goodness, you needed something to think. Wow. Yeah, oh my gosh, that would make you nuts. Yeah, you never seen the finished product. You never learned anything except how to put in one screw. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you lasted two days. That's, a, <laughs> that's to your credit. I think the, the radio company, I think it was Pilot Radio. Uh-huh. The name of the company. And they had a big factory down in uh, Astoria, Queens, mm-hmm. New York. And I said, this is impossible. I said, this is four months. Said, well, you know, what are we going to do next? Said, that's it. I said, oh, oh. I was gone. Well, you can probably see why a lot of factory jobs have left the United States, you know? Oh, my. Yeah. Hopefully there's going to be a big recovery. I hope so. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Ralph, you know we're playing What's in My Refrigerator tonight. Oh, what, what's in your refrigerator? Uh-huh. Yes, and you only get one guess. Yeah. I went to Walmart two times, and... Uh, I, it's a given I have milk in there because we get milk here. And so far, cheese, lettuce, and salad dressing were guessed. What else is in there? Tomato. Bread. Tony's, Tony's cueing me in back there. Okay. She's saying tomatoes. No tomatoes. Okay. That's it. Only get one guess. That wait a minute, wait, idea, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? wait a minute. Can yes, we, that, yes, yes. can Ralph have a guess? That would totally get, can Ralph have one? Oh, ooh. Does that sound fair? Got any okay, friends? Ralph, okay. We've got two listeners and two guesses, you're right, yeah. okay. Okay, you get to, that would totally guess, so you get a shot, Ralph. You get the, you, you get the, without, without any coaching from the, from the, from the audience. Peanut Go gallery. <laughs> no, no coaching from the peanut gallery. Go ahead, Ralph. Take a guess. You must have bread in This is in the refrigerator. Well, some people have bread in the refrigerator. But I guess, but uh, it gets stale in the refrigerator. It's good in the freezer. But no, the answer is no. So you got two strikes. The end. Okay. No more guesses. No more guesses. I would suggest you get a new refrigerator. Well, she did. <laughs> she did get a new refrigerator, but she hasn't filled it up with bread, that's all. If I lay around here all night and listen to you, are you going to eventually tell us what it is? Well, we're on this for two weeks now, and so far only three items in two weeks have been guessed correctly. She'll be here for another half hour, so she'll have, she'll, she might disclose, we'll see who else guess. guess. You know. Get another guest next week? Yes. Yes, of course. Remember year, a couple of years back, you, had, you were asking people what you were what you had for dinner. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I guessed it was either a shake or a smoothie, and I was right. Remember? That's right. We'll have to, really? We'll have, to create, oh. we'll have to create, Patricia, a website, whatsinmyrefrigerator.com. <laughs> where's Waldo and, and where's the cheese? <laughs> Oh, you're funny. <laughs> you're funny. Oh, you want okay. you got a trivia question for Ralph on on old time radio? Well, let me see what I've got here. Hold on, I've got pages all over the place. Uh, okay. Um, Gerald Moore. Gerald Moore played a really well received and well liked detective. What was the name of the detective? <clears throat> Gerald Moore. Uh-huh. Does it ring a bell? I am. It doesn't ring a bell? 
No, but you know, detectives. You know, I liked uh, I liked Johnny Dollar a lot. That was Bob Bailey. No, cross that one off. That, that's the best I can do. Okay, we'll save that for the next caller then. Right. Right. I, Patricia, I must ask, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Ralph. Thank you for asking. Are you doing cha-cha and stuff like that? <laughs> well, I'm getting the ch of the first one, but not the cha-cha. You're working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it, yes, yes. Uh, I tell you. Well, I, I just thought I'd give a quick call and uh, say hi to you folks. Oh, I'm glad you did, Ralph. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you. Well, it's nice to talk to you folks. It, 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 it gives me something to do. <laughs> well, you give us lots to do, too. So you have yourself a good week. When I hang up, I'm going to go back to doing nothing. <laughs> you know, that can be very exhausting. You folks have a fine, fine evening. <laughs> okay, you too, Al. Thank you, Ralph. Good night uh, to you and Tony both. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, if the uh, this is the show where people who have nothing to do call her. That's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you rephrase that? We're worth, we're worth something then. Oh, gee, I guess, I guess we'll give them a call. <laughs> nothing else going on around. I finished the newspaper. <laughs> oh, gee, Wilkers. Hello there, your honor, Patricia. Hi, Harwood. Well, hi, Harwood from North Carolina. How are you? All right, I guess. Well, you've been the one stuck with all the bad water down there here the last two weeks. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> we, we were we were not supposed to get anywhere near an inch of snow, and I'm glad that was a prediction because I had nine and a half out here, but if I had a set of foot, I probably couldn't have got out of it. <laughs> but I ate all of it I could. So, so. Oh dear. So, so how much did you wind up actually getting hardwood? Did it say? At the airport, I think they said seven or seven and a half. Wow. But I'm uh, completely on the opposite side of town, but uh, in front of the shop and over beside the shop and all, I had nine and a half, and between the shop and the house and up in front of the house was eight. And hmm. for a fact, because I measured it, but um, apparently they didn't have quite that much at the airport. So did you have to shovel it yourself, or did you have somebody do it, or how did you... Uh, I did not shovel it. I, okay. I'm just not able to do that. No, I didn't think so. It's It's got to melt off. But like I said, I ate all of it I could, but yeah. <laughs> I couldn't eat enough. That was that was a bit more than an inch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, wow. How are your temperatures doing? Are they, have they come back up a bit? I'm sorry? I said the temperatures. Have they come back oh, yeah. up a bit? Yeah. Last few days, it's a whole lot better. But, of course, the week has snowed, and the week before... Um, it it has really been cold, at least for here, because I don't know. I guess 
it was four below or something like that. But the actual temperatures a lot of times were in the single digits. They had like eight, nine, five, stuff like that. Because you guys were making national headlines. I mean, I, get, I just heard all about the cold water in North Carolina out here. You know, they, they were making national headlines, you guys, with, with all that cold stuff. Well, I wasn't paying too much attention to what the media was saying. <laughs> or what I had. Oh. I even tried to buy snowshoes for the cats. You can't. Well. No, I, no, I couldn't get any. I tried. But I did find out they make snowshoes for dogs. Well, maybe. I missed that. Uh, Hollywood found out they make snowshoes for dogs. Snowshoes for dogs. <laughs> yeah, but oh, they didn't have any oh, cats. Yeah. So Hollywood couldn't order any for himself, but he found out they can give them for dogs. Maybe Barbara wants snowshoes for her dog in, in Alabama. What do you think? That's funny. Well, they had some snow the, when was it, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Or last week? Yeah. And she got two inches. It didn't last very long, but that should be it for the year. Well, they're do they make puddle about, shoes? They're talking about more in February for us, and whether it happens, I don't know. As far mm. as concern, I just didn't do without it. But I wanted the the snowshoe for dog. They come in different colors or something, you know. <laughs> well, you want them really bright so you can spot your doggy in the snow. Yeah. You know, years ago when Barbara was still working for uh, Norval Tent Company, um, I did put her up to it, but anyway, she was working in the office at that time, and she said that uh, I had to take a cat to the vet, and uh, we had to take her pajamas and two pair of bedroom shoes. <laughs> and And... A woman in there, it was working there. She saw what she was doing. She thought a minute, and then she said, "Why does she need two pair of bedroom shoes?" <laughs> and Barbara said, "Oh, she got four feet." <laughs> what a silly question! And this is the person you entrusted your cat to. Yep. Do what? You you entrusted your cat to this person. Well, no, this this was where Barbara worked, not at the vet. <laughs> okay. Okay. I still right. thought it was a stupid question, but, you know, people do come out with some sort of real Lulu sometimes. Oh, speaking yeah. of Lulu, mm-hmm. the Alabama City, or Burlington City, Alabama County, school system years ago, years ago called school because of snow and bad weather mm-hmm. because of Lulu. Lulu called whether the school or not. Hmm. And this is the honest truth. Lulu was a goat. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm quite serious about this. The guy that owns a goat, she pretty much stayed outside all of the time. But if it was going to snow or ice or something like that, he would call the school superintendent the day before and tell him Lulu has gone to the barn. 
She'd go make her a bed up and lay down. And she never missed it. Wow. She was always right. Of course, Lulu's dead now, but I just thought that was really amazing. So that's not Lulu Jr. or Lulu the Third to carry on the oh. tradition, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't guess there ever was one, but... Uh, I never heard of a weather goat. Yeah, well, you have now. <laughs> you have a lot of strange things. <laughs> That's really cute. That is really cute. I'll bet Dan had a cow that was able to tell with that kind of an accuracy. Cows are pretty good at that. They'll collect under a tree and curl up facing... I, they face... You can help me with this, Harwood. Do they face toward the rain or away from the rain when they lie down? I would say they face away from it, but I really don't know. Well, I was thinking about the pig. I don't know either. The, 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 the pig in Pennsylvania, uh, the one that they see the shadow that projects the... Oh, you talk oh about the um, groundhog. groundhog. Yeah, the groundhog. But that's not... They they have a bit of an inaccuracy error about that, don't they, really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he really doesn't. I mean, they, it's just a, a ceremony that they have. It, has it is. To do with they, the force, they force the groundhog to wake up and come out. Yeah. Uh, raising the heat in the, you know, what, what, the den or whatever they're living in. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in captivity. And uh, they force that on the second. All, 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 for, yeah, all for PR. Right. All for PR. All for the entertainment of people. Poor little Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah, and I'm sure most of the time he'd rather just stay asleep. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, you know, I'm really surprised that he hasn't bitten someone. Maybe he has and we just didn't know about it. Well, that's a question, that, that, it, question for Google. Yeah, yeah. Tony Phil ever bitten anyone? Or how long has this this tradition been last? I mean, this. I mean, you've heard about this for forty years. I bet it's been going on for at least a hundred years. Be my guess. Yeah. But it's not the same groundhog. They've had a lot of replacements. (laughs) Speaking of animals, no, it's not the same groundhog. I've got Um, uh, some. Well, I thought it was rather interesting trivia. Uh huh. What is the fastest creature on Earth? Ooh, mm. we had this one night. Oh, really? It's not a, it's not a falcon. Um, yes. It is, a, it is the falcon? Yes. Wow, good, Patricia. Now, what, do you know what speed? I will take a shot. My brain once in a while coughs up a good one. They can hit 200 miles an hour. They do better than that. Wow. The last time that I knew about, uh, I think, um, what is it? They did it for, um, the Guinness Book of Records. I, I just, I went black, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I think it was the 10th of October, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, falcons have been known to fly as high as 15,000 feet. Oh, my heavens. Wow. Amazing. 
I don't think that's a normal thing, but they have been known to. Anyway, for the test, they had a young falcon. She hadn't been grown long, so she didn't really know the ropes, but they attached a microchip in her tail feathers. And a guy jumped holding her at 15,000 feet. He released her at 12,000. Now, I really think he was in free fall. Yeah. Uh, they never said that. But anyway, he released the falcon at 12,000 feet. She stayed with him. And at 3,000 feet, he threw out some bait. Well, she put it in overdrive, went off and left him. But anyway, that was her first test. And they clocked her at 182 miles an hour. 183, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, at the later in the uh, after the that particular YouTube test thing, it said on there that they try, did the test again a week later, and she was clocked at 242 miles an hour. Wow! Can you just imagine that? No. Boy, that's what you call a fast date. Wow. Well, it they have this amazing ability to clamp their feathers in close, streamline their body. I guess it must pull their feet in close, too. Yeah. Reduce friction, distance, yeah. Uh, and friction as much as possible. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing the, the speed they can, can achieve. And... Um, of course, their sight's real good too, obviously. But they—I wasn't—I know they have hunted falcons or hunted with falcons for several hundred years, and maybe longer. But um, some people that have trained falcons are making good money with them, uh, renting their falcons out to farmers. Um, golf courses, things like that, where they're having rodent problems or birds, uh, like geese on the golf course, yeah. ducks. Uh-huh, yeah. and, uh, and moles digging up the greens. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, apparently they're quite successful with them because of their sight and their speed. Oh, one, yeah. One th- you know, they're, they're using falcons to, to hunt the rodents. Do you know if you need a permit to raise falcons? I got a sneaky feeling you do since it's a wild bird. Yeah. Even though it's been done for a long time, but mm-hmm. we've got now where you got to have a permit to even think about it, I guess. But I feel sure um, you must have to have one. You think people still? You think people still train carrier pigeons and you know different things like that? Uh, yeah. I don't think we have any. We don't have carrier pigeons. Yeah. We got off. Do we? Well, the passenger pigeons are, are extinct. Right. But I, I think carriers are trained. Yeah, they were the one for years. It seemed like you always seen the old movies where they sent the message. They put the message on their oh, yes. feet. Um, mm-hmm. You know. That has been done since World War Two. Right. After World War Two, even. Um course it's kind of like the Navajo code talkers with computers and things like that there's just no reason for it anymore but one thing I've noticed they call them white 
doves they release at funerals, mm -hmm. and I think those are actually pigeons. But um, a fr uh, woman and Barbara's known about all her life was talking about they did that at, at her husband's funeral, and I think she went and talked to the woman that you know brought them and released them. Mm -hmm. But they were watching, and, and that when they released them, and they flew, then they started circling the church for several minutes, and the woman told them they were um, orienting themselves, and once they did a few circles, they headed for home. Oh. Got home, they would be there. Didn't matter where she took them. So she didn't. She didn't try to recover them. Um, you know, after the funeral, whatever, they just went home. Yeah, my grandfather had carrier had um, homing pigeons. Right. And he he would have my uncle take them, in heaven help me in the most remote, desolate places, mm -hmm. and miles and miles from home, and he'd let them go. And as you say, by the time he got back to the house, the pigeons were already there. Well, now that brings up another thing that I was not aware of. I think I was watching about the um, uh, falcons. Falcons are extremely fast when they stoop. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in level flight, there are pigeons that can outrun them. <laughs> but in level flight, they're not moving at 242 miles yeah, an hour either. Like Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. <laughs> beep beep. Yep. Yep beep beep. Yes, you can breed them, and you need a special license to do that. Yeah, I kind of figured. You I I wonder if we should have somebody from the uh, CuriousPigeonSociety dot com come onto the well, show. You can have you can have the Falconry Society. Okay, that'd be fun. That would be interesting in, in hearing more about that. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it. That's a great. Trivia question, Harwood. I like that. Well, I don't know. Trivia fascinates me, and you can yeah. run into some peculiar things. And it's, I bet you they don't. I bet you don't buy snowshoes for them. I bet you don't either. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Are you gonna guess what's in my refrigerator? I wasn't going to, but based on the trend. I'd say a cucumber. No cucumbers. Oh. Mm -mm. How do you make a salad without cucumbers? <laughs> <laughs> well, you really can't, but there's a limit to how much. You know, I mean, chopping up radishes and tomatoes and stuff in your room is not. <laughs> it, it, it would be kind of hard. Okay. Well, all right. Okay. Wait a minute. Is that a new thing we need? Have chop up veggies in bags that way when we sell them in Walmart. What do you think? Yeah. They okay. Do. Or they do lettuce anyway. I yeah, I know. But now maybe we can have chopped up little veggies. I mean, hey, any way to make a dollar, right? Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> or maybe I could buy them and chop them up and then sell them at the door. Right. I know this I have... goes down, but I'm going to anyway. Mm -hmm. Walden. I bet you she's got some possum on a stick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> 
No problem. Hey, well, no, it won't run your sugar up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. You have to eat something in order to run your sugar up. Oh, I didn't mean you couldn't eat it. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, your blood sugar doesn't go up unless you eat something. And I am not about true, to but chow down possum. I don't know if it would go up much if you ate possum on a stick either. But. <laughs> no possum. No possible. Now, Mm-mm. can't contrib- no, 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 no. contribute too much to your radio station list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware of what you're talking uh, You know how old a lot of them are. However, I will drop in what other thing. It's not a broadcast station by any means. Sure. But the American Radio Relay League okay. was not when radio was started. It was when... The organization got started. Okay. Um, I, uh, 2015 was their 100 our centennial anniversary, and they had uh, Vibraplex is a company that makes telegraph keys, and they did a special edition for them. You had to pre-order them, and they were made, you know, in however many orders they had not right. asked construction and hope they sell them all. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. But anyway, um, I did get one of them with my call sign on it. And uh, nobody cares except me. I'm just glad to have it. And of course, when I'm gone, <laughs> nobody's going to want to keep them. <laughs> A lot of them would get them that way. They just got them blank. Uh-huh. But I wasn't buying it for somebody else. I was buying it for me. So that's what I got. <laughs> So let me ask you this. So the Relay Association got started in 1915. When they started to have ham radio operators, I mean, they must have go back before 1907, right? I'm not 100% sure when uh, the first amateur operators did start, but uh, it was well before 1915. Right. The league was just trying to organize everything because distances at that point was very limited. Um, it was it was a good day if you could um, make a contact at, uh, at 30 miles. Mm. And then it kept growing and growing and growing. And, but when the league was first set up, the one of the main goals of the thing was to be able to send the message coast to coast and it had to be relayed from one one station to another. Mm. You could not talk across the country or across the Atlantic either. Mm. Uh, that first happened, I think, in 1921, I think, or 22, was the first amateur contact. Now, the commercial stations were making contact, and I think the tower in New Jersey is still there. RCA had an 800-foot tower on the coast of New Jersey, and the one in, I think it was in Scotland or Ireland, Albanian, and they were, uh, you know, sending messages now, commercial messages. Um, 
long before amateurs were able to do that, but amateurs didn't have no 800-foot tower neither. Yeah. Or the power levels that they were allowed to run. Sure. Uh, Now, there is a spark gap transmitter still in existence. I forgot who the club is in New Jersey that has it. It's running at very low power compared, well, what it was new, it was capable of running 20,000 watts. And now, so much of it has deteriorated and failed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The SEC gives a special license permit thing for them to operate that one night a year. And I can't remember what what the date is. They usually mention it in QST, the magazine, saying what it's going to be all. But when I usually find out about it, it's well after it's happened. Mm-hmm. I have never heard of Spark Gap Transmitter, and I would love to. But I don't know if I can from this far away. I don't think they could run but uh, less than 200 watts, I think. And I'm not sure how much less because of the condition of the transmitter. Mm. Now, of course, amateurs are not allowed to run power like that anymore from in the very beginning. Uh, The legal limit on a CW signal is only 1,000 watts now Mm. or uh, 2,000 watts for single sideband, which is a peak-to-peak measurement. It still comes out to a thousand watts uh, DC. But um, back then there was not near as much regulation about it and of course with Spark Gap it it took a heck of a lot more power to get to the same place in comparison to what we have now. Um, But I would still love to hear that thing and just, just for the heck of it. Good stuff. Well, if you're interested in that kind of thing, you bet. people that aren't, uh, you know, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's why we have that's why we're such an eclectic show. What, what else are you going to talk about? Possum and relay stations all in the same conversation. We do here. Well, uh, I guess. And cucumbers. That's right. Well. And dog snowshoes. <laughs> Uh, well, and one thing, sure, I bet you've never had that come up. That's true. <laughs> never had what? Uh, the the subject of snowshoes for dogs. No, that's not. Oh, no, that's the first. You're right. Yeah. I was amazed. You're the first one on board with that. The guy that works on my computer and all, his daughter works for a pet. Um, well, they they have stores all over the country, but... She lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a good while. She worked for him, and she recently moved back to Greensburg. Uh, went to work for the same outfit in Burlington, uh, just east of Greensboro. And that's where she's working now. And I, <laughs> I called him one day and told him, and I wanted him to ask her if we could get snowshoes for cats. And <laughs> that's when I found out that, no, you couldn't, but they did have them for dogs. <laughs> and I told him, well, then I want you to ask her if they got skis for cats. He never did do that. <laughs> well, maybe you got a new a new angle on something Hollywood that you can build the shops. You know, yeah, right. I, I bet you had better a money maker. K 
cat skis. You know, I mean, a whole a whole new line. Well, you know, they. I think it was on TV sometime within the last couple of months. Guy had a dog and a plastic sled. <laughs> that dog was riding that sled down the hill, and then he would catch a rope and the guy tied to it and drag that thing back to the top and ride it again. And he was just doing that over and over again. And I think he had done it for 50 or 60 times in a row. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've often shown one if you could build a product that pet... Uh, Pet owners would love. You could make enough money to retire. That's all. I mean, pet owners yeah, definitely spend money. Probably. Somebody, somebody got rich with rocks when the pet rock yes. hit uh, the shelves. Yes. Can you imagine? He made a million on rocks. 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 Yeah. Well, I can understand his viewpoint more than I can understand why would anybody buy a rock. Novelty. Well, I mean a rock like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. You can make one of them yourself. You can make one at home. I <laughs> guess rock. Two eyes and a nose and some whiskers and everything is cool. Well, I guess that goes to show that uh, somebody can sh sell anything. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. an example of that, there is a hot shop pumpkin salesman out there, too. Okay. Everything in the grocery store has got pumpkin in it. Pumpkin bread, pumpkin cookies, yeah. Yeah, pumpkin ice cream. Pie. Everything you can imagine's got pumpkin in it. So that he used to must have sell refrigerators to Eskimos years ago, and <laughs> he got into a new market. So you tell me, the pumpkin growers of America had too much pumpkin on their hand, and they decided to make new products. <laughs> I really think that was it. Because I remember... Tess Lonson got frozen dinners. Give away pumpkins. Lonson had 20... What was it, Walden? 25 tons of turkey left turkey, over? Turkey, yeah, from what? Thanksgiving uh, of uh, 48 or something. And so some mm -hmm. some guy came, well, we'll come up with TV dinners and voila. Yep. 1949. Yeah, he had flown in on a plane very recently and he was served dinner in a compartmentalized tray. And that's what he brought to the table, and that's what they did. Well, so. I don't blame him. I wish I could think of something like that, but... I know. Well, <laughs> it's not likely that we would have 25 tons of turkey left over from Thanksgiving, so we'll have to give that one to him. But, okay, you put on your thinking cap, and if you can with the good one, I'll put my 50 cents in. Maybe 75. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big time investor. All right. I think everything I seem to think of is nothing but a bust to start with. <laughs> it's already okay. It only takes one. All you need is just one brilliant idea, Hollywood. That's all. Just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well. Anyway, I'll get off here. All right, Hollywood. I didn't ask how you were doing, Patricia, because I've been listening to the other callers. So I'd yeah. already found them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm doing well. Thank you, Harwood. I'm, I'm glad, very glad to hear it. Thank you. Take it easy. Oh, you too, Harwood. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, my dear, it's, nine, it's midnight. You want to go? It, it is time for me yeah. to do it, but I do have a question for you. Let me All see. right. Um, um, you did know that this was National 
Braille Literacy Month. Did I say that the last time? No, I did not know it was National Braille Literacy Month. Yes, it is. Ah. Yes, it is. We had a question, can a president remove his vice president? Did right. we answer that yet? No, I don't think we, we, we have. We, ki- we kicked it around, but we haven't come up with an official, Patricia, uh, I have an I have an official answer. Okay. The answer is no. The vice president can be removed from office with the same procedure that the president goes through impeachment. Ah, okay. So they can impeach him and remove him from office, but he does have to go through the trial first. Okay. Which sounds fair to me. Very nice. Okay. I am finished. All right, my dear. Okay. You have a wonderful week. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us or me. You're going to be with Walden now. And I always appreciate you. Love you. And I'll be back next week. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Thank you for all the calls, everybody, for Patricia. That was super. We're going to be featuring a Rayburn interview with the drugstore owner, Leon Schwab. Famous... Swab Drugstore in Hollywood, where all the movie patrons used to visit. That will be the big Ray Bream interview of the night. It's a fun show. So let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless the opportunities that we have to live in America. Help us do you well. Look after the needy, the poor, the hungry. Help our friends who are in hospital tonight, Lord, heal them. Have them be safe to travel. Some are going to have surgery this week, Lord, for cancer and other things. Look after them, Lord. Lord, uh, help our families, our friends, our country. Help our leaders do what's right, Lord. We ask that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's go to Ray Bream and his guest, Leon Schwab, of the Schwab Drugstore. The famous drugstore in Hollywood, and it's a lot of fun. So that's the main focus of the interview for tonight. So stand by. Jaws Professional Saturn Items View Items View to Ray Bream Ray Bream 891004 Leon Schwab Unloading Jaw Cancel OK Enter Saturday Your conversation station for Southern California The home of Talk Radio AM 790 KABC And good morning, everyone. Ray Bream with you until 5 o'clock here this morning. And this morning, we're in for a real treat because with us is Leon Schwab. You remember Schwab's Drugstore, which originally was known as Schwab's Pharmacy? Well, Leon is with us. Uh, the, uh, the legendary Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore. Uh, I like this quote. The fountain originally had 13 stools and you could come in at any hour and find Charlie Chaplin, the Marx Brothers, the Ritz Brothers, all making their own ice cream sodas. <laughs> not bad, not bad. And uh, a quote from President Ronald Reagan, former President Reagan, he said, If you wanted good company, a snack, and a friendly ear, 
You went to Schwab's. The clientele ranged from hopeful unknowns to the who's who of the film industry. But the real star was Leon, the gracious proprietor who had time for everybody. And he's here with us tonight. Leon, glad to have you with us. Thank you very much. So, uh, Leon, uh, tell us what happened to your drugstore. Well, they told us that they were going to rebuild the entire center if we would get out and give them back the, the building. Mm -hmm. And they told us not to order any merchandise or anything because they wanted to do it right away. And we got out over six years ago, and they still haven't done a thing with the place yet. So it looks like uh, no more Schwab's then, huh? Well, they think so. They th they want me back in there, but I don't know when they're going to build. Why did they do this to you and to us? Well, they they sold it to two people from New York. And these two fellas, I guess they just, it was a promotion for them. And they had a hard time getting the money for it. And they still, I don't think they have the money to build. They've got the plans. They've got a $40 million plan. And they they tore the buildings down. They had us there for the tearing down of all the buildings and movie stars and everybody were there. But they haven't done a thing since then. It's just a plain vacant lot now. All right, let me ask you this, uh, Leon. Uh, why was your your drugstore so famous? That's a tough thing to think about. But I think. It was because we took care of the poor actor and actress that they had a they had a uh, laboratory right in the back of the store on the same lot that they they'd come actors lab uh -huh. and you had a Shelley Winters and you had a uh, Gene Kelly and all the movie stars would go, come in there to. Uh, work out little small plays and things like that and then they'd have all the agents and they'd have the producers and everybody come and see those and that was the real start of the motion picture people in hollywood and we knew everybody there there was none of this where a person worked one picture and then wasn't there anymore they would work to you you know everybody they work two three four pictures in a row and you know them when they came in they may have not had any money and they wanted to eat and we fed them we even put in a telephone so they could get their messages there and we call them we page them to the phone you're a, you're a soft touch as they say <laughs> <laughs> and, and you extended credit to a lot of uh, deadbeats i would think yeah that's true but my mother who passed away, but she always said that if one person needs food and ten people ask you for it, you give it to all ten. And we always kept it that way. Did did most of the star stars who came in and they got credit and they were into you for, you know, for quite a few bucks. Yes, they uh, were. Did, did they uh, always remember you? In other words, when they started making it, did they remember you? Some of them did, and some of them didn't. Really? But, uh, you got to take the good ones with the bad ones. Sure. And uh, we would deliver. If a person wanted a two-cent stamp, we'd deliver it to them. Really? Yeah. We would ne I, I've gotten up dozens of times after 12 o'clock at night and gone down and filled a prescription 
for somebody that needed it right away. And I didn't have to do that, but we did that. Well, it's uh, sad that, uh, very sad that an institution, and that's what Schwab's drugstore has become. Yeah. Uh, it was an institution, had to uh, bite the dust. Have you thought of a different location or anything like that? No, I don't want a, a different location. Location is everything. To me, that is Hollywood. Hollywood and, Boulevard's not Hollywood. No. But now, this was, being, was between Crescent Heights and, uh, and uh, let's see, uh, Laurel, Laurel Canyon, Canyon on Sunset. On Sunset. And that was the, the place uh, that was Schwab's, and uh, it will always remain the place that should be Schwab's. Yeah, that's everybody says the same thing, so it must be right. We would ne You know that, you remember when we had all that trouble with the hippies and everything? Mm -hmm. Do you know that we never had one come in the store? Not one. We were never bothered by any hippie or anything. They told. They were told they could go across the street, but they couldn't come in the store, and we never had trouble well, with it. Now there are a lot of stories that we can get into, and uh, we'll do that when we come back. Uh, if you want to talk with Leon Schwab, let me give you the phone numbers in Los Angeles: five two zero talk T A L K in the San Fernando Valley. It's nine nine zero Orange County Riverside seven five zero Pasadena Burbank Glendale two four four. In the San Gabriel Valley, 448. South Bay is 679. And in Long Beach, 639. West Side, Santa Monica, West Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, Malibu, and Marina Del Rey. That number is 301. And talk T-A-L-K. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. And I'm Ray Brain. The Raiders are on the move. Or are they? The Real Story with Superfan. Today at 4. And at 5.05 this morning, go to sleep. Go to sit and sleep. If you can't sleep or your back hurts, you need a new mattress. And sit and sleep guarantees to beat every department store's price or the mattress is free. Plus, sit and sleep carries one of the largest selections of brand names in California, including Simmons Beauty Rest and CD Posturepedic. Buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Only sit and sleep offers their exclusive 30-night sleep trial and their 30-day price guarantee. So if you're waking up with a sore back or tossing and turning all night long, do what I did. Head to Sit and Sleep and get yourself a new mattress and sleep like a baby. Head to Sit and Sleep and you tell them Ray Brain sent you. Sit and Sleep in Culver City on Washington, one block west of Overland. Phone orders are accepted. Call 213-870-1374. 90-day credit is easy with your good credit. And yes, they do deliver. Before you buy a mattress, compare Sit and Sleep's unbeatable prices. Sit and Sleep beats every department store price or the mattress is free. Here's great news for homeowners. As you know, home equity loans typically stop at 80% of property value. But listen to this. Qualified homeowners can borrow the full 100% of their equity at Homeowners Capital of California. And 20% extra borrowing power can mean a lot more cash in your pocket. $20,000 more on a $100,000 house. And on a $200,000 home, up to $40,000 more cash. Why, it could be like getting your down payment back. You can do home improvements or pay off those high interest bills and credit cards or use the cash for personal use. There are no time of ownership requirements, so even if you just refinanced or recently purchased, you may have borrowing power at homeowner's capital. From the 714 area code, dial 953-5058. 
I'll repeat that. Call 953-5058 for Homeowners Capital, the 100% equity lender. Call up to 9 p.m., but call today. Eyeglasses and contact lenses obsolete? For more than 13,000 patients of the Jensen Center for Refractive Surgery, the wearing of everyday eyewear is obsolete. Now, on Thursday, October 5th at 6 p.m., you can learn all about the hexagonal and radial keratotomy procedures. The Jensen Center for Refractive Surgery will be sponsoring a free community health seminar. Now, this seminar will include explanations of hexagonal and radial keratotomy and will answer the most frequently asked questions concerning these procedures. There'll be a short slide presentation and discussions with patients who've had these procedures. You can learn the facts about refractive surgery for the correction of farsightedness, nearsightedness, and astigmatism on Thursday, October 5th at 6 p.m. at the Jensen Center, 3501 Jamboree in Newport Beach. Seating is limited, so please call for a reservation. That's 1-800-262-7677. That's 1-800-262-7677. The seminar is free, so call now and make your reservation today. All right, if you want to talk with Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore fame, now is the time to call 520-TALK-T-A-L-K. Back to uh, Leon Schwab. Leon, is it true, sound like Jim Healy, is it true <laughs> that, that uh, Lana Turner was discovered in your drugstore? Uh, Lana Turner says no. I say yes. <laughs> okay. All right, let's uh, settle it. What happened? Well, there was a gentleman by the name of Don Redberry, who was Red Rider in pictures. And he brought her in one day, and he said, I'm taking her out to the studio, to MGM, and I'm going to take her into Mervyn Leroy. And he did, and that's the way she was discovered. But he went steady with her, and he is the one that brought her into the store, and then she was discovered. All right, now... Uh what was it about the, well, as they say today, the ambiance of uh, Schwab's drugstore that made it such a congregation, uh, well, a congregating place? What, what was it that uh, people liked? Well, you could come into the store. You could get your phone messages there. If you didn't have any money, we would feed you. You paid us when you could get it. If you worked one day a year, you didn't pay anything until you got it. And there was plenty of them when we closed the store that never paid. How many uh, do bills did you have? Oh, I don't know how many, <laughs> but there was enough. I see them all the time, the fellas. Really? Yeah, they're in other restaurants. And uh, it was a real meeting place. And, uh, but I see them in the other stores. Uh, tell me who you might find uh, in an afternoon. Was there any one day that was uh, better than others? No, I think every day was the same. All right, who would you, who might you find uh, sitting at a table? Robert Benchley. Shelley Winters was always there. Alan Garfield was there all the time. Uh, Maureen O'Hara was there all the time. She was married to a fellow by the name of Will Price at the time. All right, what about uh, these... Uh, these uh, legendary milkshakes that you used to make. I would like to let them make them. I didn't <laughs> want to make them. I told, I told Charlie Chaplin, come in after 12 o'clock and you can make your own. 
And really? that's what he would do. You told Charlie Chaplin that? I told him what Paul had got her. He walked in the store with He would make a milkshake for her, and she would make a castor oil milkshake for him. Wait a minute. Castor oil? <laughs> yeah. You're kidding me. No, that's the truth. <laughs> now, what was the... Charlie Chaplin's flavors. Do you like chocolate, vanilla, strawberry? Oh, he want, he he would get root beer. Root beer. Oh yeah, because that goes with the castor. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, what were some of the uh, unique things that would happen? Can you remember some of the the great stories? Well, we had the world's repair, uh, premiere of the Jolson story. Wait a minute. The world's premiere of the Jolson story in Schwab's drugstore? That's right. And you know who <laughs> and you know who we had as a piano player? We had yeah. a little tiny piano because there was no room in the store. It was Carmen Cavallero. The poet of the piano? He yeah. was playing piano in your store so, and, and we're seeing the Jolson story? Yeah. Well we didn't we had the party. When they got finished at the studio, I then see. they brought it over to uh, us, and Columbia Studio had it there. See, uh, the, it was a different thing. They just took over the store, closed the store. Instead of 12 o'clock, we closed the store at 9 o'clock because they needed the time. And all they got was ice cream sodas, but we had Hedda Hopper, we had... Luella Parsons, we had all the movie stars. The store had 300 people in it. But outside, there must have been 10,000 people. And I had Gene Kelly and Alan Garfield throwing, uh, throwing candy bars to all the people outside. <laughs> when, when these stars would... Uh, John Garfield. Uh, when these stars would uh, come in, were you uh, at all uh, nervous that you had, uh, you know, stars in your, in your drugstore? They didn't mean a thing to me. They were good customers. I had to carry a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But it was a pleasure because you knew who was going to be in the next picture. You recognized them. You don't recognize anybody today. It's a whole different story. A whole different thing entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to talk with Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore, now's your chance to call. We'll be right back. This is Talk Radio KBC AM 790, and I am Ray Brain. If you're 65 or older, here's an important health message that could save your life. It's a fact that one out of seven of us will develop skin cancer. Those at high risk are senior citizens with fair skin and questionable growths, or people of any age with previous skin cancer. The doctors at Skin Cancer Institute, experts in early diagnosis and prevention, have made possible a free examination to safeguard your health. If you're at high risk, call the Skin Cancer Institute now for your free examination at 1-800-445-EXAM. Here's an actual patient talking about how a free skin cancer exam saved his life. I just noticed there was this spot on the top of my head, and my wife had said it's changing color and it's changing shape. A simple spot on the skin can kill you if you don't get it taken care of. I would recommend to everybody, if they see any kind of change on their skin or any kind of growth that is unusual, go in and have it checked. If you're 60 or older, call the Skin Cancer Institute now for your free exam. Call 1-800-445-EXAM. That's 1-800-445-EXAM. HMO members not eligible. Crime keeps going up and up. Murder, rape, robberies. Now don't be the next victim. Do something about your safety. Keep that intruder out before he gets in. Security Warehouse has the solution. 
Right now, you can get a free home security evaluation without any cost or obligation. Security Warehouse will carefully evaluate your security needs and show you how quickly your home and your loved ones can be protected 24 hours a day. Security Warehouse specializes in the AT&T security system. Now, that's one of the most respected names in home security products. This is not just another security system. This is the AT&T customized security system. The ultimate in security for your home. So, why wait? Call for your free evaluation. And remember, there is no cost or obligation. Call Security Warehouse. Call now on their toll-free line at 1-800-CRIME-29. Don't be the next victim. Call now, 1-800-CRIME-29. That's 1-800-284-6329. All right, if you want to call us, our phone number in Los Angeles, 520-TALK, San Fernando Valley, 990-TALK, San Gabriel Valley, 448, and T-A-L-K. We're talking with Leon Schwab of fabled Schwab's Drugstore. And if we have some uh, people that have just tuned in, and I'm sure we have, they want to know why the drugstore isn't there anymore. So let's do it one more time. Well, the reason the store is not there, we were supposed to tear down the buildings so we could have a new store. The store was, we opened it 53 years ago, and uh, it needed repairing, and they thought it was better and they were going to put up a $40 million complex. complex. And uh, they haven't put it up yet. Now it's over six years. And it's a vacant lot, right? It's, yeah, it's just a plain vacant lot out there now. That's, there's got to be a law against that. Uh, well, they were trying to, they tried to make it a uh, uh, Marie Windsor, mm -hmm. the actress. She tried to get it to be a uh, historical, historical mm -hmm. lot. And uh, they had... The people that wanted to do it and everything, but the owners of the building wouldn't go for it. That's sad. It really is. All right. Uh, I think it's time to go to our first call. We have Bernice on the line from Santa Monica. Bernice, you're on with Leon Schwab. Good morning. Good morning. What a pleasure, Mr. Schwab. I'm an actress. I have retired now. And I used to go there every time we weren't working. We'd, all the girls, we'd go there because uh, the, the casting office would be there for lunch and the assistant directors, you know, and the crew, we'd meet where we'd get connections. And we'd sit there, even, you know, and they were, no one would ever rush you. And it was always so crowded. And the laughs we used to have, and we couldn't, uh, we couldn't get there fast enough when we weren't working. But here's one thing I wanted to tell you. A lady friend of mine came from Chicago. I knew her son, very wealthy family there. You'd know the name if I mentioned it. And she wanted to take me to lunch. And she says, make reservations. She says, I heard about the Roosevelt. I said, oh, no. I said, I have a better place to take you. She was an older woman. And so she says, I'll make reservations. And I picked her up and took her to shop. She says, this is a drugstore. I said, don't insult this. This is a, this is a restaurant. This is the highest class restaurant. She couldn't understand it because she's not in show business. And we never got over that. And you know, the laughs we used to have in there, can you imagine? And the messages we used to leave for our friends. Oh, how you, I'm just so happy about it. I can't see. I have so many stories to tell you. I, that was one of the happiest times of my life. Even when we weren't working. We weren't working, you know. We were kind of starving to death. We had so many cars. Uh, cars. I, I wonder how many uh, budding young actors and actresses uh, you fed and kept them uh, going. 
Mr. Schwab, any, yes. any, any not idea? O- well, not only we that. never refused one. Never. Never. And not only that, you know, what they had, even their most inexpensive sandwich was delicious, and sometimes we'd have to get that. <laughs> 50 cents, you know, we, that was a lot of money. Well, then you bought a Coca-Cola for a nickel. Oh, yeah, don't forget the Coke. <laughs> Plenty of ice. Oh, my dear. Well, I'm so happy to... I guess I wouldn't know you if I saw you. You wouldn't know me. But my goodness, I'm so happy to hear you. So, uh, w- what years are we talking about, Bernice? I want to tell you what years. Yeah, oh. Mr. Schwab. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you my years. I don't want to know how old I am, Lee. What? I'll tell you my years. Well, yes, but listen, I don't want to tell mine because <laughs> then, then the Ray will say, oh, is that old lady on the phone again when I call? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bernice, thank you. Uh, thank you, dear. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, how many years were you in business? I opened the store there. We had a store over on 6th Street, mm-hmm. 6th and mm-hmm. Sranald, that We went in 1926, and we got rid of it around 1932, 1933. But in 1933, we opened the drugstore. The drugstore went broke. The drugstore went broke? Yeah, it went broke, and we took it over closed. And we kept it closed for a week. And we restocked the store. You could buy a $150 bottle of perfume, but you couldn't buy a candy bar. They just had no money to buy anything. So we restocked the store, and from that day on it went. And we were there 53 years. 53 years. Uh, You saw a lot of uh, things come and go in Hollywood. What's your feeling about Hollywood today? Well, they claim that they're going to do something about it. There's a, they claim they're going to remodel all of Hollywood Boulevard, but it'll never be the Hollywood. In the first place, they don't teach the actor and actress like they used to. They, I guess it's just too much money to do it now, but you go out to MGM Studio, they had 100, 150 actors and actresses on payroll. The studio system was... Was well, that they, was the proving ground. That's right. You take for in the Mr. Mayor, he would have a hundred, a hundred and fifty people out there and he'd use one of the big sound stages and they would teach him. Today there's nothing like that. And they can't make the pictures that they used to. They don't have the people that they used to have. They don't have the directors and the and the writers or any of them like they used to. So Hollywood is just a shell of what it once was. That's right. Sad, isn't it? Yes, it is. And no more Schwab's drugstore either. Well, you never can tell. <laughs> They've been after me. <laughs> they want to put it in the... They were wanting to put it in the uh, the director's guild. Really? Yeah, but uh, it's just not Not, not the same. Hmm? The only place for Schwab's drugstore... Is where Schwab was. That's right. All right. Uh, this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. I'm Ray Bream. My guest, Leon Schwab. If you or someone you know suffers from a loss of bladder control or urinary incontinence, you're one of over 10 million Americans who experience this daily. Experienced by both men and women, incontinence may be caused by bladder or urethra infections, reduced muscle control due to age, or even by changes to the nervous system. Incontinence is controllable, and to provide comfort and assurance against unwanted accidents, there's no better protection than with the TENS undergarments. A TENS gives you the protection you need for the confidence you want. 
and is available at Abby Foster, located at 251 South Atlantic Boulevard in Los Angeles, one block south of the Pomona Freeway. Abby Foster carries the complete line of Attends and other incontinence products at the lowest price and has free delivery to your home. You tell them Ray Bream sent you and you'll receive a 5% discount with your order. Call Abby Foster today. Collect. Area code 213-268-1951. 213-area-code-268-1951. First Interstate Bank of California invites you to take a new 1990 checking account for a road test. Just see how it outperforms your present checking account for convenience and service. For instance, a First Interstate checking account is a terrific deal because right now when you open one, you get the first three months free of monthly fees. A First Interstate checking account also comes fully loaded with luxury features. You can call for account information 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Visit the bank on Saturdays from 9 to 1. Even buy gas and groceries with your ATM card at participating locations. Finally, a First Interstate checking account gets terrific mileage. You can cash a personal check at over 1,200 First Interstate offices from Honolulu to Washington, D.C. And get cash at 30,000 Cirrus and the exchange ATMs across the U.S. and Canada. So open a checking account at First Interstate Bank and get the first three months free. We go the extra mile for you. Details of participating branches, member FDIC. All right, our guest is Leon Schwab, and uh, we'll continue here in a moment. Our phone number, 520-TALK, Westside, Santa Monica, West Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, Balibu, and Ruina Del Rey, 301 and talk. Don't forget, Michael Jackson is on vacation this week. The Dueling Bills, Bill Pearl and Bill Press, will guest host the 9 to 10 hour all week long, while Bruce Hershenson hosts 10 to 1 today and Thursday. L.A. County District, uh, District Attorney Ira Ryder hosts 10 to 1 on Wednesday. Gloria Allred hosts 10 to 1 on Friday. My guest is uh, Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore. Tell me the story about Lucille Ball. Well, she used to come in the store all the time, and she was just a real extra, not a quarter in her pocket, and she would look and sit there for a while. This she is had, when she was a chorus dancer, right? Chorus dancer. Mm -hmm. And she had a, a crush on a fellow, Miguelito Valdez was his name. And she'd go looking for him all the time. <laughs> but she didn't have enough to eat. And her mother was just a lovely woman. And she'd come in with her, and I'd feed him all the time. She had a brother that worked up at the Culver Club. Did you know where that was? No. That used to be up on Sunset Boulevard, and he used to park the cars, and that was the way they lived. Wow. I'm reading a story here that says that uh, you had a, a, a desk drawer full of letters from the king of Saudi Arabia. Uh, how did that come about? Well, there was a fellow in Hollywood by the name of Burus, and he called me from New York, and he said... I have to get some cholera vaccine. And I said, well, why do you bother me? Go to the companies, because they, they must have plenty of it. And he said, no, they won't give us any. So I told him, I said, all right, I'll call the company, but you'll have to put up the money right away. We can't hold that back. So I called, and Letterly Laboratory gave me $30,000 worth on one Thursday, and gave me $30,000 the next Thursday. And I got a cashier's check from Standard Oil Company for the 
am a big... So because of the cholera vaccine and what you did for Saudi Arabia, you got uh, this from the king of Saudi Arabia. What, what, what did you get? I got, a, I got a watch, but I didn't get the first one. What happened to the first Bo one? Boo Roos got the first one. <laughs> that one was the one with the diamond in it. A diamond in it? In the, in the watch. It was a beautiful thing. Wow. And then I got one three years later that I, th the, the wife of the prince came in the store and says, how do you like your watch? I said, I didn't get it. How do you it. like your watch? <laughs> I, I said, I didn't get it. Over easy, please. <laughs> so she says, you'll get one. <laughs> and on my birthday, three years later, I got the wires. But it was something different. The arms of the of the the hands mm -hmm. were the coat of arms of the Saudi Arabian government, mm -hmm. and there was only nine of those in the world. How's that for a collector's and, item? And I I've never worn it. Wow. Let's take another call. We have Jerry on the line from Downey. Jerry, you're on with Leon Schwab. Hi, Leon. Leon. Yes. You probably don't remember me. I used to work there at your fountain. You worked at the fountain? Yeah. And uh, when, your, when, their, when your brother uh, Barney and... Uh, Bernard. And Bernard were there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think your sister was a bookkeeper. That's right. And I worked there on the fountain when... That uh, must have been a long time ago. <laughs> it was. It was before they put 50 on the corner of, uh, down the street. So then I had... Uh, I was there when they had... When Bill Lundigan used to come in? Oh, yes, he was there all the and time. And Tom Brown mm -hmm. used to play the slot, the uh, pinball machine up there. And William Cagney? That's right. And Cagney he, was in there every day. And really? Cagney used to bring her own bread to have it toasted. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a group that always came in. Yeah, and you remember your old ukulele Ike? Oh, he worked with, he, he worked behind the soda fountain. Yeah. Uh, behind was, the uh, cigar counter. Wait, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was there. If he didn't work at all, and he'd come in there and he'd say, "Can I stand behind the counter?" <laughs> Ukulele Ike, really? Cliff Edwards. Yeah, Cliff Edwards. That's a, yeah, and then I was, on a, upon a star. I was yeah. on a fountain there for about. Uh, well, I worked there for about four or five months. Oh, did you? Yeah. We yeah. had good food there. Oh, you had the best, <laughs> and it was good. Mm-hmm. But I um, just wanted. Give a little memoir back there about that. Uh, how long? Were, how long did you work for Leon, Jerry? About uh, four, four, three, four, five months. For nine months. Three, or four, or five months. Well, you you worked behind the small fountain, didn't you? I worked on a fountain that uh, well, there's only one there. No, but first there was a small one, and then when we remodeled the store, what what year was I it? I think this was it was back in the in the thirties. Oh, yeah, you were in the, the first uh, Cause was store. Because the only fountain they had was that big one. That's the, that's the one I was on. You were on a fountain that was marble, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. That was, I not believe it was marble. Yeah, it only held 11 people. 11 people? That's all on the first one. Well, because in 1954 is when we remodeled the drugstore. Oh, well, when I, was, when I was there, they had the... Uh, as you come in the front door, they had the that pinball machine right on the right-hand side. That's right. Well, yeah. that's 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 in somewhere around 1940 then. Well, I think it was before that because I I went into service. Mm -hmm. All right, Jerry. Thanks for the call. Thank you very much. All right, bye bye. My guest is the fabled Leon Schwab of the even more fabled Schwab's Drugstore.
This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. You're helpless. No one seems to care. Answers from Dr. David Biscott, today at 1. All right. Just a quick reminder, at 5.05 this morning on KBC, following the ABC Network News, it's... Four hours of fun news and things you can use with the Ken and Bob Company. All right, if you want to uh, talk with Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore, here are the phone numbers. In the west side, Santa Monica, West Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, Marina del Rey, and Malibu, 301. Long Beach is 639. South Bay, 679. San Gabriel Valley, 448. Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244. Orange County, Riverside, 750, San Fernando Valley, 990, and of course, in Los Angeles, 520, and everything at the end is talk, T-A-L-K. And let's continue our discussion with uh, Leon Schwab. Leon, everybody I've ever known that has known you says so many wonderful things about you, that uh, you just have this big heart, and uh, you would never deny anybody uh, food or drink or prescription. Never. But uh, how can you run a business that way? You can't. <laughs> <laughs> how did you stay in business? Well, I, I told you before, my mother was the base for that. She would never allow us to refuse anybody. And uh, she was in the store all the time. Because my father passed away when uh, we were really young. And... When we got the first store, my brother Jack was the only pharmacist. Mm -hmm. Then we all became, four, four brothers became pharmacists. And uh, she got the store for us, and we always did that. She would take somebody that was just terrible looking, and uh, she would, they needed something to eat, they got it. And she would never say to them, well, you can have toast and coffee or anything. Whatever they wanted to eat at that. And we had the best food in town. Were you famous for any particular sandwich or a bear claw or whatever? We've got one that I'd love to put on the market. What? Chili. Chili and beans. Our chili and beans are ten times as good as Chasen's. Really? And Chasen's gets ten dollars a bowl for them. <laughs> and but yours was what? Dollar and a quarter, dollar and a half. It was the best of any place I've ever eaten. I wonder if anybody has ever had uh, chili and beans at Schwab's. If so, now is your time to call. <laughs> uh, let's say hello to Marvin of the movies. Hello, Marvin. Good morning, Leon, and good morning, Ray. How Hi, are you? how are you? Absolutely the best chili in town. Really? I'll tell you, you mentioned Carmen Cavallaro. I made a copy of the Eddie Duchin story for Antonio, who plays at the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Took it into him uh, on a Saturday night about three weeks ago, and he was very pleased about that. Our family had a store not too far away from Schwab's drugstore. I used to go up there a couple times a week and have lunch. It was called Sunfax Market. Oh, I knew it. I knew it very well. Okay, now. Uh, Lar uh, by the way, before I, before I mention this to you, uh, Ray, I have regards for you from K. Marks. I talked to her last night. She called from Mendocino. Uh -huh. And she said to be sure and extend best wishes to you. Well, how about that? Very uh, nice. Larry Parks, uh, 
used to come into Sunfax Market along with Betty. And in 1952, uh, there was a magazine uh, layout done in the market, and I was in that magazine article with Larry because Betty was giving birth to their second child. My wife was in the hospital giving birth to our third, and I still have that article, uh, Greenland, I think it was. And you talked about the Jolson story. Uh, that holds a very special place in my heart because of knowing Larry and Betty so well. Uh, Jolson, I always loved Jolson. And uh, the premiere of The Jazz Singer was on October the 6th, 1927. The first all-talk... Uh, first feature-length talking feature. Uh, a lot of people thought that that was the first all-talking feature. That's not true. It was the first feature-length. And one of the reasons that I am so crazy about that picture and about Jolson is my birthday was October the 6th, 1927, and that was the night that the jazz singer was premiered. So this Friday, again, it'll be an anniversary of my birth and an anniversary of the... Uh, birth of uh, the Jolson uh, story, and not the Jolson story, but the jazz singer. Did you uh, say your birthday was October the 6th? 1927. That was my brother's. Really? That's right, Jack. Jack, he's a nice Libra, isn't he? Yeah. The greatest sign of the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the food the food in Schwab's drugstore, Ray, was just great. and there I'm sorry, I never made it in now, because in... Uh, some what? early days here in Hollywood, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, one of those <laughs> hungry <young laughs> down and outs. I'll, I'll tell you something, Ray. Maybe we, maybe we can start a project uh, to get this new Schwab's built. It belongs exactly where it was. Well, I, I certainly agree. That's a, that's a movement that I'd stand behind. And whoever walked in that store, I can vouch for that because I heard on many occasions. Uh, down and out actors waiting for their parts to come through, walking in hungry, not asking to be fed, but who were told, sit down that's and right. eat. Is that right, Leon? That's right. Oh, that's, that's wild. Thank you very much, Marvin. Nice to talk right. to both of you. Bye-bye. Nice talking to you. You'd actually tell them to sit down? Sit down. Wow. We have one right now, you know, Mario, that I know he has no money, and I say, Go over there, and I'll pick up the check. Gee, isn't that great? So. Well, I don't know how you uh, made a profit doing that, but uh, well, there's a lesson to be learned, I think. It, it made a lot of good friends. Yeah. Everybody was a real good friend. Some of them didn't appreciate. You take, for instance, you get somebody that became a big shot, a big actor, mm -hmm. then you lost them. Yeah. And they've forgotten all about uh, right. those days and Leon Schwab. All right, we'll be right back with Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. This is KBC Talk Radio AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. If your interests are in communication... Affordable portables can put you in tune with political events all over the world for under $90. A Panasonic or Grundig shortwave can help you get first-hand information on the Colombian drug cartel, the struggle for independence in the Baltic republics, or the students in Beijing. Remember, Affordable Portables is keeping you in touch with tomorrow. That's Affordable Portables.
Money problems can really make your life miserable. They can cause you to fight with your spouse, to snap at your kids and to toss and turn all night worrying about what you're going to do. But there is help. If you're a homeowner, Allstate Home Loans Incorporated may be able to arrange for the money you need from $5,000 to $250,000 quickly and confidentially. In most cases, you'll have a tentative answer within 48 hours, subject primarily to equity verification. And because your loan is based primarily on the equity in your home, you don't have to be currently working or have good credit to qualify. So if money problems are keeping you up at night, you owe it to yourself to find out more about Allstate Home Loans at 1-800-345-7900. Let Allstate help you get the money you need to use in any way you want. Now don't spend another sleepless night worrying about problems. Call Allstate Home Loans. Broker, 1-800-345-7900. That's 1-800-345-7900. Call now. You tell them Ray Bream asks you to call. Tired of gambling in the job market, waiting for your lucky number to come up? How do you beat the odds? The answer could be right under your nose. If you live in the Pasadena area, the Foothill Private Industry Council can train and place you in a new job with good pay and a future. It costs you nothing. You can even earn money while you learn. Child care is available, too. Your success doesn't have to be a gamble. Call the Foothill Private Industry Council now at area code 818-796-JOBS. That's 796-JOBS. All right, if you want to uh, call and talk with uh, Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore, the number is 520-TALK in the San Fernando Valley, 990-TALK. And let's talk with Mary in Los Angeles. Mary, you're on with Leon Schwab. Hello, Ray. Hi. Schwab. How do you do? I just wanted to reminisce a little. When we were a newly married couple and had a couple of little babies, we lived up on the top of Laurel Canyon, and I didn't have a car. So every Friday morning, my husband would put me and the two little kids in the car, and he dropped me off at Schwab's on his way to work. We would go up to the counter, and your people were always so wonderful there. And they'd give the kids uh, a little breakfast toast, and they'd spread cottage cheese over the toast and a little bit over how, the How old are they now? Oh, please, close <laughs> to 40. <laughs> the children are... Uh, One's 40 and one's 38 or something like that. Uh, I Then we would go down to them. We would stay at Schwab's until the market opened down near Fairfax, towards Fairfax, mm -hmm. and do our marketing for the week and wait for... They'd put everything in the freezer down there, and then we'd hike back to Schwab's and have something else to eat close to noon. And that was a big day for us. That was our every Friday for about five or six years till the kids started school. I didn't know at that time that you used to do so much for other people that needed help. I just knew that you and your brothers were so good to everybody around the store. I knew that the help was happy. Uh, we had a charge account, which, by the way, made me feel like Mrs. Rockefeller, <laughs> having a charge account at Schwab's. But it was because you delivered medicine when we needed it for the kids and I couldn't get out. It was almost, it was so homey. And it just meant a lot to us. And that whole corner is such an eyesore now. And I still live where, you know, in the same place. Oh, do you? When we drive, I have to drive up and down Laurel Canyon to pass sunset a couple times a day. 
And I stick my tongue out every time I pass that question. <laughs> That's cute. How long has it been since the Garden of Allah was gone? About 12 or 13 years. Gosh, that was such a beautiful oh, corner. Yeah. And then was, at night they had that big white horse. The, it was like a doorman, only he was on a horse outside of that wall. You remember that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then after that... It that was, was a nice place, the, the Garden of Allah. Oh, it was And you know what else was a nice place was the Chateau Marmont. Yes, yes. Right across the street from yeah, it. Yeah. But, but you were always so good to us. And I, I was heartbroken when Schwab's was gone. And I keep telling the girls what it was like when they were little. And you know, they remember. They remember going in there and... Uh, you know, but we, there, we were there for 53 years. You know, that's a long time. Well, we had our charge account with you till you closed your doors, and I was really upset. And for a while, weren't you in Beverly Hills? We, still, we, we had five stores at the end there. I remember seeing... Um, yeah, we, we had uh, three in, uh, in medical buildings in Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. and then we had one, on Sunset, one other one on Sunset Boulevard, and the one down at uh, Laurel Canyon. We had five stores at the time. You were a lifesaver to us many times when I couldn't get out and medicine needed to get be gotten to the children. Well, I'm glad of and that. And thank you for wonderful memories. Thank you. All right, Mary, thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, uh, Leon, what about uh, this, this story that uh, I, I know that you uh, can tell about Errol Flynn when uh, you and Errol were in Italy? How did you get to Italy? Well, I, I went every year. You did? See, I don't believe that you get your money's worth when you buy a bottle of perfume in the United States. Because it isn't the same. Now, a lot of people tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. But when you get a bottle of perfume from Europe, it's made with cologne spirits. And that doesn't let it evaporate. And when you get the perfume here... After you had it for 10 days, 50% of it's gone. So I used to go every year and buy merchandise that nobody else had. And in the perfume business, it became known all over. Ann Miller would call me from New York. She said, what kind of perfume should I get? And I'd tell her. And then she'd say, should I get it marked made in, the, in New York or should I have it marked made in France? And I'd tell her. And for, oh, 20 years, she wouldn't buy a bottle of perfume unless I got it for her. So you'd go to Europe to uh, stock your store? Every year. Really? Yeah. Every year I went. So tell me about the Errol Flynn story. Errol Flynn was in Italy with his wife, Pat Wymore. And uh, I had a friend of mine that was a, a barber in Italy, in Rome. And I went in to see him. And he had a little boy about six years old. And I, he said to me, he says, if I could find Errol Flynn, I could get a good job for my kid who's an actor. And I looked out the window and there was Errol Flynn standing on the corner. So I said, well, why don't you go outside and talk to him? So he took him up to the house, got him drunk as could be, and by God, he gave him a job. Wow. Now that's something to find Errol Flynn on. Yes. Drunk. That's not something you do every day. No. <laughs> Helen in uh, 
the Harbor District. Helen, good morning. Yes. You're on with Leon Schwab. Good morning. Hi. Uh, good morning, Mr. Schwab. G good morning. Uh, yes, my name is Helen. I used to work for your brother Bernard. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Bernard Francis. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I worked for them back in the 40s. In fact, I was working for them when Johnny was born. Yeah, now he's married. Yeah, I can imagine he is because that's been a long, long time. I I called Bernard today to you, con to congratulate him on his eighty uh, first birthday. That's right. That's right. October the second. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, gee whiz, it's, it's so nice to get a chance to even talk with uh, his brother. And how are they doing? Oh, they're doing fine. His his sons are doing very well. Yeah, that Leland and Bud, Johnny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that is just great. Well, listen, it's very nice to talk to you. I went. I was only in the drugstore one time. I worked for them as uh, the housekeeping maid for uh, almost five years. Is that right? Yes, yes, I did. And I, I met you and I met Jack. I met Jack. Well, Jack passed time. away. He did. Yeah. Well, I'm Jack so and sorry. Martin both passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I had met uh, when I was there, and the, well, most of the family, mm -hmm. and uh, they were very, very nice to me. I really did enjoy working for well, them. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I got married and moved away. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So anyway, you tell them that Helen... I will. ...said to say hello to them and I give them all my love. I will. Take care. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Uh, we have Eric on the line here. Let's say hello to Eric in Brea. Hi, how you doing? Fine, Eric. I heard your show on the radio. I had to pull over and, and talk to Mr. Schwab. Um, me and my wife, oh, about eight years ago, we were married about two years, we drove in, all the way into Hollywood from Orange County to, to go to Grauman's Chinese Theater, and we ended up at uh, Schwab's for a malt before the show. And it really made a special, special evening out of it. And... Uh, what I want to say is if you want to open up another Schwab's right next to a Grumman's Chinese Theater, I know of an area that is, is just absolutely clean and you wouldn't worry about the, the crime or anything like that. And uh, it's in the MGM uh, Studios in uh, Florida at Disney World. <laughs> they rebuilt uh, the you Grumman's take, Chinese. You're, you're kind of taking me out of town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd have to fly a ways to get there, but, you know, uh, a lot of people travel through there, and they're trying to put up as many of the old buildings and get the feeling of uh, Hollywood back in the 30s and 40s. And you might want to talk to the Disney people and open up uh, another Schwab. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the uh, the thought. <laughs> but there's only one place for a Schwab's drugstore, and that's where it was always located, and uh, that's the way it is. Leon Schwab is my guest. If you have uh, some stories you'd like to tell or you'd like to talk with Leon Schwab, now is the chance to get in. We take a break for the news, and then we'll be back as we continue our discussion with the fabled Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore. This is Talk Radio, and I'm Ray Brain. Stay tuned now for the news. KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, KABC Los Angeles. It is now 1 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. 
East Germany has filed a formal protest with the Bonn government over the latest rush of refugees to the West. The East Germans demand hundreds of new refugees seeking asylum through the West German embassy in Prague be turned back. But West Germany has refused, and what started as a leak now has turned into a flood. ABC's Sue Masterman reports from Vienna. The number of East German refugees in the West German embassy in Prague passed 3,000 during the night. Prague police tried to set up barricades around the area, closing off streets which also lead to the U.S. embassy. They gave up shortly before midnight as hundreds of East Germans demonstrated and demanded to be let through. They lay down in the streets, blocking the traffic and chanted, We want freedom. There are hundreds of East Germans crossing into Czechoslovakia, heading for Prague, hoping that they will be able to catch a train for freedom, as did almost 5,000 at the weekend. Sue Masterman, ABC News, Vienna. I'll have more after this. People always said my kid brother and I were a lot alike. We denied it. It took his death to make me realize how right they were. See if any of this sounds familiar. He smoked. He was always going to quit soon. He dismissed high cholesterol and blood pressure as hereditary and questioned their importance anyway. He worked long hours at a sedentary job which somehow justified rewarding himself often with rich foods. Exercise? <laughs> he played outfield three times a year on the slow pitch have a beer on base company team. <laughs> he was actually so proud of himself for that. He acted proud of what he called his middle-aged spread, too. Spread. The guy was fat, and he knew it. Officially, a heart attack killed him at 42. The real cause was a disease called denial. I ought to know. Like people said, we were a lot alike. I'm not denying it now. Just working to change. You can help prevent heart disease. We can tell you how. Call your American Heart Association. Mikhail Gorbachev wants help from the Supreme Soviet in dealing with labor unrest inspired by nationalist movements in various parts of the Soviet Union. Gorbachev's deputy premier Lev Voronin told the Supreme Soviet yesterday that the Soviet Union is suffering from a shortage of fuel with a harsh Soviet winter fast approaching. He's urged a 15-month ban on all strikes in the Soviet Union and a military takeover of the railroads to ensure the functioning of the Soviet economy during the trying period ahead. Gorbachev says the steps would defend democracy, not halt its progress. Abortion rights forces appear to have lost a key vote going into the new term of the U.S. Supreme Court, which began yesterday. Justice John Paul Stevens, who has consistently backed the right of an early abortion, has excused himself from a... ...from 9 to 1. You can buy gas and groceries with your ATM card at participating locations. You can cash a personal check at over 1,200 First Interstate offices from Honolulu to Washington, D.C. You can get cash at 30,000 Cirrus and the exchange ATMs across the U.S. and Canada. And you get the best tellers in town. So open a checking account at First Interstate Bank and get the first three months free. We go the extra mile for you. Details of participating branches, member FDIC. Your conversation station for Southern California. The home of talk radio, AM 790, KABC. We're back again. My guest is Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. If you'd like to call us, our phone number is 520-TALK in the San Fernando Valley, 990 Orange County, Riverside, 750 in Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244 in the San Gabriel Valley, 448. South Bay is 679. Long Beach, 639. West Side, 301. And talk T-A-L-K. Leon, 
As uh, John Nesbitt used to say, uh, you must have seen really the passing parade. I mean, life as as uh, perhaps uh, no other proprietor ever saw life. You saw Hollywood as it as it really was. Well, that's true. You warts and all. Here's one here. Edith. Edith yeah. worked as a, oh she's coming up here on the screen. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get to her in just a second. Put her on quick like if you will. Uh, tell me about uh, some of the uh, celebs. Now, you, you have a picture here of uh, Luella Parsons, uh, and uh, Luella gave you this picture. Uh, this was when she was a star, a star. right? Star. Mm -hmm. When was when was Luella Parsons a star? Nineteen twenty-six. Wow. And uh, it was taken at the Norma Talmadge home, oh. May nineteen twenty-six. Number one is Fatty Arbuckle, That's right. May Murray, Ward Crane, Verge Valley, uh, Ronald Coleman, Bessie Love, Jack Pickford, Rudolph Valentino. Valentino. That's right. Wow. And among others, uh, there's uh, that was Parsons. That was before your time. Yes, only it was before <laughs> my time, yes. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Richard Bartholomew. Yes, yes. Uh, Constance Talmadge, uh, Be uh, Beatrice Lilly. Really? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who else would I know here? Um, well, there's Howard Hughes. Uh, Howard's in the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, Al Hall, the director's in the picture. Yeah. Well, how about that? That's really something. Um, tell me about Luella Parsons. Uh, Luella would be there all the time. No, she come in quite a bit though, but. Uh, she was up above mm. the rest of them. Now, you were telling me that Walter Winchell would come in a lot. Yeah, he'd come in all the time. He would come in, stay 10, 15 minutes, and leave. Now, was there any unique thing that some of these uh, people would say at Walter Winchell? What would he have? Black coffee and a lot of cigarettes? He would eat everything there. <laughs> but, you, you know, nobody went near the, the stars. I mean, we didn't allow anybody to go. If they wanted a picture of a certain star, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then we'd ask that star whether they wanted to give that picture. But there must have been a, a, a unique food combination somebody along the line would order. Can you remember? I tell you, the chili and beans. The chili and beans. <laughs> We're back to chili and beans again. <laughs> but we had, oh, I'll tell you. Okay. On Friday, we had Chinese food. Mm -hmm. Now... You have somebody on here now that she she's a big German girl, and she would never ask them what they wanted to eat. She'd just say, sit down, hand them the Chinese food, and that's what they ate every Friday. Am I right? All right. Do we have the gal that worked for him for 17 years? Uh, we're just trying to find out uh, who who is that. Is that Gina? No, Edith. Uh, Edith. Where is Edith? She, she's gone. No, she's gone from our screen. Okay, it's line two. Here we go. Uh, Edith. Yep. Good morning. You're on with Leon Schwab. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Leon. How are you? How are you? Fine. Do you know something? What? When I heard it, because I always listen to Ray Bream, I couldn't <laughs> believe it that you are on. Yeah. And I tell you something, Mr. This Place is and going to be the most significant place that ever has been. When? Schwab's. When? 
I hope you told me. You telling me. No, I'm telling you? Yeah, you. Well, I thought that we had a drugstore where the drugstore used to be. No, you, there's going to be another one. You're going to have it. Well, have you have you spoke to somebody about it? Well, then I know something about it. Well, he knows more than I know about it. Well, then. I hope it. I hope it. But anyhow, you have been the best boss in, in the world, and you know that. We have never had any arguments about that. And you had the best food. And Joe and you, I think this was number uno every, every time and every place. Well, that's what we think, so, too. So, Edith, would you uh, also say that the uh, Chilean beans was uh, oh, internationally uh, famous? Uh, uh, did you ever try them? No, I didn't. I, I never got Do you know there. what they did? No. They sent it to, you know, remember when uh, Elizabeth Taylor and, and, and uh, Richard Burton were down in, 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 in the dumps when they did Cleopatra, Cleopatra, you know? Oh, Cleopatra, yes. yeah. Cleopatra, they sent it over there. They sent they sent Schwab's chili and beans yes, over to yes, the set yes, of Cleopatra. Where was that? Spain? <laughs> no, no, no. It was in Italy. In Italy. Don't you remember when well, they I did don't the... remember where they were shooting it now. Yeah, that's that, that what they did. And also they sent all her, her, her uh, whatever she needed for her pains and aches. They sent it over there. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. You didn't know no, that? No, I didn't well, know that either. Now you're going to find it out. Yes. How long did you work there? Oh, 17 years, baby. 17 years. <laughs> yep. Did I, I tell you something? When you open up, I'm going to work another 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody ever cause and, you any and trouble? Margie and no, no, nobody. Nobody did ever do anything to us. We, we were working like a family over there. And that's what it was. Did we ever refuse anybody any food? No. And you know that. I, you should not even have mentioned that on the, on the air because everybody who came in got food, whatever it was, you know? Yeah. It's not like, like, like now that you cannot give them some food. But we did everybody some food. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you were happy. Yeah, well, I, I was very, very happy. Edith, thank you very much for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so, let me get this straight. Uh, they they were so homesick for they for cried. Chile. No, but these girls. When I closed that store, you never saw people cry like that in your life. Oh, head. I'm sure. Those those. Well, she was the chef was there 39 years. Oh, oh. Well, but uh, tell me about uh, the chili now uh, with Liz and and uh, Richard Burton. They had eaten it in the drugstore. Yeah. And they were on location or someplace, yeah. and they, and they uh, said that they wanted, and I think they sent them two or three quarts of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they were lonesome for, uh, for the Schwab's chili. chili. Isn't that funny? Uh, I'd love to put that out. That can make a fortune. So what over to the side? Yeah. What would you do? Put it on a jet? Yeah. And send it over to the set of Cleopatra. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's See, a funny story. Yeah. I didn't know she was going to be on. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, more calls. If you want to talk with Leon Schwab, the phone number is 520-TALK, Pasadena, Burbank, Rundale, 244, and talk T-A-L-K. 
This is KABC Talk Radio AM 790, and I am Ray Brain. Talking about it is easy. Doing it is difficult. Solutions with Dr. Sonia Friedman, today at 2. In Los Angeles, the number is 520-TALK-LONG BEACH-639 and TALK, T-A-L-K, if you want to talk with Leon Schwab. Uh, Leon, um, tell me a, a few other stories that, uh, you, you must have so many stories to tell about uh, what happened in your drugstore for all those years. You ever have a, a baby delivered in the drugstore? No. But no? I had a, really? I had a marriage in the drugstore. A marriage in the, tell me about the marriage in the drugstore. <laughs> he came to me and he said, I'm going to do you a favor. I said, what are you going to do me a favor? He says, I'm going to perform a marriage in your drugstore. And I said, he was a preacher. He works in pictures all the time. Hmm. And uh, I let him do it. But I never got another one because there was more commotion going on there. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> you know, uh, before we took a... Uh uh, leave for the uh, news break there. Uh, somebody was suggesting that uh, you should um, put a Schwab's drugstore into the set there in, in Florida at uh, Disneyland, Disney World. Uh, you, they came to me. They, you, you say that they came to you? Yeah, they called me on the phone and wanted to know if I'd be interested. And on I, their main street or what? Uh, they're putting in a street of Hollywood, mm -hmm. all of Hollywood, and all the old time, like the Brown Derby, yeah. and different places, and they're going to put it all together. And they wanted to know if I would be interested in putting in a store there. Would you I tell said, them? No. There's only one place for a Schwab. That's right. And that's If I can't be there, I don't want to be. Don't want to <laughs> you don't want to be anywhere. I know how you feel. Oh. And I think most uh, of uh, the Southern California populace feel the same way. Gina in Los Angeles, good morning. Uh, hi, Ray. Hi. Uh, hello, uh, uh, Leon. Uh, I have so many great memories of Schwab. Um, my father went there. He was an actor for 37 years, Gino Corrado. And, uh, and I went there uh, in the early 70s when I was, uh, oh, gee, 18, 19, 20 years old. And uh, what I loved, uh, oh, I loved so, so much about it, but it was not a, a yuppie type of establishment. It was for real. Uh, what you saw was what you got. And uh, from the perfume counter to the waitresses to uh, what I remember is how beautifully you packaged the uh, prescription bottles and uh, the, the glass bottles uh, with the... Uh, no plastic. No plastic, huh? No, no, and uh, uh, beautiful uh, script typing. And uh, uh, I, I would come in, and the pharmacist would always be so polite to me. And uh, never he'd never call the doctor and check, is this uh, for real, or did I write it myself? You know, it was just uh, uh, like a family. And, um, and now I see things popping up. Oh, imitation hamburger stands, imitation Mel's drive-in, this type of thing that are nothing more than, um, oh, uh, art uh, imitating reality. 
and uh, you know that that's sad because uh, I think we we should get back to when uh, when things were were for real. They had their own character, uh, and uh, the chili was great. And uh, <laughs> back to that chili again, boy. I, I I can tell you one thing. I feel like I've missed something. <laughs> really, really, Ray. You know, and um, I saw Stanley Kramer there. I remember he was reading his paper, and uh, the wait. Oh, the waitresses. They were a trip. Uh, very, very nice uh, uh, gals, and the sandwiches were also delish. I mean, it just, uh, it just had Did that. they make any particular sandwich that uh, would be unique? Uh, uh, I believe that they had a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was a pastrami uh, or ham sandwich on white, was it white bread my friend ordered? And I said, you don't order it on white bread. And she said, oh, yes, well, I do. And... Uh, uh, she did, and uh, uh, it was great. I mean... Uh, Pastrami belongs on rum. I know that. That's why I said that. I said, are you sure that's what you want? <laughs> but the pickle that, that went with it, oh, it was uh, just <laughs> great. But we need you, but not at, not at Disneyland. You, you should be right where you belong, where Cyrano's was, where, all the, where the great places that were, were really uh, glamour and really Hollywood. And uh, I, I hope you get back, uh, uh, Leon, I really do. Well, everything's so expensive today to put in. I know. You know, to put a store in like... It's the bottom line. It, it is so expensive. A sandwich that we used to get thirty, thirty-five cents for. Mm-hmm. Now it's a dollar and a half, two dollars, three dollars, mm-hmm. and it's just you don't know whether you can do it or not. I know, I know, and and uh, uh, and I'm getting too old for it. Oh, I don't think you ever. <laughs> you, oh, you sound fantastic. Well, thank sound you. Sound fantastic. It's been so great talking to you. And I wish you the best. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you very much, Tina. Thank bye-bye. you, Ray. Bye-bye. All right, bye. My guest, the fabled Leon Schwab of the even more fabled Schwab's Drug Store. We'll be right back. This is KBC Talk Radio AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. Crystal accidentally shoots and kills herself. Lock up your gun. Police say keeping your handgun locked up and making sure that it's kept unloaded is one of the best ways you can protect yourself and your family. Unload and lock up your gun. Brought to you by this station and the Center to Prevent Handgun Violence. All right, our number in the South Bay, 679, Long Beach, 639, Westside, 301, and talk, my guest... Leon Schwab of the fabled Leon Schwab's Drugstore. Uh, let, let me ask you some of the uh, stars that uh, would frequent uh, your your drugstore. Is it true that Spencer Tracy used to come in there? Yes, he did. Really? Yes. What a gentleman. And you know who else was another one? was Clark Gable. Clark Gable would come in? Yeah. Really? He was a lovely man. Well, those were superstars. You know, they were superstars, and they, they acted that way. Really? Yeah. They weren't a star today and then gone. Yeah. They, year after year. They... Well, when they would come into the drugstore, what about your help? Would they be nervous? Didn't bother them at all. Really? No. This Edith, 
it was on. Yeah, yeah. Sheets go, go sit there. I'm telling you, you sit there. No other place. Really? And he would do it. Is that right? Uh, I understand Kirk Douglas would be in there. And yeah. That's not unusual to see Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. I used to feed him when he didn't have enough to eat. Really? Yeah. And uh, Richard Woodmire? No, not too no. much. How about um, Ann Sheridan? Yeah. Susan Hayward? Oh, all the, she was in love with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd uh, come in there and talk to him by the hour. Debbie Reynolds? Yeah. Boy, well, what, you ought to write a book, Leon. You really should. Well, the only reason I don't write a book is that I don't want to say anything bad about them. I know. In other words, if I'm going to tell if something happened that I know about, mm -hmm. I don't want to tell it. Tell me a couple of stories. You you must have a, a, a whole trunk full of stories that you can you, tell about uh, what went on in oh, Reagan, the, your, your drug I'll show. tell you Reagan's story. All right. Reagan's daughter came in one day. Now, which she, one? Patty? Pat, uh, Patty. Yeah. Patty. And she says, I need some thyroid tablets. I have the prescription, but I don't have any money. Here's, I said, you don't have any money? She says, no, I've spent all my money, but I need those tablets. I said, I'll give them to you. So I gave them to her, and I filled the prescription. She said, well, when I get the money, I'll pay it back to you. It wasn't 10 minutes. Here comes Nancy. And she says, did you fill a prescription for my daughter? And I said, yes. She said, did you charge it to my account? I said, yes. She says, I'm closing my account right now. I said, well, it just so happens that that drug that she needs is very, very dangerous if she don't have it. I said, because it's thyroid and she has to regulate her system with it. I said, people can take a grain of thyroid, a half grain of thyroid, or they can take 10 grains. It's according to who the person, but it can be a very dangerous thing if you don't take it. And yeah, I'm telling her these. She said, I don't care, close my account. I said, that'll be fine. And I closed the account. I said, I didn't, I'm gonna take it off of your bill. She says, yeah, I demand you to. I says, and I'm gonna, I'll just stand for it. And when she comes in, she can pay me. So five minutes after that, here comes Ronald Reagan. And he said, did my wife just come in here and close the account? <laughs> I said, yeah. And I closed it. He says, you open it. <laughs> <laughs> it's closed. It's open. It's closed. But what happened? <laughs> I opened it. Ten minutes after that, Nancy came back in. <laughs> and she apologized for closing the account. And I said, it's all right. I, maybe I made a mistake in doing it, but when I know it's thyroid, I wouldn't do that for some drug that didn't mean anything, but thyroid is a very dangerous drug. Why now, is it dangerous? Well, because if you run the thyroid gland too much, yeah. you can die from it. Mm -hmm. Now, you take, for instance, you know, uh, William Wyler, you know, the, the great director? Mm -hmm. Well, his mother was on 24 grains of it a day. Oh, my gosh. But she weighed 350 pounds, and nothing helped her. So if, see, but th that was all right. The doctor tested her for it, and it was okay. But when you get a, a girl that weighs 100, 110 pounds, that's just to pick her up. That's all. So she came back, and she was a good customer after that. <laughs> Give me another story. Let's take Nate Stein. No, Nate, Nate Stein. 
He was, who, who was Nate Stein? Well, he was a muscle man with the mob. Oh. And he would bring in a person, and he'd say, Leon, cash that $500 check for him. And I said, okay, because Nate Stein was a good cousin. That's the one I was telling you about. He'd take all the gum out of the box and everything. Tell us, tell us that story. So he says, cash a check for this one, cash a check for that one. And they'd always come in around 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And they'd sit at the counter and have some coffee, or, mm -hmm. and I would cash the check for them. Well, here I get subpoenaed by the federal government. So I go downtown, and he says, what was his name? Sheridan. Tom Sheridan, Tom Sheridan was the, the prosecuting attorney. He said, did you cash this check? I said, yeah. He says, did you cash this one? I said, if you look on the back of the check, it has my name endorsed the check. So he said, well, do you remember any one special one that you cashed a check for? I said, yeah, Mr. O'Leary. He said, well, who was Mr. O'Leary? I said, uh, Nate Stein brought him in, and I cashed it for him, and he came over to me, and he says, I'm going to let you have five cases of Hagen Hague Pinch at regular price. I'm not going to charge any black market price. And he said, well, who is Mr. O'Leary? I said, that happens to be the president's father's partner. And they, they only ran all the Hagen Hague whiskey that ever came into the United States. That was the old man Kennedy. Old man Kennedy. Mm -hmm. The judge, I'll never forget his name, <laughs> Judge Ferries. He says to the, to a dis, the a district attorney and the other guy, and he said, there will be no more names mentioned in this court unless I okay it. And who do you think it was? A fellow that President Kennedy and all he put in office three months before. <laughs> So, uh, tell me about uh, this uh, Stein. Uh, you see, he would come in and he would uh, order things and uh, not pay you? He would, he tried to do it. Yeah. I, I cleared him up in a hurry. What he would do, he'd order a box of gum, box of candy, box of this, and then when I tell him how much it was, he'd lay down three or four dollars and walk out with it. So I told him, I said, Nate, no more of that. And he laughed. King did it the next time. And I took all the gum out of the box, all the candy out of the box, and I wrapped them up real beautiful, gave it to him. He got him home and he said, you Because <laughs> he didn't have anything there. You ever threatened to uh, do anything to you? Oh, she wouldn't dare. Yeah. You know, I had something in the drugstore that I don't think anybody else has ever done. I had the FBI come in one day. And they said, we want to take a person's statement. I said, well, where do you want to take it? He says, I want to take it in the dining room. I said, if you won't hear anything, the uh, noise that'll be in there would knock anything out. He said, we don't worry about that. And they came in, they sat in the dining room, two FBI guys, and the fellow they wanted to take the statement from mm -hmm. and they had the two machines up in my office on the second floor and if one went out they would use the other one and they got rid of all the sound except the confession from the fellow wow were you ever held up once by a fellow the girl worked for me as a cosmetic girl and her boyfriend was on hop and that's all they wanted 
and they came in around four o'clock in the morning, broke in the door, mm. and came in. But that's the only time. All right, let's say hello to Jean and Carson. Jean, you're on with Leon Schwab. Oh, good morning. How are you, Mr. Bream? Hi. And happy, happy, happy to meet you. I stayed up very late, Mr. Schwab, because well, I'm going to tell my kids tomorrow. Guess what Grandma did? She <laughs> sat up and talked to Mr. Schwab of the drugstore. I'm always talking about, you know, the old days in Hollywood when I used to sing, when I knew Janie Powell, when I went to Schwab, you know, and I tell them, and I saw Sydney Green Street, and I saw all these movie stars, and I'll say, Mom, sure, Mom, you know. <laughs> they, didn't, they, they didn't believe you. Well, they do, because what happened, my son is 26, mm -hmm. and now he has the... Um, television, you know, with the old movies and the man who talks about the old days. Oh, yes. And he'll call out and say, Mom, remember this? And he's really into it now. And I go, really? Do tell. <laughs> I don't know that. Then you used and, to see Peter Lorre in there. Oh, yes. And Sidney Greenstreet. Uh-huh. And, and Van Johnson. Van Johnson. And I was a, a, a young kid, you know, and I just, my mom used to take me to singing lessons. Yeah. Do you remember Chimino Reinberg Studios across the street from you? Mm. The old studio? No, I didn't. Well, it's torn down, but I used to go there for singing, and after, if I did really good on my lessons, mm -hmm. I could go to Schwab's, and I could have, you know, lunch or treats, whatever I could get, you know, was anything, because I could sit there with my mouth open. Mm -hmm. Anyway, because the stars would go and come, and I couldn't eat. I just was so excited, and you didn't ask for autographs. It's no, just, that's right. I, you did that's not right. have that feeling, you know, you just sat there among this the scene and no one it was just there did you Everything? notice did you notice that we never had a picture on the wall never never it wasn't a that kind of thing you no. know and it was just like hello how do you do how are you and they would speak to you yeah if i said hi mr johnson you go hello honey how are you you know <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was really that feeling that this is the way it was it's very comfortable uh, people, you know, I got the pickles, the famous pickles. I used to think, do you mind if I have one of the other one of those pickles? And the chili, it was always the great. Uh, another I, mark there for the chili. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it was chili size. The chili size was with the hamburger. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I can't have it now. Since I became a grandmother, I have to be careful of the stomach, you know. Mm. But we, was there a market next door to you, Yes, too? there was. Uh, that was only until 1954. Right. And well, then I broke through and took the mar whole market in. Yes, And yes. made it a bigger store. I remember. I came mid-40s to late-40s for my little lessons. Mm -hmm. And then I just would come back and forth. But we'd see a lot of stars in the market. Oh, yeah. And uh, this, this Mitchum was over there all the time. Uh-huh. Oh, they said I looked like him oh. <laughs> for a time. <laughs> I was his daughter or something because he has our type of face oh. in our family. But I was thrilled. I loved it. And I yell and holler. And when my children told me they had driven to Hollywood and said, Mom, they're tearing down Schwab's. Yeah, they tore you know, the whole thing down. I said, no, no, this is impossible. What else can they do to me? You know, there's nothing. It's just going. Like you said, the old Hollywood should be restored. They're trying, but I don't think they'll ever you make know, it. We really need it. And all the old stars in the days, I know they're gone. You know, you can't go yeah. back. Well, you don't have the stars today like you did. No. I grew up in an old apartment building where the lady there used to sit and tell us, you know, the old days with mm -hmm. Fatty Arbuckle. She used to tell us these stories. And oh, yeah. it just, you know, made you want to know about this. I'm a really uh, now historian, I guess. We, we love it. Mm -hmm. It's part of your life. 
Mm. And I want to see you back on the corner. <laughs> I want to come out there, you know, and say, look, I was here. <laughs> I didn't become a star. All but, right. Thank you, Gene. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. My guest is uh, Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. We'll be right back. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. This morning at 9, the dueling bills clash. Then at 10, Bruce Hershenson sets things straight with your calls and commentary. Mattress is free. Plus, Hit and Sleep carries one of the largest selections of brand names in California, including Simmons Beauty Rest and CD Posturepedic. Buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Only Sit and Sleep offers their exclusive 30-night sleep trial and their 30-day price guarantee. So if you're waking up with a sore back or tossing and turning all night long, do what I did. Head to Sit and Sleep and get yourself a new mattress. And sleep like a baby. Head to Sit and Sleep and you tell them Ray Brain sent you. Sit and Sleep in Culver City on Washington, one block west of Overland. Phone orders are accepted. Call 213-870-1374. 90-day credit is easy with your good credit. And yes, they do deliver. Before you buy a mattress, compare Sit and Sleep's unbeatable prices. Sit and Sleep beats every department store price or the mattress is free. You're interested in information. That's why you're listening to the radio right now. Well, now you can tune in to talk radio all over the world with a shortwave radio from Affordable Portables. A complete selection of shortwaves from pocket size to tabletop professional models are always in stock. Now, that's not all you'll find either. At any convenient Affordable Portables location in Westwood, Sherman Oaks, Torrance, or Costa Mesa, you'll find the largest selection of portable electronics in Southern California. Brand names like Sony, Panasonic, Nakamichi, Proton, Iowa, and more. They're all in stock at low prices. And this week, you can pick up a Sony 15-band shortwave radio for only $179, or a Grundig 10-band for only $88. And don't miss the buy of the year in a Panasonic phone answering machine. Activate 12 different functions from a touch-tone phone anywhere in the world for only $59. Remember, affordable portables is keeping you in touch with tomorrow. Money problems can really make your life miserable. They can cause you to fight with your spouse, to snap at your kids and to toss and turn all night worrying about what you're going to do. But there is help. If you're a homeowner, Allstate Home Loans Incorporated may be able to arrange for the money you need from $5,000 to $250,000 quickly and confidentially. In most cases, you'll have a tentative answer within 48 hours, subject primarily to equity verification. And because your loan is based primarily on the equity in your home, you don't have to be currently working or have good credit to qualify. So if money problems are keeping you up at night, you owe it to yourself to find out more about Allstate Home Loans at 1-800-345-7900. Let Allstate help you get the money you need to use in any way you want. Now don't spend another sleepless night worrying about problems. Call Allstate Home Loans Broker. 1-800-345-7900. That's 1-800-345-7900. Call now. You tell them Ray Bream asked you to call. Rob and Destry pretend to have a gun battle. 
One of them has found a real gun. Ten-year-old Destry is killed. Your gun. A mother steps out of a room, leaving her three-year-old daughter. Her daughter, Crystal, finds a handgun. Crystal accidentally shoots and kills herself. Lock up your gun. Police say keeping your handgun locked up and making sure that it's kept unloaded is one of the best ways you can protect yourself and your family. Unload and lock up your gun. Brought to you by this station and the Center to Prevent Handgun Violence. At 5.05 this morning on KABC, following the ABC Network News, it's four hours of fun, news, and things you can use with the Ken and Bob Company. And in the studio, we've got Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. If you want to call us, the phone number is 520-TALK. We have a couple of lines open. The uh, 679 line is open. That's the South Bay. And we have the 639 line open. That's Long Beach. And everything is talk, T-A-L-K, at the end. Uh, Leon, uh, tell me about Bogey. He was a nice guy. Was he? He was a nice guy, but he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh, I don't think he ever passed a day without drinking. Really? He was that uh, big oh, of a boozer. In fact, I was in New York one time, and I go into a nightclub there, and here he is dancing with a doll. So drunk he couldn't stand up. They finally threw him out of the store. Mm. But he, he was going with a, a girl by the name of Mayo Matho. That, I think he was married to her, and then he married the other one. But he was a real nice guy. He never caused any trouble or anything. Just, to, just. But he drink all the time. That's really? Robert Benchley was another one. Robert Benchley lived at the Garden of Allah, mm -hmm. which was. Three steps away from the drugstore. Yeah. <laughs> He'd take a taxi cab. To the drugstore? To the drugstore from, from the garden. And he'd keep him there for four hours while he would sober up with coffee at the drugstore. Really? Fantastic. You were telling me that Red Skelton used to come in all the time. All the time. Well, I, I came home one day and found Red Skelton asleep in his car on my lawn in Beverly Hills. <laughs> he was so drunk he couldn't stand up. But he was a nice guy. Yeah. There's the best talent comedian I think of. Oh, all. you know that's I miss those days. And why they took you know when they took him off the air on well, they TV. They couldn't control him. But when they took him off, he was in the top ten. Yeah. That show was in the top ten. But he, they couldn't control him. Wow. He was great. Yes, he was. How many comedians do you have today? None. 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 You got to let Bob him. Hope is still around and doing. Yeah, but he has to s yeah. read everything. Yeah. But uh, there's a. Ch well, anyway, let's. <laughs> I took that off. I don't. I want to say. Let's say hello to uh, Catherine in Los Angeles. Catherine, you're on with Leon Schwab. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, Mr. Schwab. Yes. Do you remember Julia Williams? Sure. She did a lot of parties for me. She did all of your parties. That's right. About 40 or 50 years, I think. I'm her daughter, Catherine. Oh, I remember you, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was so happy to hear your voice. Oh. Boy, it's just, it brings back the old days. The best, best cooks in, in the country. <laughs> we catered some they, of the biggest parties in the right. world for the Schwab family. The whole family. Yeah, they did all our parties. Beautiful, and you had some parties. Yes, I did. Yeah, I just you had to some parties. Tell me about your parties. Oh, he had parties. Well, see, I had part. I had a beautiful house in, beautiful in Beverly home. Hill. I built the house, mm. and uh, 
we'd have a party once every two months, every three months. Really? Yeah. I used to have every every year I threw a cancer guild party <laughs> that we'd have 300, 350 people. More than that, Mr. Swab. <laughs> <laughs> but they were fantastic. The food um, was great. Everything was great. Yeah. That was a good old day. Yeah, you don't see those kind No, anymore. people don't have parties like they used to. No, they don't. No, they're different. And the big parties you, your family would have at the temple. Oh, yeah. We opened up the temples. Well, I had... <laughs> you know that I had... When I was married 50 years... That I had, I got married again. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's yeah. great. That's um, wonderful. I had the party right at the temple. Isn't you were there. Yeah, I was at all the parties. Yeah. Me and my mom. Yeah, that's right. And and her crew. That's right. Uh, no, I just wanted to say hi because I felt so beautiful hearing yeah. your voice. Well, thank, thank you, you very Catherine. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so uh, tell me about Barbara Stanwyck. Finest girl in the picture business. Absolutely as fine a girl, woman, as you'll ever find. And that first husband of hers was real bad with her. He'd beat her up and everything. And uh, I can't tell him about her son. Well, tell, tell me about, I've uh, got, got something here I'm supposed to ask you about, the sausage. Oh, oh yeah. Tell me about the sausage. <laughs> the sausage story. You've got to tell me that one. Well... I was sitting in the dining room, and a fellow came in, and he says, is Leon Schwab here? And I said, that's me. He says, I'm sending you 100 pounds of sausage every month for a year because I cheated you so much that I never paid a bill. <laughs> he said, now, he, he wanted to be an actor, and he never had any money. But when he went back to Philadelphia... He got in the sausage business. He took care of Frank Sinatra. He took care of all of them. And he said, I'm going to pay you off. And by God, every month, 100 pounds of sausage. Yeah, isn't that something? Now, that's really nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. All right, we'll be right back with more phone calls to Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. <laughs> What is that, a fire? I don't know. I heard someone's got a hostage, but I can't make it out. <gasps> What's that? Maybe it's an explosion. No, no, it sounded like a window breaking. This is so confusing. Look, the eyewitness news van is here. Then I'm going home. Why? Things are just starting. I want to know what's going on, and when news happens, you see it happen on Channel 7. All right, everybody back. Don't just watch. Witness. Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Turn to Oprah. Never argue with a woman. You'll never win. <laughs> if they've got two legs and walking, they will cheat. You got it. This is it. It's divorce. Forget it. <laughs> Turn to Oprah. Men don't get as jealous as women. No. Oh, am I going to get killed for that one? Boy! You heard it, America. Turn to Oprah. Oprah Winfrey at three, followed by Harold Green and Marianne Bannister on Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Here's great news for homeowners. As you know, home equity loans typically stop at 80% of property value. But listen to this. Qualified homeowners can borrow the full 100% of their equity at Homeowners Capital of California. 
and 20% extra borrowing power can mean a lot more cash in your pocket. $20,000 more on a $100,000 house and on a $200,000 home up to $40,000 more cash. Why, it could be like getting your down payment back. You can do home improvements or pay off those high interest bills and credit cards or use the cash for personal use. There are no time of ownership requirements, so even if you just refinanced or recently purchased, you may have borrowing power at homeowner's capital. From the 714 area code, dial 953-5058. I'll repeat that. Call 953-5058 for homeowner's capital. The 100% equity lender. Call up to 9 p.m., but call today. If only babies came with instructions. They'd all be loved and nurtured, cherished and protected. And thousands of them could be saved every year from choking, suffocating, or other breathing emergencies. Because the instruction tag would simply say, Please learn American Red Cross Infant and Child CPR. American Red Cross. We help you help others. My guest is Leon Schwab. You know, a lot of things come and go in Hollywood, but um, Schwab's Drugstore will always be there, if not in uh, actual uh, building in memory. And maybe someday there'll be another Schwab's at that site. Who knows? <laughs> Leon Schwab is with us, a living legend. He is, Mr. Hollywood. Uh, when, when you think back at uh, all those years and... Uh, the things that have happened. Tell me about uh, Spencer Tracy. Was it was he seeing, uh, you know, uh, his his girlfriend on the side there in your drugstore? Not Catherine Hepburn. Well, he come in with her once in a while, but uh -huh. that's all. But uh, I used to see him at MGM Studio all the time with her. Mm -hmm. He's a wonderful man. Loved him on the screen. Yeah, he was a good actor. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. You don't get those anymore. No, they're gone forever. Who you got? You got a bunch of kids. I don't even remember one of them. I know. So the same thing with music. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's not music. No. <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> Let's say hello to Meg in Riverside. Hello, Meg. You're on with Leon Schwab. Good morning, and good morning to you, Mr. Schwab. Do you ever bring back wonderful memories? Well, thank you. Uh, my days are the early 40s. Um... Your place, it gave two feelings to people, and more than myself. I've heard others at that time say the same thing. When you went into Schwab's, whether you went in to eat or you went in to buy something, you felt a special treatment, and you also felt that you were where you somehow belonged. There was a feeling of home somehow that was uh, blended together with that extra special treatment that you that everyone got. And I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. You remember when at that time Bob Mitchum was the attendant in the parking lot? I know he was back there all the time. Yeah. 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 And uh, in fact, Bob, I spoke to him the other day. Did you? Mm -hmm. the, um, there was a funny thing that occurred. When I was in your place one night quite late, and I, as I crossed the street, as I crossed Sunset, there was very little traffic. There was a dark green phaeton that had pulled up to the corner, the opposite corner. 
and in it sat Ruth Eddington. And she looked at me and she said, is Errol in there? And I said, no. Now, I didn't know Ruth Eddington and she didn't know me. But that is just indicative of what Hollywood was like in those days. Uh, the people... Did you know her father? No. no her I father didn't. was the... Uh, was the police chief at one time. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. Well, I knew many of the people in Hollywood, but I didn't know her. Another just brief incident that uh, will show people what Hollywood was like. Uh, I was I had been shopping at Nancy's on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. and as I was walking up the boulevard, I passed... Uh, Shirley Temple. And I looked at her and smiled, and she smiled at me, and we both went on our merry way, not missing a step. There was no bothering of the stars. There was a respect for them and an affection for them, but uh, you didn't feel as if their lives belonged to the public. There, There was a respect that just isn't shown today. Well, I think we uh, agree there. Yeah. That's right. And uh, it, it really is a joy. I'm so sorry that Schwab isn't there. And when I heard about it, uh, it, it really touched me. About How long has it been, Leon? What, six years now? Almost seven. Oh, good heavens. But you certainly touched the hearts of an awful lot of people in your lifetime. You know, when I go by there every once in a while... No stop. When are you going to open? Uh-huh. And there's nothing there now. I think if if you announced that you were going to be open, there would be crowds of hundreds there for every day of the construction to make sure it was done right. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, thank you for the call. Thank you, Beth. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, do you ever hear from the construction people or the, uh, the development people? Yeah. And, and what do they say? It's going to start in 30 days. Uh-huh. And they've been saying this and, for and they almost seven years. That's right. Wow. It's that's been longer than that. Uh-oh. If you uh, hadn't bought their argument, could you have uh, forestalled this? In other words, yeah. if... In other words, you could have... I could have stayed right there. But they sold you a bill of goods. They, well, they sold me a bill of goods because they told me not to buy any merchandise because yeah. the way we had the store set up, it... They could steal from it too easy. And we figured, well, we'll have a brand new store, everything just like we want it. And we had the two bosses of that were going to put up the building. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's sad, the way it happened. I mean, uh, let's face it, you were conned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take another call. We've got Dennis on the line here from Canyon Country. Dennis, you're on with Leon Schwab. How you doing, Ray? Hi. Hello, Mr. Schwab. Hello. I was kind of a semi-regular the last 20 years uh, before the place closed up with old Frank Dakova. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, he passed right. away. I know, yeah. I know. And uh, <laughs> you remember him as the great Indian out there in the plains. Yeah. And, of course, Rod Stagger's voice running across the place. I don't know what's going on. Either get me the chop suey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had a little history question. I was there also for the filming when the London group came in there to film the closing oh. of Schwab's. Mm-hmm. And I was there for the auction when they auctioned off all the merchant, the uh, furniture, and I got mm-hmm. my little book of uh, tickets. Of um, and um, but what I had was a couple of history questions. Could you maybe clear up for me? In 1934, 
I was wondering if Russ Colombo was ever coming around there because he had lived right around that area. He might have. I don't remember him. Okay. And the other question was, of course, I lived on Laurel right around the corner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wondered, I knew there was a lot of talk about F. Scott Fitzgerald. He used to live in the building over there uh, on Laurel. If he used to come up there drunk or... No, uh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. No. I guess that's about that, it. That's pretty long ago. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't cover those periods. I was there, like I said, from, mm -hmm. from the middle 60s until the place closed up. Mm -hmm. And uh, old Melody Rogers used to, not old oh. Melody Rogers, the beautiful girl from 200 yeah. Towns, she lived on the corner there where the shell station used you to You know be. who used to live right around the corner? Uh -uh. Was Goretta Young. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And Betty Davis right around the corner. Uh, and our, uh, That's right, and Loretta Young's sister used to come in too. Uh, m -m 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 Gretchen. Yes. And Georgiana. Yeah, and the, and the one over there in Beverly Hills uh, used to go out with Paul, not Polly, uh, the one used to go out with uh, Russ Columbus, Sally Blaine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Blaine sisters. Uh-huh. There was two or three of them. Yeah. yeah. yeah Would uh, George Burns ever come in? Oh, yes, all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Ray? Yes? Did you ever find Dakota State for me? No. Didn't do it, huh? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she... <laughs> okay. Take care. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, the, uh, the legend that grew up around Schwab's, why did that grow up that way? What, 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 what was it? It was home. That's exactly what it was. It was a home for all the extras. It was a home for bit players. It was a home... And the big people... We would deliver to 90% of the time. Really? Well, we delivered all the way to the beach. Why didn't I uh, partake? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I didn't know that. Yeah. Deliver until 12 o'clock at night. Is that right? Mm hmm uh, Would you uh, be open how late? How late were you open? 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Well, uh, Leon, uh, I know we uh, have uh, a, a time schedule. Would you stay another hour? How do you feel? I feel fine. You want us to? What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Think we <laughs> ought to uh, do it another hour here with Leon? He's got so many stories to tell. It's really up to you. If you want to continue your calling, by all means, we'll do it, and uh, we'll keep Leon one more hour. It's a rare privilege to have Leon Schwab with us, and what he could tell us. It's like, uh, you know, he is Mr. Hollywood. You are a Hollywood. You know that. Yeah, you know, Marie Windsor said the, the cutest thing. She said, I'm going to fight for it. But I think that sh there should be a Schwab's star on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. Well, there really should. And if there isn't, let's talk about it. Let's talk it up. We'll be right back with uh, Leon Schwab. He's going to stay another hour. It's up to you now. Get those calls coming in. This is Talk Radio, and I'm Ray Brain. KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, KBC Los Angeles, it's 2 o'clock. I see these kids just about every day. I'm a letter carrier, and we're in your neighborhood six days a week delivering the mail. As a letter carrier and a parent, I have a special concern about the young children on my route. You see, kids love to get the mail and take it in the house. As much as we like to see them, it's better if they don't come near the vehicle. Hi, Mr. Johnson. Hi, Mary. Because we are so familiar in the neighborhood, the children sometimes become careless around our vehicles. And it's not just us. The drivers of any delivery or service vehicle, a utility company, store, school bus, trash pickup, they'd say the same thing. 
If you have young children, please remind them to stay away from delivery vehicles. And please make sure your letter carrier is pulled away from the curb before you let your child get mail out of the mailbox. We care about kids, and we know you do too. This is a public service message from your postal service. Your conversation station for Southern California. The home of talk radio, AM 790, KABC. We're back again, and in the studio is the fabled Leon Schwab of the fabled Leon Schwab's drugstore. And uh, Leon, uh, thanks for being with us for an extra hour here. Appreciate that. You have so many stories to tell. I mean, you are <laughs> Mr. Hollywood. You know that. You know, you you just mentioned Al Jarvis. Yeah. The make-believe ballroom was made by a fellow by the name of Ted Richmond. Really. He's the one, he got uh, K-Star mm -hmm. in Make Believe Ball to sing in that, when they made the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was just saying off the air that there was always a fight between Al Jarvis and, uh, and Martin Block yeah. as to who started, quote, the Make Believe Ballroom. Yeah. And I was saying that uh, Al Jarvis uh, came to uh, KLAC at the same time uh, I came down from Seattle. We came together. Oh, I see. Over to KLAC, and that's how I came to Hollywood in 1960. But I said when I left here in 1953, I was never coming back until they <laughs> called for me. And the strange thing is they did call for me. Isn't that strange? That's but, nice. But, well, you know, it is kind of a nice story, but Hollywood is filled with these kind of stories. And Not I, good ones, though. Yeah, well, you've seen good and bad. I'll bet you've seen... The guys and gals come into your store and they never quite made it. Yeah, that's right. What would you tell these, these, these would-be stars? There's nothing you can tell them because they think that they're the best. Mm. And that show that they want to give them is not, never good enough for them. Yeah. I had a very, very close friend of mine, and he's been in the picture business here for 26 years. And I said to him, I says, Mario, you're not doing anything. Why don't you go get a self, yourself a job? He says, I'm going to die being an actor. I am not going to go get any other. He says, I've wasted so many years, and I'm not going to go anyplace else. And he says, that's the trouble with 90% of the extras today. Now, would they come into your store, into your uh, uh, pharmacy, your, your drugstore, and you know, have coffee waiting to be discovered, like Lana Turner? We, we would, we had a telephone put in, special in the dining room, just for those fellas, that when they figured somebody was going to call them, am I right? They'd come in just to be seen. Seen, like, they'd have a cup of coffee, and they couldn't pay for the cup of coffee. And one would say, well, I'm going to have a big part next week. Yeah, it? yeah. Never worked out. Never worked out. Oh, well, you you got one once in a while, but nothing. It's a what, what, what would you tell these these guys that they're always going to have a part next week, and, and they never did? What would you tell them? I told two of them. I said, I can get you a job at the Palladium, and you'll make yourself $100 a day. Mm -hmm. No way would they work. That's sad, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. A regular person goes out and gets a job and tries their best. They'll sit there all day long. 
Well, this can be a rough town, as you well know. It sure can. Especially in the motion picture business. And this, the new actors that are coming up, they're going to make it tough for the older actor because they know everything, nobody can tell them anything, and they think they should be a star from the first day that they start. Any of the uh, newer talent come into your place yeah. before it closed? Yeah. What, what's his name? James Woods. James Woods? Big star. Mm -hmm. He thought he could do whatever he wanted in the store, and I said, no way. That story, you can't sit in the dining room by yourself in a booth for four at 12 o'clock noon. I did the same thing to Jesse White. Really? Yeah, because, look, we just had so many seats. I said, get somebody to sit with you. I'll let two of you, but I'm not going to let one. What would they say? He got mad. Jesse White got mad. Hmm. He was out for two weeks. He came back and apologized. <laughs> Well, it's, it's only it's only good business for heaven's sake. That's said. all. Yeah. James Wood. Yeah, he threw a fifty dollar bill at me. Hmm. He said, "I can pay for the whole booth. I don't mean." I threw it back at him, and I took the the ham and eggs he had and threw it in the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you want to talk with Leon Schwab, who can tell a lot of stories, then uh, call us five two zero talk T A L K in the San Fernando Valley nine nine zero. Orange County, Riverside, 750. Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244. San Gabriel Valley, 448. South Bay, 679. Long Beach, 639. And in the west side area, that's Santa Monica, West Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, Malibu, Marina Del Rey. That number's 301 and talk. Did you uh, take a lot of uh, hot checks? Enough. But I, I could collect most of the checks. Checks I, weren't, I wasn't worried about. When you took a lot of them, I'll bet you you knew that they would uh, never clear. That's right. You son of a gun. You know what else they do? <laughs> you know what else they do? A lot what? of them would do. They give you a check and then run to the bank to try to cover it. <laughs> and I knew it all the time. <laughs> Let's take a call from Harold. Harold, you're on with Leon Schwab. Good morning. Good morning, Ray. Not a long time listener. First time I've ever called. Well, here you are. Uh... Leon, you might probably don't remember me. I'm Harold Colburn. I used to work for Hank Wolf. Parking oh, cars in uh, Voltaire and yeah, Carnivella. Sure. Yeah, sure. And you needed a delivery boy. So uh, you hired me and my little Model A to deliver for you. What you uh, just barely mentioned a minute ago was that the large area you covered. Yeah, we covered all the way to the beach. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, Pacific Palisades, Encino, clear yeah. out the Lake Narconian Club. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my Model A wouldn't make it, so I bought a better car, <laughs> and I drove it 36,000 miles <laughs> in less than a year. How long were you with us? About uh, just a little under a year. Mm -hmm. But and, it, was, it was nice then. Oh, it was real nice. I, I met a lot of nice people. Used to stand up at the uh, cigarette counter, filling the little slots with cigarettes after the last delivery, and I do Lupino, and people like that would mm -hmm. stand there and talk by the hour. Yeah, she was a nice person. Yes, she was. Yeah. And of course, we drove to, into every one of the studios to their dressing rooms, delivering things. And during that big rains in early '38. I'll never forget, uh, even Laurel Canyon was closed. Oh, yeah. That we happened had, every once in a while. The The smallest delivery I made was up 
outpost drive along Mulholland, down, lookout, uh, down Laurel Canyon to Lookout, up Lookout Mountain to deliver two packages of cigarettes. Yeah, nobody believes that, though. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd... Uh, well, nice uh, talking to you. Yes, it's been very interesting. You think that uh, Leon Schwab ought to have a star on Hollywood Boulevard? Oh, sure, sure. Well, I do, I'd, too. I'll vote for that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good to me. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Uh, we'll be right back with our guest, Leon Schwab. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. News and stuff and everything you need. Ken and Bob. Mornings, 5 to 9. Do you qualify for Medicare? Maybe a loved one or someone you know qualifies for Medicare. If so then you're probably aware that Medicare, in many cases, won't cover all your medical costs. That's why you should call and inquire about United Health Plan's Golden Age. Under contract with the federal government, United Health Plan's Golden Age is a special plan for Medicare beneficiaries. United Health Plan's Golden Age provides quality health care services beyond what Medicare covers at no additional cost. Now, your golden years should be the richest and happiest time of your life without worries over costly medical bills. United Health Plan's Golden Age is designed by people who care about your good health and your peace of mind. Make the call today. Call United Health Plan's Golden Age toll-free 1-800-321-7600. That's 1-800-321-7600. The call is free. Why not call now? 1-800-321-7600. In Los Angeles, the number is 520-TALK. Long Beach, 639-TALK. South Bay, 679-AND-TALK. Michael Jackson is on vacation this week. The dueling bills, Bill Pearl and Bill Press, will guest host the 9 to 10 hour all week long, while Bruce Hershenson hosts 10 to 1 today and Thursday. L.A. County District Attorney Ira Reiner hosts 10 to 1 on Wednesday, and Gloria Allred hosts 10 to 1 on Friday. And uh, let us say now hello to Bob in Northridge. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Mr. Schwab. How are you? Fine. How are you? Uh, Mr. Bream, if you haven't had Schwab's chili, I'll tell you you're missing something. I know it now. <laughs> I, it's too late. It Isn't is that funny? One of, the, one, of the, one of the best chilies I've ever had. Anyway, uh, the reason I'm calling is that there's a, two days ago I read in the Hollywood Insider that a book is forthcoming. Is that a fact? No, not yet. Is there interest in a book? Oh, I'd be interested in a book, but the only thing is, I, I won't say what they'd like me to say. say well, what do they want you to say? They'd like me to say the, the little dirty things that I know. Oh, all the little dirty things. Now, he's too nice a guy for that. One more question, if I may. Uh, your, your daughter, she married a uh, baseball player. That's right. What ever happened to her? Well, they're divorced. Uh, is she still uh, in, in anything uh, famous or anything? No, no. Okay, thank you very much. You are. All right, thank you. But you got to write a book. You really do. You have to write a book. Then write it the way you want to write it. Well, how can you write it the way you want it? Uh, what's his name? John Harris. No, no, no. Uh, the fellow that is supposed to be, who's so good. John Harris. No, no, no. Uh, the fellow that I got him a reservation in, in uh, Paris. Oh, uh, Irving Lazar. Oh, Irving Lazar. Yeah. Yeah. He says... The agent. Yeah, he says to me, sure, I'll be glad. I can sell it in a minute. 
He said, but you got to tell me who's going to bed with who and everything. <laughs> I said, no way, forget it. Yeah. Would would they uh, share a lot of secrets with you as they, as they would a bartender? I don't think so. They would tell me different things, but mm -hmm. not very much. Tell me about uh, the, the days of Hollywood when, uh, oh, say, a uh, Judy Garland and a Mickey Rooney would come in. Uh, Mickey Rooney I have no use for. He cost me $5,000. He cost you $5,000? Yeah, he went into bankruptcy. He's the only one that ever did that to me. Oh. Judy was a good customer, but she was a tough one. Really? Yeah, she was on drugs, and that's all there was to it. But, the, see, I knew the doctors. Yeah. And when the doctor said, he said, I'll let her have one capsule a day. That's fine. I'd send it up to her. These were the Dr. Feelgoods of Hollywood, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Too bad. But, so, she was a tough one. You know, Eddie Fisher's talked about oh, that. He's been in bad. He was bad there for a while. I know. He's, he blames it on uh, the Dr. Feelgoods of Hollywood. Yeah. Well, but he did a lot himself, too. Really? Yeah. Well, of course, he was so broken up after the marriage with Liz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. Yeah. But well, he's uh, learned a, a heavy heavy lesson, but he's, he's straight now. I think he gave away 90% of his uh, money that he made. Really? Yeah. Everybody had a piece of him. Uh, it's too bad. What about uh, when, uh, when uh, the king was in town filming? Did he ever come into the store? Elvis Presley? Oh, yeah. And his wife, she used to buy all her... Or cosmetics and everything for really? mm -hmm. Let's say hello to uh, Ted in Laguna Niguel. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Hi. Mr. Schwab. Good morning. 1944, I hit this town, came to Schwab's drugstore, and you fed me. I used to go in Schwab's drugstore for the next, oh, 25, 30 years. Sitting at the counter, I used to remember a fellow with a glass eye by the name of Hoyt. Clay oh, yeah, Clay Hoyt. Then I used to look down this bar, and there used to be a fellow sitting there by the name of O.K. Freddy. Yeah. And I used to watch him go up and down the boulevard looking for pennies or nickels or rings or I don't watches. Know, I don't know whatever happened to him. Oh, he died. Did he? Yeah, uh, he died. But uh, Craig Hoyt was a, a standard person in Hollywood. He was a regular right regular. on the end there. Yeah. Then in the other room, you'd see Telly Savala. Did, did you know that, that Craig Hoyt would get all his mail at the fire hydrant on yeah. Hollywood Boulevard? I sure did. The, wait a minute. Now, let me get that straight. He would get his mail at the fire hydrant on Hollywood Boulevard. He sure did. Yeah. He would be waiting for the for the mailman, and the mailman delivered to him. You never knew that one. There's a story. Yeah. Write, write these down. <laughs> then you go in the other room where they're eating, you'd always see Telly Savalas. Yeah. Or uh, Freddie Otash. Oh, yeah. The detective. I still yeah. see him all the time. You do? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you, Mr. Schwab, I used to see uh, uh, your uh, Sydney uh, upstairs. He used to oh, live, Sydney Skolsky. You used to give him a room up there, didn't you? Yeah. That's yeah, right. I gave him an office up there. That's right. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else, and then I'll sign off here. I certainly thank you for giving me the time, Ray. Yeah. Uh, you should write a book. I'll tell you why. I'm not going to plug my book. I just wrote it. It's a bestseller. And in that book, I mention your drugstore and you fellas. And also, I want to let you know that in 1944, 
I brought Marilyn Monroe for the first time in Schwab's drugstore. And you must have introduced her to Sidney Skalski. That's right. Her name was Norma Jean Doherty at the yeah. time. Anyway, listen, I'm happy to talk to both of you, and God bless you. You sound great. Well, thank you, Ted. Thank yes, you. sir. Bye-bye. How about that? Uh, you know he's been there a lot. Yes, he has. <laughs> hmm? Ted Rapley. I get Ted who? Rapley. Ted Rapley? Yeah, just wrote Oh, how about that? Okay. Uh, we've got somebody coaching us here, and he knows all those folks. <laughs> uh, and the guy coaching is the guy who was a guest uh, not too many moons ago, Joe Side, who had a great idea for uh, uh, stopping the drug traffic, and that's whistleblowing, paying the whistleblowers. Great idea. Um, Joe was a, um, a flack for many years, as we call him in the trade. Uh, tell me uh, about... Um, some of the other people used to come in and what they would do, Leon. Well, now there was Hugh O'Brien. Do you remember? Yeah, him? sure. <laughs> well, he worked for me. He did? He worked behind the soda fountain for two years. Hugh O'Brien? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I see him at a football game one day. He doesn't recognize me. So oh. He wouldn't even say hello to me. Oh, that's terrible. Well, that's... After two years, he didn't have enough to eat. Wow. But that's not true of a lot of stars. Uh, you know, he's Wyatt Earp. Yeah. But, he, you know, he's not working. I, I, never, I haven't seen him in anything in the last two years. But I'll bet you have uh, some long, enduring friendships with the, these people. I never go out with them or anything. Mm. In the but, I, but, but you... In know. the store. Yeah. I do anything for them. I... Give them the medicine when they need it. I did everything. But I've never gone out with them. Tell me the story about the, the baseball bat and the head, head injury. Oh, oh. A fellow by the name of Frank Cavett was the writer on The Greatest Show on Earth. Mm -hmm. Very, very religious man. And his, his kid was at a baseball game sitting on the bench and a bat flew out of the boat one of the batters, and hit him in the head and almost killed him. So I got the doctor to operate on him, and Frank Cavett didn't have a quarter. So I said, well, you just bill him how much you think, and I'll see that you get a little bit every month and until he gets it paid up. And sure enough, he paid it all up. And it was around $3,500, but he paid it all up. And in walks a fellow three weeks, four weeks before I closed the store. And he says, Leon Schwab here? I said, that's me. He said, I want to thank you for my life. For his life? For his life. Nobody gave him a chance to live. And I got that doctor. He's got a plate in his head. Huh? Plate in his head. Isn't that great? Six foot one, six foot two. Now, that was a nice thing. Isn't, that is nice. Yeah. That makes but, life. I mean, he came back to thank me. Isn't that nice? I had a singer. I don't think you knew this. I had a singer that taught all the movie stars how to play tennis. Hmm. And he only had one arm. And I took him he out. He taught you how to play tennis and he only had one arm. One arm. His other arm was cut off right there. Hmm. The hand was there, hmm. but he only had one arm. And I took him out to MGM Studio to Mr. Mayor, mm. and uh, uh, his secretary was Ida Coverman. 
she was the secretary to the president of the United States at one time. Mm. And we took him on stage five, and Mary Garden, the great t opera star, she listened to him sing, and she called everybody, Dr. William Axton, everybody in to listen to him, and they signed him. They even called Frank Orsati to sign him to a contract. I said, what about me? He said, never mind, you don't get any of that. <laughs> Did you know that? And uh, they signed him to a good contract. Two days afterwards, he passed away. 32 years old. Something. We'll be right back with our guest, Leon Schwab of the legendary Swab's Drugstore. This is Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brown. If you're 65... It's unusual. Go in and have it checked. If you're 65 or older, call the Skin Cancer Institute now for your free exam. Call 1-800-445-EXAM. That's 1-800-445-EXAM. HMO members not eligible. In Los Angeles, the phone number is 520-TALK. In the San Fernando Valley, 990-TALK. Orange County, Riverside, 750-Pasadena-Burbank-Glendale, 244-San Gabriel Valley, 448-South Bay, 679-Long Beach, 639 and the West Side, 301-AND-TALK, T-A-L-K. If you want to talk with Leon Schwab during regular business hours, Rose Hills, a place to remember. That's 1-800-548-3300. 33. Looking at the weather, it's going to be partly cloudy and cool. Southwest to west winds 10 to 20 miles an hour during the afternoon and evening. Mostly clear on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday. A little warmer Wednesday. A little change in the weather, I guess. Uh, Leon Schwab is our guest. Uh, boy, what a rockin' tour you, you are. You can tell so many stories. I haven't even started. I know. Tell me another one. <laughs> I was in at the George Sank in Paris, and a girl walks in, and she says to me, I know you. I says, you don't know me, but I know you. Hmm. And she sat there and sat there, and, and finally she came out, Leon Schwab of Hollywood. And I said, yeah, that's right. And it was Olivia de Havilland. Yeah, how about that? You know, we're talking about uh, the stars, but did any of the uh, producers, directors come in? All of them. How about Cecil B. DeMellon, you know, Mervyn Leroy and all these people? Uh, Mervyn did Cecil Leroy, come in? Yeah, but Mervyn Leroy was always in there. He really? always came in there. Yeah. Really? He was a customer for years and years. And uh, all the ones at MGM, I used to, I, I had a deal with MGM Studio that I furnished all the whiskey for the for the studio. <laughs> you furnished the whiskey? Yeah, and then I, at Christmas time, for nine years, they allowed me to put a store on the lot with gifts really? for the, through the month of December. <laughs> you see, and I talked to Mr. Mayor, and I said, I can save you a lot of money if you let me put a store in here. People don't have to get off the lot. Mm -hmm. And he went for it. And... He said to me one day, he said, how would you like to cater the party? I said, I'll cater the liquor, but I don't want to cater the party. Mm -hmm. Every year they had a party for salesmen throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. The largest bar in the world 
5,000 people at the bar. 5,000 people, people at, at the, the bar? At the bar. And the people at the bar would be very unique people, too. Y you know, uh, they build it on stage five. And wow. was, I'll never forget that. Was a, I was in his office. and uh, How many people would be bartending? Oh, for every 10 people, you'd have to have a bartender. But I'll never forget the black uh, the dancer uh, Rob, went up Bojangles yeah Bojangles so he's sitting there with Mr. Mayor and I came in he introduced me and Mr. Mayor says I'll see you at the party he says no you won't I'll never forget that and he says why he says you didn't invite my wife you only invited me and I don't go any place without my wife how about that and Mr. Mayor said if you don't come I'm going to throw you off the lot because you don't think I gave you the invitation for you. I gave it for your wife. And I don't care if you don't come, but I want your wife there. And he came to the party. How about that? Yeah. That's the party that uh, that uh, Judy Garland sang to Clark Gable. You made me love you, but I didn't want to do it. Is that she right? She was 11 years old at the time. For heaven's sakes. Let's say hello to Carlos in Los Angeles. Good morning, Carlos. Good morning. I want to thank you, Mr. Schwab, for having had such a comfortable drugstore. <laughs> Absolutely. Boy, I was teaching right around the corner at an astrological foundation, uh, Pappy's, uh, Mr. Carol Ryder's place at the time. We used to come in there, uh, a staff member and I, myself, pour over charts, books, and coffee. Hey, we discuss, discuss the... The greater thoughts of humanity, and boy, nobody ever bothered us. My question is, did you uh, did you know Carol? No, I didn't. You didn't know Mr. Ryder? No. Uh-huh. Do you uh, foresee uh, anything being built there, perhaps another Schwab? Well, we've been waiting for a long time, but nothing's happened. Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad there isn't a, a dirty laundry cleaner there. <laughs> There's, but... They thought they were going to build, but I don't. I haven't seen anything built. No, and it's been for a long, long time now. All right, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, you you told about uh, uh, Nancy and the Ronald Reagan that story with their daughter. Did uh, did Ronald Reagan come in quite a bit uh, oh, yeah. during his early days? Yeah, he used to live right around the corner from the store at one time. Oh, really? Then he moved out into uh, Brentwood. And we had a store in Brentwood, mm -hmm. and then he was still a customer of ours in Brentwood. Long-time customer. Yeah. How about that? He was a nice man. I liked him. Well, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody uh, can say a bad word about Ronald Reagan as far as the person. A lot of people didn't like his politics, well, as, maybe we, as we know. But I'll tell you, what uh, everybody he was char he charmed all of Washington. That's right. Even even his adversaries, Tip O'Neill and these people. Yeah. They loved Ronald but, Reagan. But you never heard a bad word about him. That's right. Uh, you're, you're right. Maybe his policies weren't what everybody... Maybe he wasn't smart enough for that. I don't know. Uh, only history is going to tell That's that. Right. But uh, I was back at the White House uh, for a press conference when he just came back from, from Moscow, and now look what's happening. So, yeah. you know... He did something. Yes, he did. I liked him. Yeah, well, I do, too. Let's say hello to Johnny in Hollywood. Johnny, good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning to you, Leon. Uh, you mentioned, uh, oh, hey, I'll second that motion on that star. 
I'll tell you that <laughs> I believe you really need, you really should have one, Leon. Yeah. Uh, well, I agree. You know, you uh, you mentioned all those names that you that were dropped there a while ago. I worked with every one of them. Oh, did you? Yeah. At, at one point in time, uh, I think it was 1945. Remember more, uh, uh, Walter Matthau? Oh, sure. Okay, he lived down the, down the, down south at that Chateau Marmont. Oh, yes. Huh? Well, he cast me in one of his little pictures. Well, I think it was the first and the only movie that he ever made. Uh, he, uh, we used to meet there and have breakfast, go out on location. And, uh, and, well, I remember one time he was snuck into the racetrack and he had the camera under his coat. We got some shots until they caught us and they took us <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, then we come back and uh, wind up there in the evening and um, go over our lines for the next day and then meet again the next morning and go out on location again. Do you remember that incident? No, I you don't. remember that? <clears throat> well, anyway, it was, a, it, was a, it was an experience. I just thought perhaps maybe you would remember that one. But I do... Uh, Appreciate your all. Oh, you know something that that, that where the building was, where you locate where where your store was located. There yeah. there there is some construction going on there. Nothing. Is that well? There's a fence around. I know the fence around yeah. for the last four or five months, but they, they haven't put a a no. spade into the ground. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. So, so he's uh, he's a. Uh, uh, drugstore in waiting. Oh, drugstore in waiting. <laughs> you still have your store down uh, west on Sunset, Father? No, none of them. None of them? No. Neither in Brentwood? No. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Well, anyway, I do appreciate your uh, bringing back all those memories, and I appreciate that very much. And thank you, Ray, for talking to me. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, the Ann Miller story. Tell me about Ann Miller. She used to come in all the time, right? Yeah. And, and you, you I, worked with her overseas. I, I, no, not overseas. I took her to all the army camps. Oh, oh. Well, it, tell me about that. Well, Lou Ostro was the producer of all the Mickey Rooney pictures. And he said to me one day, he said, you want to take me out to the Fort MacArthur? We're going to do a show out there. And I said, sure. And... See, I was getting gas because of the drugstore. So I took him out. He had Jack Benny on the show, and he had a bunch of other people. And he says, how did you like the show? I said, that's the worst show I've ever seen. So he said, why don't you do one? And I said, I will. And I did. And we kept that up for 55 shows. We didn't care whether there was three people or 100 people. We gave the show. And it went on for, oh, three years. Ann Miller was something. Oh, she was great. And she's still a great guy. Yes. She did you know this how revival. old she is? No, how old is she? Over 60. Didn't she just do this revival back in, on Broadway? Sugar Babies. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. All right. Uh, we'll be Don't right back. do you think she is? We'll be, we'll be right back with Leon Schwab of the legendary Schwab's Drugstore. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray... I cut myself off again there. Wrong switch. And I got a couple of new switches here. And I'm Ray Bream. He's opinionated. He's controversial. He's Ira Fostel. Tonight at 8. 
Salonpas may not be a familiar name to you now, but once you use Salonpas, it will be a name you'll never forget. Salonpas, the medically proven pain reliever for those who no longer want to tolerate the annoyance of minor aches and pain. Salonpas gives fast relief without side effects to those who suffer back or muscle pains, arthritis, sprains, joint, neck, or shoulder pains. Salonpas is the effective, simple way to make life happier for you and your loved ones. Salonpas is easy to use, too, and it doesn't stain. It's the convenient, effective, specialty medicated adhesive patch. Just apply Salonpas to the pain area for fast relief that lasts up to 12 hours. Salonpas comes in 20 to 40 sheet box containers, small or large size, also available. Salonpas elastic patch for joints, air Salonpas spray, and Salonpas gel for effective pain relief in all areas, including sports-related injuries. Yes, say goodbye to pain. Get Salonpas today. Salonpas is available at Lucky Pharmacy, Newberry, TG&Y, Drug Emporium, and Clark Drugs. Money problems can really make your life miserable. They can cause you to fight with your spouse, to snap at your kids, and to toss and turn all night worrying about what you're going to do. But there is help. If you're a homeowner, Allstate Home Loans Incorporated may be able to arrange for the money you need from $5,000 to $250,000 quickly and confidentially. In most cases, you'll have a tentative answer within 48 hours, subject primarily to equity verification. And because your loan is based primarily on the equity in your home, you don't have to be currently working or have good credit to qualify. So if money problems are keeping you up at night, you owe it to yourself to find out more about Allstate Home Loans at 1-800-345-7900. Let Allstate help you get the money you need to use in any way you want. Now don't spend another sleepless night worrying about problems. Call Allstate Home Loans Broker, 1-800-345-7900. That's 1-800-345-7900. Call now. You tell them Ray Bream asked you to call. Hey, Will, that's a fine bike. Before you lay it down, pick up on this. C.C. Rider. Call the toll-free line. 800 CC Rider Won't cost you one dime You'll meet some expert riders Take a course that will blow your mind This is Brownie McGee for the CHP Singing the blues to bring you the news They've got two great courses To let you young riders tame your iron horses just call 800-CC Rider. Call that toll free line. You'll meet some expert riders with a course that will blow your mind. Get out of here. See you later. At 5.05 this morning on KABC, following the ABC Network News, it's four hours of fun news and things you can use with the Ken and Bob Company. 16 now before 3 o'clock, my guest is the great Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. Uh, you were saying that Alan Ladd used to... Uh, to be there. Yeah, he lived, he lived right at the Ronda Apartments. Really? It was right around the corner from the yeah. drugstore. Hmm. You want to tell me something else, too. I invented the roll-on mascara. The roll-on mascara? The type used by you-know-who, Tammy? 
all of them. <laughs> That's right. It was something different. You know, do you know uh, uh, Gordon Bow? It, it, he was makeup man at Warner Brothers. No. So he was a good friend of mine. And I went out there and I told him, I got an idea. Let's see if we can do it. You, you've seen a woman, she takes a mascara like that, yeah. and she spits on it, and then uses mm -hmm. the little brush. Mm -hmm. Well, I came up with an idea to take, like, a pen in your pocket, mm -hmm. pull it apart, use it, the brush and everything's in it, hmm. put it back together. So, Charles Revson was a very, very close friend of mine, and he owned Revlon. Mm -hmm. So, I called him on the phone, I said... Would you like to see something? He says, yes, don't show it to anybody else. I want you to show it to me. So I flew back to New York, showed it to him, and he stole it from me. Oh, boy. My friend. <laughs> Your friend. <laughs> so uh, what did I get? Got to be a moral to so that story. I took him to federal court, and I said, he's trying to steal it from me. I'm going to sue him, and I sued him. And I got a quarter of a million dollars. Really? But it, I didn't get the money. He, it went to the attorney, got a hundred thousand oh, dollars. Yeah. Gordon Bow at Warner Brothers got a hundred and twenty-five thousand. I got twenty-five thousand and oh. had to pay all the bills. Oh, oh, that's terrible. Do <laughs> you know how much they're doing today with that? No. Fifty million dollars a year. Really? You should have uh, not. Uh, <laughs> told anyone and done it yourself. You you learn by doing. Yeah, that's right. right. Oh, well, I I uh, went into the Beverly Hills Hotel uh, school system, yeah. the high school. Yeah. And I said, I've got an idea. You got one little stinking oil well on your property. Twentieth mm -hmm. century's got a fortune in them. Let's I'll bring in somebody, and they gave me ten percent of the oil wells. Their attorney calls me and says, you can't keep it. It's against the law. Against the law? Yeah, because it's a, a school system. Oh. Do you know that they got 21 oil wells on that property today? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another one that went sour. <laughs> Sorry about your case, Leon. But, uh, Too easy. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it always goes. Uh, Leon, tell me about uh, Larry Parks. You, you said that he used to dance in your... He learned in, in, how to dance. In your drugstore? Yeah. Really? Upstairs, right? Sidney Skolsky's office was upstairs. And right next mm -hmm. to the Sidney Skolsky's office. Come in closer here. We can't hear oh, you. Sidney Skolsky's office was here. And right next was a room that we used to use for merchandise. And we had a floor put in it. And he learned how to do the dances with Al Jolson. Really? Fantastic. Let's say hello to uh, Carol in Thousand Oaks. Carol, you're on with Leon Schwab. Hi, Ray. This is the second night in 10 days. You kept me up late. Good. I was Irving the Berlin night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was a wonderful show. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Schwab, I don't know if you remember, but my dad was Wallace Beery. Oh, yes, I remember. Oh, him. shucks. I'm Carol Ann, <laughs> and it's only been 55 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time goes by so quickly. That's right. I remember, wasn't the marble in your place green? I'm colorblind. You can't ask me that. <laughs> well, I've got a visual memory. I'm trying to, you know, I've had a couple hours to think about it. Yeah, but we had marble in the store, Yeah, right? I can remember, Pop, we used to come in during the war. We'd get meat next door. Yeah, from Ben Rubin. Yeah, we'd get the stamps. I don't know where they got the stamps. We always came home with meat. Well, I don't, I don't think you was. needed, I don't think you needed to too much then. Oh, 
Lord, with Mr. Rubin. Remember something about it. Yeah. And I was just, I've been talking to people, we've been bringing me up memories of the past, and I was remembering the poinsettias on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Which that was at people the, don't know about. That yeah. was at the end of the strip. Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Christmas time. Everything. You know who used to own that? Hmm. Was the fellow that owns the, who owned the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. Oh, Guy McAfee. Oh, my heavens. My heavens. It really goes. Yeah. I always thought my dad had a couple of girls stashed up there in Laurel Canyon. So Maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he did like the ladies. He did like the ladies. Mm -hmm. But it was a wonderful time. And uh, was Greenblatt still across the street? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, well, I'm out here in Thousand Oaks, so it's... Uh, you don't see any of that. I don't come in very often. Uh -huh. There's really no need, you know. Uh -huh. But I just wanted to, you mentioned Ida Coverman a few minutes ago. She, I she's a very good friend of mine. Oh, she, uh, we, we exchanged Christmas cards every year until she died. Yeah. And she was a sweet... You know, you know who uh, she fell in love with, don't you? Hmm. John Carroll. Oh, he was a handsome man. Oh, yeah. I used to remember as a kid going to uh, the you know, Beverly Hills Hotel. Uh -huh. There'd be Bruce Cabot. There'd be John Carroll. He had a good voice, too. Oh, beautiful voice. But he never took care of it. No, never, never really used it, either. No. But there'd be a bunch of those good-looking guys. And of course, I was, what, eight, nine? <laughs> you know, useless, absolutely useless. All right, Carol, thanks for the call. Thank you, dear. All right, bye-bye. Uh, would people come in, uh, stars and starlets, uh, uh, would, would they come in and uh, practice lines and things like that? No. Maybe in the in the dining room. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would sit together yeah. and do that. That yeah. they would do. Yeah. They were waiting for a party. Right, 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 right. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's say whoops. Let's say hello to David in Lincoln Heights. Good morning, David. Hi. Good morning. You're on with Leon Schwab. I want to tell uh, Mr. Schwab that uh, he did have the best chili in California. Who does? Mr. Schwab. And also, I used to come in there in the summertime with my uh, granddad and used to sit there and uh, see all the stars that would come through there. And that was where I first met uh, um, George Burns. And, uh, but I just wanted to let you know that you had the best chili in California and that you still... <laughs> Back to the chili again. Yeah. You well, should, I, uh, I'll tell you, you don't, you don't have... You uh, should have your name on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame. Indeed. All right, David, thank you. Uh, I, I, you don't have any of that chili uh, recipe, do you? I mean... <laughs> now, I'll tell you a funny story. Why? Tell me. We could never get the formula. You could never... Who, who made the chili? Joe, our chef. And he had it, and nobody else had it, huh? When you say to him, Joe, I need a gallon of chili, I'll make it for you. I said, give me the formula, and we'll make it. No way. Where is Joe the chef oh, now? He calls me once a week. He really? wants to know when he's going to go back to work. Yeah, well, <laughs> got to try some of that chili. It's, you got to get a store just for that, that chili. Isn't funny, though? Yes. All right, we'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> That's better than Joe the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray Brain. Here's great news for homeowners. As you know, home equity loans typically stop at 80% of property value. But listen to this. Qualified homeowners can borrow the full 100% of their equity at Homeowners Capital of California. And 20% extra borrowing power can mean a lot more cash in your pocket. 
$20,000 more on a $100,000 house. And on a $200,000 home, up to $40,000 more cash. Why, it could be like getting your down payment back. You can do home improvements or pay off those high interest bills and credit cards or use the cash for personal use. There are no time of ownership requirements, so even if you just refinanced or recently purchased, you may have borrowing power at homeowner's capital. From the 714 area code, dial 953-5058. I'll repeat that. Call 953-5058 for homeowner's capital, the 100% equity lender. Call up to 9 p.m., but call today. One thing is perfectly clear. It's also clean, refreshing, and pure tasting. Completely convenient and absolutely indispensable. And now it's all that, but even more so. It's Sparklet's home-delivered drinking water. And now if you order your first bottle, you'll get two more bottles absolutely free. That makes it three times as nice. Now imagine all the things you could improve on with Sparklet's water in your home. Your punches, lemonades, and teas would all turn out better. Your ice cubes wouldn't have that funny taste. Your cooking would be cleaner and fresher. And suddenly, you'd actually enjoy just a simple glass of water. Amazing, isn't it? But that's why there are bottles of Sparklet's water sitting on top of coolers and kitchens all around you. So get Sparklet's home-delivered water for your own kitchen. And get two bottles free, plus one month's free rental on the cooler. Just call 1-800-456-7021. That's 1-800-456-7021. You tell them that you'd like Sparklet's water delivered to your home and mention that Ray Bream has it and recommends it. Sparklet's drinking water, a product of McKesson Corporation. Looking at the weather, partly cloudy and cool southwest to west winds 10 to 20 miles per hour during the afternoon and evening. Highs in the lower 70s. It's now 6 before 3. Let's take a call from Nell in La Cunada. Good morning, Nell. You're on with Leon Schwab. Uh, good morning. I used to work next door at the brushway for Charles and Anne. Beauty salon. They were next door. Next door? Uh-huh. And Well, it must have been on the other side of the of the driveway. Yes. Yeah. It was closer to, to Laurel Canyon than it would be to Schwab's. No, we were right next to Swaz. We shared their parking lot years and years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah, I was there for 53. <laughs> and uh, one you haven't mentioned is Jack Benny. I mentioned him. Oh, I didn't hear. Yeah. I must have missed the first part of the program then. And someone else I thought, when I first met him, Jack Lemon, I thought, that smart Alex, he'll never make it out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know that when we built the, the new store where the market used to be, you know, when we built special places for Jack Benny to put his cigars in to keep him moist all the time. Well, I can still see him with his overcoat slung over his shoulders like a cape and switches down the street. Very good, Nell. Thanks for the call. Let's take a call from Ruthie in Beverly Hills. Ruthie, good morning. You're on with Leon Schwab. Hello, Leon. Yeah. I just wanted to say hello. I woke up and heard a voice I remember. Sounds like Ruthie Cohen. That's me, Ruthie Singer now. Oh, I know that. <laughs> how are you, darling? Fine, how are you? Where do I reach you? 
I'm in the same place for the last 10 years. Yeah, where are you, darling? Oh, not, not, no drugstore. I've been living up in Canada. Do you still have the Catalina boat? I still got the Catalina, yeah. It's down in Ensenada. Oh, that's it. How's everything with you, Steve? Fine. Everything's fine. Oh, fine. I'd like to, love to have lunch with you. Ruthie, uh, is there ever a chance that that boat's going to come back here? Well, it might just be coming back. Really? It's an Ensenada. We haven't, just not saying too much, but it might come back. It's, this is where it belongs. Should be here. That Catalina steamer. Boy, we'll yeah. never forget it. That's it. They fixed it up. It looked beautiful. And How's the motors in it? Well, the motors are like new. They are. Huh? They're just beautiful. Be nice for a museum, you know? Oh, got to have the SS Catalina. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do something with it. You know, I was, I was, I'll tell you a little story. Yeah. You know, I owned a house at Catalina. Uh -huh. I built a house at Catalina. And I used to get the book of tickets to go on the Catalina. For seventy-five cents a piece. Yeah. They're fifteen dollars now yeah. for each ticket. When that was uh, moored out in Santa Monica Bay, boy, they they really uh, wrecked that thing, didn't they? They go out to the ship and strip it. They stripped it, and now we have it in Ensenada. We fixed it up beautiful, and then the Mexicans stripped it. So oh boy. It's really been, but my husband don't want to let it go. Well, He's good for him. On to it. Leon, remember the parties we used to have at your hospital? Oh, yeah. For the cancer guild to sign our hospital. Mm -hmm. That's right. One Every my, year. One of my favorite people. You always donated all the liquor, the house, everything. Every time I go by there on Winnie Drive, I say, wonder where Leon is. I'm in West Los Angeles. In West L.A.? Are you listed? Yeah. All right, darling. I'm going to call you and we'll have lunch. Do that. All right, Ruthie. Love take you and best to everyone. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, we've heard a lot of uh, interesting uh, people who worked for you and have been in your place. Yeah. Isn't that something? But I... She remembers it. Yeah. That, that ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leon, we've got about a minute here before we say goodbye. So, uh, some thoughts about... Uh, that drugstore and what it means to Hollywood. What do you think? What the drugstore meant to Hollywood? Yeah. What it was Hollywood. There is nothing to there is nothing today that makes you think of Hollywood. In Hollywood. When when we would have a party or anything in the drugstore, every movie star, every station, your all the television stations would cover it and everything and you don't see anything like that anymore so what what are the chances of uh, another schwab's coming up out of the ashes they could be if somebody wants to put the money into it yeah. because it's going to cost over half a million dollars to put it in wow you can't do anything today for what you used to be able to do that's true yeah and but it would be a it's really a, a mark of Hollywood, and we have the signs are put away. You've got the original Schwab sign. Real, hey, how about that? Yeah. Well, let's get a star on uh, Hollywood Boulevard and resurrect uh, <laughs> the Schwab's drugstore. That's a, that's a project for Hollywood. That's for you to th think of. That's right. Leon, <laughs> thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure Re to be here. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. The legendary Leon Schwab of Schwab's drugstore. Take care now. This is Talk Radio KABC. KABC Talk Radio AM 790, KABC Los Angeles. It is now 3 o'clock.
right. Well, let's see here. It is. Yeah, about 17 before 12. Let's go ahead and fire up the same time, same station show. So stand by. Jaws Professional Saturday Night One Who's Windows M Desktop L Live Shows Enter Live Show Hit S Same Time Enter Same Radio Show Enter Same Same Time Same Station Seven Two Zero One Zero Nine Zero Three Allen Reed Same Time Same Station Seven Two Zero One Two Three Zero Five The Story of Vic and Say Same Time Same Station Seven Two Zero Two Zero Six Zero Seven Lorene Tuttle Remembers Radio One. Unloading jock cat okay but enter radio shows. Own more into truth and our acting. We wouldn't be doing it with just those number forty-two voices at all. We'd be creating whole human beings again. And written with uh, some of the best writers that we could get again. See, there's a lot of here we is in the kitchen. You know, I used to say that about the uh, Amos Mandy show. That used to be what we called radio acting. Here we is in the kitchen. You know, I always had to say where you were. But, for instance, if you created a, fellow, a person or two people standing on a, on a windy crag, shall we say, cold and unhappy and uh, ill, you know, all those things happening. <clears throat> you can create all those things with your voice. You can have the sound effect going, and two people can create a lot of atmosphere while they're saying the words. But you have to feel the thing and be there while you're saying the words. It isn't just on the paper. You should get off the paper. It's a world of exquisite imagination. <laughs> Chronicle of Broadcasting's first half-century. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. Tonight, Maureen Tuttle remembers radio. I've got beginner's love. The first time that I'm in love, I'm in love with you. It's 1937, and uh, I was appearing then on a show called White Fires of Inspiration. It was a story, stories of um, uh, great artists and uh, painters and uh, writers. For instance, I did George Sand. I did this story, the life of a great person who was inspired. And that's the kind of show I really prefer to do. It was thrilling for me because I was quite young. I'm sure you must know that I was, you know, not uh, too grown up. Um, and it was thrilling to play those women because I had 
everything going for me. I was, I was the right age for them. Um, I'd love to play them now, but of course it wouldn't be the right age for them now. But um, I notice here on from my little book that I was on a White Fires and I was on a so-called House Undivided, Showboat, Hollywood Hotel. See, I was the original Ginny on Hollywood Hotel with Dick Powell. Uh, we started that show, I think, a little sooner than this. This is uh, my second book. I have three books here full of the shows. And uh, I was chosen over a great many little um, young starlets, we might say, who had been sent to the audition from the studios. So the people who brought them and the agents and the people who were trying to exploit them were very angry with me because I won over about 60 girls. But I had had stage training, you see. I'd had a wonderful background before I even tried out for this thing. So not only did I have something in my reading of the character, but he knew that I had poise and presence to stand up there in front of an audience. Because in those days, and I must make this very clear, and I'd like to make it clear at the very beginning, that the Hollywood shows were not just studio shows. We were performers in radio. See, we stood out in front of audiences, and you not only had to look well or look the part and dress well, you know, be presentable, certainly, like you were in the theater, like I was used to being in the theater, being a leading lady for about eight years, but you had to be able to do comedy to get laughs out there in front of that audience, because there were so many comedy shows, which I adore, and it was live, too, so it was very... It was very spontaneous, you know, and the timing was so marvelous to do. Uh, I worked with all of the fine comics in those days. I was with Red Skelton, by the way, for seven years. I played all the girls on the show. When I started out, um, Verna Felton was Nama on it, and I played Mummy, Junior's Mummy. And I was Junior's Mummy, I guess, for about uh, oh, seven years. I have uh, I have some tapes from that. I love to listen to the shows, too, because they're so funny. I think Red was funnier in radio. Of course, he had an audience to work to. But I think he was funnier in radio than he was uh, in this show. I think the reason I say he was funnier was because we were all with him so much, so long, and he trusted us. See, we didn't worry if he wavered from the script. Well, if you're working with Red on the stage, with a, like in television, you know, in front of an audience, he wavers and you get a little rattled. But we never did because we had the script in front of us. We knew that whatever he did, he'd come back to the right cue. And now, our next story about stray animals. All children love animals, and they're forever finding pets that they just can't live without. Chapter 87 is entitled, Junior, the Mean Little Kid... And the king of the beast. Junior, I want What's wrong with your lips? They're all green. Well, you know those ferns in the living room? Yes. Well, do you want to go see them, or do you want to remember them as they were? All right. <laughs> uh, what were you yelling for me for, King? Oh, if you'll run a little errand for me, I'll give you a bright, shiny new penny. Well, I'd rather have a dull old worn-out nickel. <laughs> Where, where to, Kato? I want you to go to the store for Mummy. Yeah, what do you want me to get? Uh, a dozen eggs, a loaf of bread, and a pound of butter. I wish we could get a nice steak. A steak? What's that? You wouldn't know. You're too young. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and get some frankfurters. Frankfurters? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> 
Junior, what do you want? Well, uh, give me a loaf of bread, a dozen of uh, hinge fruit, and um, hinge uh, fruit. Eggs. Oh, stupid. <laughs> big fat slob. Why do you call me a big fat slob? I called him the way I speak him. <laughs> Give me a loaf of bread. Yes. Last night, my mommy sent me Papa for some rye bread, see? Mm -hmm. He found a rye, but he couldn't get any bread. <laughs> Give me a loaf of bread, a dozen of eggs, and a pound of butter, a brother, a butter, butter, and something like that, anyhow. Yeah. Butter. Butter. Did you bring the cash? No, this is credit. No dice. My mommy had sent me down here for some food. Yeah. I is in no mood to dicker about finances today. <laughs> now, my little tummy will start growling around 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I is going to have to have some vittles to warm me with your energy. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I said before, I is in no mood to dicker. Yeah. Now, do you see that great big window out there in front of your store? Yeah. Do you get the hint or do I get the food? <laughs> Okay, you get the food. Okay. There's the butter. Now, what else is it? Uh, let's see. Uh, some frankfurters. 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 Mm -hmm. Hot dogs. Hamburgers with tight sauce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and All a the... can of vegetable soup. Vegetable soup? What's vegetable soup? Well, vegetable soup? Yes, vegetable soup. You know what? You ever have hash? Yes, I've had this hash. This is the same thing, only it's looser. <laughs> Are you going to eat these hot dogs for supper? <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat them. I'm going to make handlebar grip from a tricycle. <laughs> oh, look, there's a big circus wagon. Look at that. That's the keeper of the zoo. Oh? Howdy. Howdy. Is this your little boy? No, his little boy belongs down the street. Well, you better hurry home, kid. One of our lions is missing from the zoo. Well, why should I warn? I ain't got him. <laughs> Besides, I wouldn't know what a lion looked like if I see him. Junior, a lion can hurt you. Yeah, I know. Me pop got beat up on for lion the other night to mummy. <laughs> well, Junior, you better hurry home. Yeah, okay. I'm going to hurry home. Big lion loose somewhere. I'm going to take a shortcut up this alley. I get home before I find out what a lion is. I think I'm going to jump across this big mud puddle here. I think I'll swim across this mud puddle here. I better hurry. I'm going to hurry. Good heavens, what's that? Never in my life have I seen a dog so big. What a big fellow. He's got his big, what a big red bushy hair he got. He got a big bushy head, and he shaved off in the middle, and he got a paintbrush on the end of his tail. <laughs> Get up. What's the matter? Don't you like me? Well, I like you. I really don't, but I got to protect myself. <laughs> Look now, look, go away, dog. Don't you bite me. You never have hydrophobia, have you, huh? Well, <laughs> yeah. neither is I, but that scares me, see. <laughs> what you sniffing at? What's the matter? You hungry? Here, I'll give you me hot dogs. Because I... Ooh, good heaven, look at them teeth. <laughs> Are you afraid of them big teeth? I just put these things on the ground and you can eat them. Down. 
Great heavens, you can eat them hot dogs, newspaper and all. Great heavens, he didn't even ask for mustard. That's the kind of dog I need, boy. Something can protect me. Come on, how would you like to go home with me? Oh, look at that long... Stop it, will you? Stop it, boy. What a face washer he'll make, huh? Yeah. You, you know, I don't think my mommy's gonna let me keep you, but we'll see, huh? I could hide you in my room. Or still better, I could put you in mommy's room and surprise her. <laughs> Then again, I don't know why I'm standing here wasting my time. I'm going to take you home anyhow. <laughs> come on, puppy. Come on, puppy dog. Come on. <laughs> here, now you stay outside while I see if the coast is clear or not. Uh-oh. There's me mummy's eyeglasses. I better hide them. Then she won't be able to see the dog so well. Now, come on, doggy. Come on, come on. Come on, big boy. Boy, what big feet you got? Boy, he's a long one, too, ain't he, boy? <laughs> I'll bet I could pat him on the head in the living room and have to run out in the kitchen to see if he was wagging his tail. Junior, is that you? What happened to your boy? <laughs> that, uh, vitamin B1's backfired on me. <laughs> Oh, come on, come on, you give, you give me some more. Come on. Oh, mommy. Yes, dear. Yeah. You got the blow Yes, here's the bread, the butter, and the eggs. Mm. Scramble eggs, of course. <laughs> hey, mommy, uh, um, you know what we need around this house? No, what? Is a widow dog. A widow watchdog. Well, we got to watch. Well, he could watch me to see that I don't run away. And spoil my hope? Yes. Definitely not. <laughs> I do it love, ain't I, huh? Good heavens, what was that? Well, you're going to find out anyway, so I guess you will tell you. I brought home a dog, and he's the nicest, friendly little thing. He's so friendly, he probably eats off you hands. Junior, let's see him. Where are my glasses? Didn't you leave them on the table? Well, I thought I did. And then didn't I come back from the store? Yes. See, she just can't put two and two together. <laughs> Show him to you. Yeah. 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 Oh, my. He barks strange. Yes. What kind of a dog is he? He's a chihuahua. <laughs> well, he's awfully big to be a chihuahua. Yes. His father was a St. Bernard. Look, he's so nice. Look at him. Look me hug him around the neck. Look at Get him. Get your head away from his mouth. He might bite your head and break his teeth. Yes. <laughs> oh, please let me keep him. Now, don't you? cry. I don't have anyone to play with. Oh, poor baby. Does he want a dog? Yes, I want a dog. Will you be good to him? Yes, I'll be good to him. Oh, bless his little heart. Yeah, bless his little heart. <laughs> Well, let me get a little better look at him. Yes. Only I could remember where I put my glasses. Yes. He seems to have a red, bushy head. Yes, he's got a great big red, bushy head. Is it bright red? Real bright red. He's sort of yellow all over? He is red and yellow all over. What are you going to name him? Blackie. <laughs> well, where did he go? He's going upstairs. He's walking up the steps. Oh, he sure likes you. He can't keep his eyes off of you. Look at him crawling along there. 
Hostia, I think he's going to jump in your arms. <laughs> duck! Boy, you duck just in time, boy. Can you get that dog out of here now? I'll put him down in the basement until he gets used to it. You know what I think would help him a little bicarbonate? <laughs> well, what are we going to feed him? Oh, he'll find something. I'll bet he will. <laughs> I wonder if I left my glasses in the living room. Junior, you left that radio on again, didn't you? We interrupt this program to announce that a lion has escaped from the zoo and is still at large. The park commissioner wants everyone to use extreme precaution as this beast is a killer. And now we return you to Tubby Blute and his zoot flute. Shut that thing off. Junior, now don't you go outside the house. There's a lion. <gasps> A lion! What's wrong? Younger! What? That thing in the basement! Oh dear! Oh dear! It's not a dog! It's not a dog! It's a lion! It's a lion! Ah! This is why I say radio was better than now. Radio catered to inspirational things. Now, not particularly churchy things. I don't mean that word at all. But I mean radio dramatized lives of great and interesting and meaningful people. Where I don't see that so much now. I don't see uh, anything that I do, you know, anymore, uh, that has any nobility or any ambition or anything that I believe in. I don't get to do parts that I believe in anymore. And it just riles me. It doesn't break my heart. It makes me very angry, truly. But all of these shows were exquisitely written. They had the finest writers in the world in radio. I don't know where they've gone. I don't know whether they've retired or what they're doing. the star pitch is, you're mistaken. What were you doing at the car tower? Oh, just fooling around. Oh. Sam? Yes? Um, Sam? Yes? Sam, you don't have to do any questions. Sweetheart, in the patois of the carnival, I'll be right down to pitch my spiel, spiel my pitch, and make for the canvas and the brewbeard caper. <laughs> America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the high-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talent to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. I was so delighted to get that role on Sam Spade. You see, Effie Perrine was not written the way I played her in the original Maltese Falcon. She was just as much of a wisecracker as Sam. She was almost a masculine or a female Sam. And I discussed this with Bill Spear, who directed the show and, of course, wrote it, really. He, he wrote it with the help of a lot of other people and some very fine writers were on it. Bill Tallman and Gil Dowd wrote it at the beginning. And 
he and I decided that it would enhance Sam's character even more, make him more masculine, if Effie were very kind and sweet and good, and kind of a soft little creature, you know, just a dear, good little girl. And we were proving to everybody that he went around and made love to a million other girls, but he always came back to Effie. And that was the essence of my characterization. That was the sweetness on the show, because he was always kidding me terribly, and a lot of it was ad-lib, too. A lot of the stuff we did on, at, and the Sam and Effie spots where I'd live. Because we would spot somebody in the booth, uh, and he would, we'd discuss them. Somebody would come to visit. See, it was a very popular show, and people did it for scale. They came down, uh, good, good actors would uh, never quibble about money on that show because they were so tickled to do it, so grateful to do it. But I must tell you that, um, uh, just for laughs, the boys who wrote it, Thought, thought it would be fun to let me try another character because, you know, I did all kinds of characters in radio. I never just did one character, ever. So they wrote an old landlady for me who would appear in the script about every two or three weeks. And she was the smelliest old ghastly creature you've ever heard in your life. You could smell her over the air. She used to have to sit on the front porch and uh, watch the kids play in the garbage cans. That was her, her uh, joy for the day. Anything that was kind of filthy <laughs> oh she was an awful old person and he every every um, rooming house that he went to it was the same landlady it was all over San Francisco you know he'd go down in the waterfront and every day the same landlady but it was a gag and it was delightful it was a very sophisticated show period uh, and the nightmare alley bluebeard division any uh, questions up oh just one Sam a grammatical error, but I'll correct it. And just whom do you think you are to be correcting my grammar? Who, Sam? Nominated, please. Nominal. Nominated, Sam. The most frequently used cases in English are nominated, accusative, and possessive. Mm. Now, I'm referring to your sentence, which is, it might be hard to figure out which one of hers to indict. Yeah. Of course, you met them, since they're three darling sisters. Her uh, being singular. Indeed, her was singular, Effie. Oh, Sam, you made a joke. That's a very small one. Now, uh, type that up and leave my grammar as is. It's colorful. Oh, very well, Sam. I'll just fix the syntax as I go along. Syntax? In California? Girl, so I left it to her and made the correction back farther. Back where? 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 Back Dime the dozen. Oh, here's 20 cents. Phone up that place. Okay. Where you get the red-headed snake, Thomas? 12 or 10 cents. Dime the dozen, Thomas. We're freaking of feet. Mm, you can say that again, sweetheart. Tell me to be freaking people. Always different hair. Wearing snakes under a coverall. Oh, I see. No normal girl would do that, Sam. Mm, I don't know. Women do all kinds of work. Oh, Sam. Why can't I be an adventurous like some girls are? I wouldn't trade you for 30 cents worth of snake, Thomas. Oh, Sam. That's the nicest thing you ever said. Well, next to the night. Good night. Good night, Salome. Good night. Good night.
very annoyed with people. I get, I get uh, very impatient with people who think that radio was only those morning soaps from New York or only those soaps and whatever particular shows came from Chicago, and they forget how many really glamorous shows we did from here. You see, I used to do the Frigidaire show, and I did the Academy Award show. I did Lux a lot, but that was always two big stars. It was always a male and a female star. Where on the Frigidaire show or the Academy Award show, I would always work opposite a star. I have a tape of me doing The Man Who Broke the Bank at Monte Carlo with Rex Harrison. And it's a delightful show. He um, wrote, he rewrote it. He didn't care too much for the script as it was written. So he took it home and rewrote it. And the laughs are marvelous and we worked very well together. Oh, really, Monsieur Gallard? Does it matter? We've been in the same Italian interlocking for two days, and I, I haven't danced with you. Uh, may I, uh, may I sit down here? It's Bertrand's chair, and he might not like you. Now, listen to me. I came to interlocking to see you, not to see Switzerland. You often have spells like this? I said, listen. Suppose you've been poor for a long time, and then suddenly became miraculously rich. Happier and more carefree than ever in your life. Free to follow your heart wherever it led. Tell me, are you married? Oh. Why? I, I must know. Well, it's all right, Helen. I've arranged for a guide tomorrow. Oh. Oh, it's you again, Gallard. Uh, hello, Burton. I, uh, I, I was asking your, uh, madame, that is, uh, madame. He doesn't know, but Monsieur Gallard, my brother. Your brother? Yes. Well, how do you do, sir? Delighted. Well, over delighted. Delighted, a brother of, uh, uh, Berkeley. Helen Berkeley. Helen Berkeley. Delighted. So you're a brother. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, that you look wonderful. Yes, sir. Oh, right. <laughs> well, please stop pumping my arm or I'll never be able to go mountain climbing with Helen with tomorrow. Helen. With Helen, did you say? Mountain climbing. Exhilarating sport. Mountain climbing. Very exciting. Brother. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Bertrand, uh, this is far enough. Oh, oh, can you see Gallard from up here? He's resting on that rocky ledge below us. Oh. Now, all you have to do is slide down the cliff a bit and land on the ledge beside him. Yes. <laughs> Alone on the mountain. That's excellent. You're <laughs> cheerful, aren't you? When the stakes are high, my spirits rise for the stakes. Well, all right. Loop the other end of my rope around this rock, will you? All right, you are. Well, here goes nothing. And now... Scream convincingly as you slide down, darling. Bon voyage! Help! I'm slipping! Help! What is this? Oh! Oh! Miss Who's on the ledge above you? I... I slipped. You've no business climbing alone. Well, don't leave me dangling here like a salami. I'm very fond of salami. Now look. I'm I'm very fond of you. Oh, please. Please cut this rope and 
Let me down. Will you go riding with me tomorrow? No. The next day? No. Friday? Will you be good enough to get me down off this disgusting mountain, Mr. Gallagher? Well, that's better. Now we're making some progress. Yes, I'll, I'll cut you down. Now, aren't you glad you accepted my invitation, Helen? The name is Miss Berkeley. I hardly know you. And how about dancing tonight? After all, I practically saved your life. You dance beautifully, Helen. That's a bright new speech. The pain is eternal. You dance enchantingly. Oh, thank you, Paul. How about going boating tomorrow? I'm afraid not. Why not? I saw an American tragedy years ago. They go boating. The gal falls into the drink. She can't swim. He lets her drown. Poor gal. Ah, he didn't love that gal. All right, Paul. I'll go boating with you. Why, Helen? Why will you go with me? Because I can swim. Oh. <laughs> Fine, yes. Well, we'll, we'll let's dance. Why did you just stop rowing, Paul? Let's drift. I've... I've been drifting. And why are you unhappy? Oh, Paul, I'm sorry if I showed it. You're in some, some kind of trouble, aren't you? Well, would you call marriage trouble? You're not married. I'm going to be married in two weeks. No, I absolutely forbid it. You don't even know him. Who is he? Pierre Prévost, the banker. I'll knock him down. <laughs> it shouldn't be difficult. He's 62 years old. 62? Then why on earth? Because he's rich. And I need money. Why? Not for myself, Paul. Believe me. For my... My brother. Bertrand? He's in trouble. How, uh, how much trouble? Five million francs. I just happen to have five million francs. Would, would, would that help? Oh. Paul. Oh, Paul. What, what is it, darling? Tell me. Oh, this is so dreadful. You make me feel so humble, so... so terribly ashamed. Can't you see? Don't you understand? Well, Helen, all I know is that I love you very much and that I can't bear to see you unhappy. Uh, anyway, I, I never could be trusted with money. Oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Then it's settled. You, you, you take the money. It is settled, Paul. I'll never take the money. But thank you. Thank you so much for offering. Isn't there something I can do? Yes, Paul, there is. Give me another week of all this. Riding with you, dancing, laughing, talking with you. Perhaps the Mediterranean. Capri. Anna Capri. The Blue Grotto. Riviera. Monte Carlo. Marseille, Naples, Fro... Uh, you say Monte Carlo? Yes. Why? Hmm? Oh, uh, nothing, darling, but if you, if you want to go to Monte Carlo, uh, we go to Monte Carlo, win, lose, or draw. Well, in my case, 
I was respected, truly respected as an actress in radio. I was up on a pedestal. I, I was, they said, first lady of radio, but of course there were quite a few others that they called that. But it was one of the names they gave me. It, it, as a matter of fact, it says so on this um, Frigidaire show with Rex. Now, no one questioned my acting. I didn't have directors telling me how to read lines or how to characterize or, or giving me a lot of direction, shall we say. But in television now, it seems like whatever I do, they're reading lines for me or directing me in such a way that they give me the impression that I don't know from nothing. And I don't understand that. I really don't understand it. Can you imagine, in my capacity as an actress now, being asked to play opposite Rex Harrison? Now, I can. I, I mean, I'd like to, and I could. I have the ability. You can't lose your talent. But somehow, they have... I think they, I think they kind of resented us radio actors. I think they would like to, you know, wanted to see us push down again. You know, we were so successful. We made so much money, really. We, we, we were, you know, in envi enviable positions. And good actors, too. The good radio actors were good actors, period, from theater or films or whatever they came from. One of the finest radio actors I ever worked with was Cary Grant. And he and I... See, in these books that they write, they give a lot of other people credit for having open suspense because it was in New York. I guess it did open there. I didn't think it did. I thought it opened here. Because Cary Grant and I opened suspense, that fine, fine mystery show, uh, at CBS here in Hollywood. And the show was so successful and so wonderful that we repeated it the second year, the very same show. I don't know why they didn't do it every year. But, you see, Cary Grant is a, is a fine actor, period. He just is a good actor. And a good actor can read or bring to life the characters as he reads. See, radio acting is not reading. It is being while you read. You have to create a whole human being. Uh, these days, I find that most of the people who do voiceovers and vocal work uh, in the background, an awful lot of cartoon people and a lot of um, uh, commercial people have kind of resorted to a cartoon sound where we never did. See, they used to laugh about it and they used to make remarks about it, which annoyed me. Uh, they'd say, well, bring out voice 22. Well, I couldn't bring out voice 22 until I had, until I had a person behind it. I could, on the air, I could play on a show a person I created visually, a whole flesh and blood human being. And I would come home and my little niece would say to me, I love that lady you played with black hair with a bun on the back and long earrings and a green dress. You know, she, I created it so accurately that there was no doubt in anybody's mind who I was playing. I was not doing a voice. Of course, a lot of the shows were put on awfully fast, you know. One, one summer, I did the Sam Spade show and the Orson Welles show all at once. It seemed to me they were on at the same time, practically. So I said to Orson, I can't make this rehearsal. I can possibly make the show in about three minutes if I can get from NBC to CBS. Or, yeah, NBC to CBS. But I said, I can't rehearse. And he said, well, come over and rehearse uh, at noontime then during the lunch hour. So I would come over there, and of course he always loved to talk. 
And he would talk all through lunch, and I wouldn't get to rehearse with him because he always had a coterie of people around him, you know, and wanted to hear him talk. So um, I would just sit there, you know, with my script in my hand. Then I'd have to hand the script back because they'd say, oh, there'll be a lot of changes, so you better not take it with you. What is now the Huntington Hartford was Divine Street Theater where we did an awful lot of work. I did a show there, an audience show called Romance. We used to do the Joey Brown show there. I was on that for years, playing his silly girlfriend. I used to say, I, I worked with comics a lot. I like to work with comedians. I, I find that um, a joy. I, I like the sound of laughs, I will say that. But I almost always you have a good, well-written part on a good comedy show. They, they give you good lines. They give you good things to say because comedy writers are the best. They're the most brilliant people in the world. I was on the Dick Haynes series. I was on The Whistler a great deal, which was a marvelous mystery show. I did Twins on that one time, which was really an exceptional performance. I did a good girl and a bad girl with the same sound because they were twins. They were not a blonde girl or a brunette girl. You know, they were twins. And they gave me two microphones. And I created two different kinds of people. It's very interesting and very good show. I was given a lot of marvelous things to do. I went back to New York one time, and they put me on um, CBS Workshop, it was called, Columbia Workshop show. And just to show my versatility, they had me do seven characters on the show, starring me in New York. And, uh, then, and then to... Uh, give me really hard, um, some hardship they were all German so I had to go all over my hotel trying to get different kinds of German accents you see just as we have in this country we have the New England accent and we have the southern accent and we have different kinds Middle West actually and so I had to get some different sounding kind of people I didn't want them all to sound as if they came from the same family of course or the same part of Germany so I've been given some very rough things to do many times in my, in my career. And I always say that if a part comes up and they say, good gracious, who can play that? And they say, let's let Toddle try it. She'll do something with it. And of course, I did work for Arch Obler a lot. I must bring his name up because I loved working for him. Arch is the only director that I can think of who really lets me work the way I want to. Arch never says to you, uh, to use a very corny old phrase, louder and funnier. He always, he always, the impression he gives you is, get it like a human being. Whatever you do, if you want to bring it down to a person who can hardly be heard, if that's the kind of a person you're playing, do it. Uh, he always wanted the human sound and everything, and I loved it because that's what I prefer. I don't like to have to exploit a character. I don't like to have to go beyond. And I find that many times I do, and I don't give good performances. When they, keep, when they tell me louder and funnier, they're going to get a very bad performance out of me because I don't react to it well. I did an Arch Obler show with Joan Crawford one time, too. I used to work with her a lot in radio because she kind of needed me there. She was scared. And she felt more secure if I, if I were there, even to stand kind of close to her, which was very touching to me. Joan is a marvelous person. I, I named my daughter after her, and I don't think she knows it, because my daughter is Barbara Joan Ruick. And I've never told Joan that the Joan in there is for her. And now, 
Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Joan Crawford as Clara in The Ten Years by Mel Dinelli. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. You see how clearly I remember things? I remember so well the horror of that moment when Doug's little friend finished telling me how he'd left Doug there alone with my sister Adele. And I even remember what Roy said at the end. So I came back to tell you, Mrs. Foley, what account of Doug made me. But now I wish I hadn't left him there with her. I know she's your sister and all, but I saw her face when she came to the window. She looked awful, Mrs. Foley. She looked awful crazy. <laughs> right directions, and I went by foot north along the ocean. I must have walked a good mile before I came to the house. The front door was standing open. There was a lamp burning on the table. Adele. She lay on the bed. I couldn't see her very clearly by the candlelight, but I could see that she was fully dressed. Her hair was undone and it spilled down over the pillow. For a moment I thought... I thought she was dead. What do you want? Adele? What do you want? It's me, Clara. Where's Douglas? He's dead. Adele! Your husband is dead. I don't mean my husband. I mean my son. Where is he? He was murdered with a long shot. Be still! You don't know what you're saying. Where is my son? I haven't seen him. You have. He was here, I know that. I haven't seen him. Yes, you have. Try and remember. Where is he? I don't know. Yes, you do know. What have you done to him? Was he your son? Yes, Adele. Please. I hated him. I know. Where is he, Adele? He went away. Where? Where did he go? He went to the village. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. How long ago did he leave? I don't remember. Will you stop questioning me? Can't you see that I'm sick? I tell you he went for a doctor. Why do you come here, Clara? After ten years. I've come to help you. I don't need your help. Adele. Did Doug really go for the doctor? You think I'm lying? I don't know. But if he isn't back soon, I'm going for the police. The police? Those fat fools. <laughs> I'm so sick, Clara. Oh, I know. I'm going to take your things off, Adele. You'll be more comfortable. Then when the doctor comes... If he comes. Don't you touch me. You're sick, Adele. Let me take his thing. No, no. Can't you leave me alone? Leave me alone. How do you know what's good for me after all these years? <laughs> I'm in pain, Clara. I have a heavy pain here from my heart. When I'm kindly laced, I can almost bear it. All right, darling, we'll leave it till the doctor comes. Will the doctor help me, Claire? Of course he will. Douglas Foley, 
in between two sisters. Oh, dear. He worked in the garden, bending down low. I'm so tired, Clara. I know. Try and rest, Adele. Close your eyes. He was working in the garden. And I was on my way home. I saw him there, Clara. He looked the same after ten years. Because he had your strength to draw from. But I was alone. I had grown old. off. Her breathing was so labored. And I thought, perhaps she'll rest more easily if I undress her. And I went over to the bed. She was wearing a corset. I reached over and I began to unhook it. She started rumbling something in her sleep. Broke from house. Always and forever you But she didn't wake up. Always. And I finally managed to take her corset off. As I went to place it on a chair, I noticed something sticking out of the material. At first, I thought it was a broken stay, but it was round, and one end was sharp. I looked closer. It was a steel knitting needle. A long steel one. And there was rust on it. Or was that brown stain rust? Adele had concealed a knitting needle, and there was proof of what I guess I'd always known, that Adele had murdered my husband. I dropped the needle to the floor. Then something caught my eye. There was a hand sticking out from beneath the bed. It was white and still. It was a child's hand. I fell to my knees. Oh, Doug. Doug. And just as I reached out for him, I... I felt a sharp blow on the back of my head. tied each other up with our bathrobe cords. And then we waited for a knight in armor to rescue us. And then I think it was the odor of kerosene that brought me to. The room was filled with it. Oh, my head was pounding. I couldn't seem to focus my eyes. I tried to raise myself to my feet, but I, I, I couldn't seem to move my arms, my legs. Suddenly I realized I was tied with a bathrobe cord. I was a child again. Adele and I were playing our games again. My husband and everything that had happened between Adele and me had been nothing but a bad dream. Oh, a feeling of relief swept over me. And suddenly I, I heard footsteps. And the door creaked slowly open. Then I knew that what had happened had not been a dream. For Adele stood there in the doorway. Not Adele, the child who would rescue me. But Adele with gray hair who hadn't spoken to me for all those years. She wore a long dressing gown. She was barefoot. Her long hair streaming about her shoulders. 
There was a vacant, stupid smile on her face. She carried a bucket in her hand. And the odor of kerosene filled the room. She didn't seem to notice me as she went past me. She threw the liquid from the bucket onto the bed. I struggled wildly, but it was no use. Oh, I was tied securely. And then I saw a still figure on the bed. It was Doug. Oh, his face was so white. He was unconscious. And there was a deep gash at the side of his head. And Adele came back into the room. She'd filled a bucket to the brim. And she walked toward the bed again. Clara? Adele. Untie me. Untie you? Why? Adele, listen to me. This is your son, Clarence. Yes, yes, Adele, untie me. You were looking for him. And he was here all Please, untie me, Adele. I never knew your son. For years, I never knew him. How old is he, sir? He's only ten. He's just a boy. Adele, you're sick. Untie me and we'll go for a doctor. You want me to be well, Clarence? Yes. Untie me. Are we friends again, Clara? Yes, we're friends. I want to help you. But I can't forget the ten years, Clara. <gasps> I must wash those years away before we can really be friends oh, again. Oh, forget those years. Let me help you. <laughs> untie me now. We can't forget them, Clara. We must wash them away. <laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> I was washing away the years. <laughs> Your husband's gone. The son is all that remains of him. <laughs> then we can be sisters again. You don't know what you're doing. Untie me, Adele. But this isn't what is it I have in the <laughs> No, but you, you see, you're sick. Well, I put into the lamps to make them burn. No! I could burn away the years. Oh! That would be better. No, 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 for the love of heaven, untie me. Burn away these years that remain on the bed. No, Joe. I could do that. With this candle. Then you and I could really be friends again. Like when Mother was alive. We could be sisters again. Always and forever. You're lying. We're not sisters. Now listen to me. Well, children, and you've tied me with this cord, and now you must untie me like, like you used to do when you left me too long and I cried. You're lying. We're not sisters and we haven't been for years. And now I'm going to punish you for lying. Just as Mother used to punish us when we were children. Then she started walking unsteadily toward me, a lighted candle in one hand, and a bucket in the other. The liquid slapping over her dressing gown as she walked. Clara! Do you remember the time Mother washed out my mouth with soap when she caught me in a fib? That's what I'm going to do to you now. Oh, oh perhaps it would be better if I burned you. Oh, no! Oh, Clara. Oh. Waken your precious son. We mustn't wake him. Adele, Adele, untie me. I, I promise you that I'll take Doug and we'll go away. You'll never have to see us again. No, Clara. And she kept moving towards me, holding the lighted candle close to her breast. 
You mustn't ever lie to me again, Cora. Adele. Adele, you're ill. You don't know what you're doing. Wash away the years. Burn away the years. Oh, goodness. I saw a tiny flicker of flame on his breast. The silly dressing gown. She'd held a candle too close. Her entire dressing gown was a mass of flames that spread swiftly to her hair. In a moment, she was a blazing torch. And the odor of burning filled the room. Oh, I can see her face. Surprised and contorted with pain. Oh, she turned and looked towards the bed a second, the bucket flaming in her hand. But then she went screaming out the door and towards the Mrs. Foley. You mustn't scream like that. I wasn't screaming. That was my sister, Adele. Yes, I know. Try not to think about it, Mrs. Foley. You knew my sister was burned to death, didn't you, Mrs. Willard? Oh, she was so very beautiful. Yes, I know. Try and rest. Is there anything I can get you before I go to bed? No, thank you. Well, go to sleep then. I will. Good night. Good night. And pleasant dreams. (laughs) Was that my sister, Mrs. Walters? No, no, Mrs. Foley. It's one of the others. No. They scream because they remember things. Yes. Yes, I suppose they do. Good night. Good night. I remember things, too. I remember. Promise me you'll never leave me, Claire. And that whatever I do, you'll do. I promise. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. players. I must, I must discuss that. Twelve actors, top actors, got together and decided to have a show that was a house show. CBS house show. We didn't care how much we got. You know, if we got, we didn't care. I'll tell you how much we got. $49.60. That's all we got for a half hour show. And we decided to do shows we liked. And we chose the scripts. We cast each other in certain roles. And, for instance, we, we were sitting around in our first um, reading of the script. Somebody would say, oh, that's your part. Oh, is that your part? You'll be so marvelous in that. And the actor would say, yes, but it's so close to me, I don't want to play it. It's too easy for me. I want to play something I, that I, I don't know anything about. And that's how the rehearsals went. They were just fascinating because good actors were communicating with each other in a marvelous and stimulating way. And, oh, I just had so many wonderful roles on that because uh, we picked up some very good young writers at that time. Lawrence and Lee wrote a lot of our scripts, and they were just starting then. And um, 
um, John Michael Hayes used to write our scripts. We were picking up young embryo writers at that time. And, uh, oh, it was a marvelous thing. I'd love to try a thing like that again. Dragnet. I, I was on Dragnet quite a few times. And the Jimmy Durante show. Uh, one of the funniest breakups I've ever heard in my life uh, occurred on the Jimmy Durante show. It was a thing where the, everybody laughed for about ten minutes. We couldn't get back on the groove. We couldn't get the show back on. But he made a funny little mistake, and it was in a scene with me. I was supposed to... It was always a gimmick. Every week it was a gimmick. I was to come out, well, say, as a librarian. He'd come in and ask for some books. And then I would explain what things they had in these books. And it would be about a long paragraph of great big ten or eight and ten syllable words. And I'd have to get them exactly accurate and straight so that he could then garble them. Although they didn't garble them for him at all. They wrote them straight for him. He did enough to them. And he said something that was not, you know, it was something you wouldn't expect to hear over the air. Well, I've never heard an audience go to pieces so much in my life. It was just, uh, it was so much fun, of course. And uh, the, the booth, you know, when, when something happens out there on the microphones and uh, you look at the booth, they disappear. You know, when you when some somebody said some terrible thing to you they didn't expect to say, you're looking for help there and there's not a soul there. They were all on the floor. And you can't do anything. Um, um, Elliot Lewis said something to me one time on the air, and it was so shocking I could hardly believe it, but I looked in the booth and there was nobody there, so I decided he had said what I thought he said. So I had to go on, but luckily I had two pages of narration. There was a thing called, This Is My Story, a very sobby thing. It was a marvelous show. I loved doing it because I could sob all over the place. I was, it was very dramatic. So I just cried for, a whole, for two pages. And it didn't, wasn't difficult at all for me because I just, it, it just got sadder and sadder as the time went on. All the laughing I wanted to do, I put into crying. There was a thing called Hollywood Star Playhouse. It was fine, too. I did My Man Godfrey on the air one time with William Powell. And I did it so much like Carol Lombard, it made him cry. He just said, oh, that's, that's just the girl. You've got her. You just got her completely. You see, in, in um, radio, when you're out there doing a live show in front of an audience... And you have your script in your hand. Nobody will stop you. Nobody can change your performance. See, anybody as arrogant as I am about my work and about my acting, that's pure heaven. I don't like it any other way. I don't want somebody to come over and say, I don't think you did that quite right. Or, oh, would you stand a little taller there? Don't put your head down on this. And, and uh, why did you look over at that place there? You know, I don't want all these criticisms while I'm trying to concentrate on the characterization. Because when you're on radio, you're on. And nobody can hurt you. Nobody can distort your performance. Now, I can't remember what coffee company sponsored the Baby Snook show. But I was on that a great deal. See, they would have, they would have um, uh, the Baby Snook spot. And they, they would almost always have a good dramatic spot or a good comedy spot. And I was in almost all of the other spots. And I worked opposite Frank Morgan one time. And I've never heard an audience laugh so much. I have never been so, you know, uh, just 
elevated to the rafters with excitement and joy because it went so well. And to work opposite him and keep, you know, play that ball game, throw that ball back and forth the way we did. See, I always like to work with the top people. I'm not very good when I work with people who are not very good. <laughs> I'm just not. I like to work with, I like to work with people who are uh, vibrant and know their business. Uh, I, I work a thousand times better if I have a challenge. I think it comes from being a Leo like I am. I just think, you know, because I'm a Leo, I just, I'm that, I roar that way. I would not like to see radio go to the unworthies, as it might. I want to see radio put back in the old timer's hands. The ones who directed it and the agencies who handled it, I wouldn't want to see radio done in any of the people's hands in the last 20 years, maybe. I shouldn't say that, because there's some very bright young people that I adore lately. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I just would, the unscrupulous shouldn't have their fingers in radio, ever. Reminiscing, I feel you near, once more you're my love of yesteryear. Be with us next week for another nostalgic look at Radio of Yesteryear. Now it's just about time we were picking up our members and moving along our way. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these songs and the memories that go with them as much as I've enjoyed bringing them to you. And I'll be keeping my weather eyes peeled. Yes, sir. Looking for you all to join us the next time we drop around this way for a friendly little get-together. And I hope that'll be real soon, folks. And until then, this is your old friend, Singin' Sam, saying goodbye for now. Same Time, Same Station is produced for KRLA News and Public Affairs by John Price. Associate Producer, Cam Courier. Special Research by Martin Halpin. Our thanks to Miss Lorreen Tuttle, our guest on tonight's program. Be sure to be with us next week at this same time, same station. Sober Lasky. Jaws Professional Radio Show, Alt Tab, Saturday Night One, Alt Tab, Sound, Alt Tab, MSL, Alt Tab, MSL, Alt Tab, MSL, Alt Tab, One, Same Alt Tab, Radio Shows, Alt Tab, Saturday Night One, Alt Tab, Items View, Multi Select, Alt Tab, Saturday Night, Alt Tab, Sound, Forge Pro 11, Escape, Escape, Enter, 0.674, Enter, Menu, 5A, Leaving menus, save as dialogue, file name, sound 2, edit.
S A T U R D A Y N I G A T S E C O N D P C 1-27-18 I T 8 P A T R I C I A Save as type combo box wave save but enter JAWS Professional Apple Software Update Dialog Alt F4 Welcome to Skype Press Alt Page Down Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.0 Escape Sound for Escape Escape Enter Alt Tab Skype Tray Alt Tab The New One Alt Tab Send to One Alt Tab MP Alt Tab Register Alt Tab Replay Alt Tab MP Alt Tab Spotify Alt Tab The New One Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro List Get Enter